All right, everybody. Welcome to season seven, episode one, Dragonstone. So good. So been too long. I mean, uh, really miss Game of Thrones. It's really hard. Uh, you know, like I guess that's the kind of personality I have, empty personality I have. And I'm like, man, only seven episodes. How am I gonna do it? But it's so glad to be back in the arms of these characters, uh, familiar friends. And maybe a story arc with some characters that we, I feel like I love that we haven't spent enough time with. But maybe that's because I love them because we haven't spent too much time with them. Now, don't adjust your, uh, don't adjust your, what do you call it, uh, headphones or anything. I am on the road here. So, uh, like, uh, I'm on Sweet Terry Lake, Ontario here in a cabin. So, uh. As I said in the opening, but just to reiterate, like this will be a little bit shorter. Won't have uh, Tom and and uh, Pounce and uh, various old gods and the new and the thank yous, just because it'll be too disruptive. Those are recorded in studio, but we'll be you know we'll be back with those. So don't you worry uh, next week because those are ready to go. And uh, yeah, if you're new to Game of Thrones, or you haven't seen it. You know you'd have to weigh out uh, the spoilers, but I think. Uh, the show isn't spoiler free because I'm going to be talking about the episode, but uh, it'll be it'll be meandering and, and, and slow to get there. So uh, yeah, Dragonstone uh, season one episode seven opens with a cold open, as they say. I call it a teaser. People that know what they're talking about, like my brother and Weiss and Benioff, they call it a cold open. And oh boy, was this one ice cold! So good. What it, like uh, what an opening. And for those of you that saw it, you you like I don't know if it evolved, the scene evolved uh, for you as it did for me, but it did. It, it took me a while to dawn on me what was happening, and even when it dawned on the the brighter folks among me, like it, I I didn't quite understand what they were saying. Like it was very disorienting. Like and that's one of my favorite things about Game of Thrones is the misdirection. And their ability to disorient. But it starts with uh, Walter Frey's fingers on a table. He's listening to the noise of his feast. His eyes move. He pounds his goblin and he stands. He makes a speech. He even laughs at his own joke. And then he snaps when the wine's ready to come out. And I wondered what the candle budget was for this episode. Uh, like he's in this great hall with all his family, all the phrase. He's like, "Hey, wonder why you wonder why your old uh, old uncle Walder's having two feasts in one time? It's because you're so great." Uh, and he he stands up to deliver this. Uh, what does this say? Campbell Abel with method. Thanks. Candelabras with melting wax. So yeah, there were some cool candelabras like covered in uh, melted layers and layers of melted wax. I don't know if that was from um, like uh, like just this party, like the party's been going for that long, because they're just about to have the toast, and he says, well, "Let's bust out the good wine for everybody, not Dornish wine, you know, the good stuff, uh, Arbor Gold, proper wines for proper heroes." I was still like, "Huh, okay, is this a flat? I don't know when this is taking place. There's something weird here." And everyone stands and they drink, but he doesn't let his like daughter, wife, or whatever drink. Uh, and uh, then he goes, he starts talking about the Red Wedding in a lot of detail. Like, oh, you're such heroes. Like, uh, you know, um, like uh, being rude and, you know, you gave salt and bread. So you took somebody under your roof, but then you weren't nice to them. 
You know, you didn't change their sheets every night. You didn't keep sand out of their bed for the Starks. You didn't keep, they had sandy beds. That was great. I loved that. And then you didn't have hot coffee. You only had cold coffee. You, you, you are the best at wedding. Holy moly. Remember when that guy, who, what was that guy's name anyway? He was like the Blackfish's kid. Remember that? Uh, we really treated them great. And, uh, one guy in the back, like, starts rubbing his uh, throat, uh, and then everybody else starts doing that, and they say, "Wait a second, this isn't wine. This is uh, like this is water." And uh, now we all have to go pee. And like, like I said, Jesus must be like extra water because or Gatorade or something, or I guess caffeinated water, like total diuretic. Uh, so they all have to get up and go to the bathroom. Then there's this huge line for the bathroom. And then we realize, I mean, at that point, you realize uh, Arya is in the house, Arya Stark. Uh, and there's a thin smile on Walter Frey's face as all the Freys, you know, get ready to go to the bathroom. And then they're waiting in line, and that's the worst. Uh, and they don't have the, the bathroom capacity for all of the Freys. And Arya just pulls off her mask. And she laughs as accidents start to happen, and uh, Walter Frey's daughter-wife looks on. And Arya calmly says, when people ask you what happened here, tell them the North remembers. And that tell them winter f- came for House Frey. Watching this live on closed captioning here for you. And the, the, the daughter-wife is breathing. And we see the candles, and Arya walks through all the phrase waiting to go to the bathroom, having, you know, they can't all wait. They can't, some of them can't wait. And she kind of just, like, she does a slow, small, and then we get that signature Arya smile or grin. I guess it was more of an Arya grin. And you say to yourself, holy cow, Game of Thrones is back, buddy. Holy moly. And then the episode opens, and there's a couple differences. One, King's Landing, I think the Sept of Baylor's gone, but I couldn't tell if there was, like, a, like framing for something new. Then we see Dragonstone uh, coming up, and that's the title of the episode. Uh, then we see the twins, where we just were, Walder Frey's twins, a necessary fortified bridge. Just like fortified cereal, fortified wine, fortified bridge. Then Winterfell, we catch a glimpse of the liver. Then we go, we see the tree, the old gods, and we see the like the astrolab. And we head up north to the wall, and we see the wall. So we say, okay, I guess this is, I've never done this. They say, okay, this is where we're going this episode. I never do that. I just realized maybe next episode I'll remember it. Oh, say, oh, we're going to go to the wall tonight. Uh, then we shoot all the way over to uh, the other coast to Old Town. Uh, Smazani Seer, no, uh, Starry Maestro, I think, in Prague. And uh, really cool. It has its own astrolab and, uh, in the in the great library. And then we see the, uh, the lighthouse. Uh, and then we see a cold blue and black plain in the north somewhere. In the wind, cold winter sky, gray winter sky, there's sun just barely poking through that winter sun sky. And then we see that kind of snow sm- smoke fog wind or whatever uh, rolling in that we saw at Hard Home, slowly working its way towards the camera. And then we see a horseman 
on the horizon coming towards us uh, through the smoke fog wind uh, smoke fog and then we see more horsemen i don't know if we saw seven horsemen i think there's only four horsemen in that famous poem or whatever but uh there was either five or six or seven so not not four but again it was foggy and i'm watching it now and this is really a great, a great scene. Like this was in the room I was in. This was getting oohs and ahs because uh, then we see a giant uh, hanging uh, with the northern crew, and then we see another giant. Then we see a third giant, and then we have a close-ups uh, of one of the giants. And then, not to be outdone, we see the milky whites of uh, a looker or whatever. Uh, in the eye of the giant as we get a close-up. And the giant's got a cool look going. Um, really amazing. Like, uh, I was stunned. at Because uh, the camera kind of booms up. And uh, so we see the three giants, two are further off. Uh, and we know Bran's watching because then as soon as we see the eye of the giant, we see Bran's eyes. And he's like, uh, he was he's gotten it down because he quickly comes back from checking the giant's. I guess this would be a tactical advantage, uh, having Bran at some point, this may become a tactical advantage that he can check out the giants and stuff. Uh, maybe one day control them. I don't know. But then we see Bran and, uh, uh, Mira Reed, uh, are at the wall. Our buddy Ed, Dolores Ed or whatever, Dolores Ned. And I guess he's got to be an Ed. The listeners always come at, like, uh, they say, Scoots, it's Ed. But uh, he, he's our buddy. He's the leader of the Night's Watch now, I believe. And he comes out. Oh, wait. All quiet with music. A couple more. Holy Cow, Giants, Times 3. Then Bran. Bran at the wall with Mira. Ed and the Watch. Uh, they come through the gates. They're like, hey, are you wildlings? And Bran's just laying back there. He blows Ned's mind. He goes, uh, like, first Mira goes, no, this is uh, Bran Stark. And I'm uh, Mira, you know, you know, whatever that Mira dudes. Uh, but then Brand gives like uh, Ed his like bio. He says you were here, then you were at Hard Home with my brother, then you were up in the Fists of First Men at different points. And here's a shot I just noticed. He says, "Okay, bring him in," but he stands out and looks north. Uh, and there's like two or three different shots, like a long shot, and then a, like a close up of him with a torch looking north uh, past a wall with stress. And then we drop in at Winterfell, and in Winterfell we have, uh, we've got like a meeting going on, big meeting, I think, uh, and let me look through my notes here, uh, maybe, let me, let me pause the episode while I go through my notes, uh, yeah, we have a North meeting, John's at the head table, like, I'll do the dialogue second, how about that, uh, he's got, uh, Sansa on his right side and Onion on his left, uh, or no, Sansa on his, his left, uh, my right. Uh, Sansa's on his left. Onion, they're, they're kind of looking and sharing looks. Uh, and we have the uh, the young woman from Bear Island. We have Brienne. We got Tormund. Onion Knight really likes listening in, and he really likes uh, both Sansa and John's opinions. Uh, this also brought up we'll, we'll we'll dig into the facts like where was Hardhome? Some I'll talk about it in the facts, but I was like, is Hardhome on our side of the wall or the other side of the wall? So uh, that was one thing uh, that, that seemed important to me to look up. So then we kind of have Sansa. Let's see, 
uh, we'll talk about Tormund. And, and, but Sansa and John kind of have a disagreement on how to deal with the, the people that were on Ramsey's side. And as they debate things, I guess we don't need the dialogue. As they debate stuff, there's like nice reaction shots of like as Sansa kind of stands up to John of Onion and Brienne. Brienne's almost eyes are closed listening. Little fingers listening to her kind of, uh, you know, she's just trying to help. And uh, I guess uh, she's uh, she's t- tougher than John, I guess, uh, as we'll see, because there's a sec- like a second discussion about it. But uh, Littlefinger likes any discord because then he knows he can sow that. Uh, and then, yeah, let's look up this dialogue because I have a little dialogue note. But uh at some point, they say, who's going to watch the wall? And then he says, what about, you know, the wildlings? We can't just ask you free folk. Uh, and Tormund says, uh, he stands up and he says, yeah, we'll watch the wall. And then there's a whole idea of uh, we need everybody, men and women, boys and girls, uh, fighting against, you know, fighting for our freedom. And you know, like to say, kick, let's let's take this patriarchy. Let's not end up like that Earth. Uh, let's kick this patriarchy to the curb right now. And it's not an easy discussion for for people to have, especially once you break over like uh, twenty five or thirty. Like it can be, uh, you can get some gruff people. But with John and uh, the young woman from Bear Island, whose name at some point I'll remember. You know, they really like. Uh, she's very. She she she's like. No no no. We're we're all in this together, and you don't have the right to tell me you can't. Uh, you know, defend my people. So yeah. Then they talk about. She's like. Uh, okay. Last Hearth and Carhold are the next two uh, uh, castles. Uh, so that's when the debate happens. Like, what are we going to do with the people that were with Ramsey? Sansa says, give, their, give them to the people that were on your side. And John says, no, 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 that's not my style. I'm Mr. Forgiveness. Uh, like, didn't you see how well that went for me at uh, Castle Black? He never said that. I thought he was going to say it, but he doesn't. And everybody's taking this in. And it's just, it just does seem like an evolving situation as the episode goes on between who's going to lead and who's going to have their say and it, you know in the past uh well whatever we'll get to it uh and we also get a little shot of podrick in the house as sansa and john say you know johnson no 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 let's forgive them and then they kind of ca- cap it off with he calls the two heads of the household together and it's a little little boy and then a tween young woman or girl whatever you say uh, Ned and Alice, I guess, and uh, he has them swear allegiance to him. We get another shot of uh, Littlefinger. John saying, "When I was commander of the Night's Watch, uh, you know, I had to make tough decisions uh, when people wouldn't follow orders." Uh, no, no, I, I guess I, I like uh, John's a little too stoic here, uh, but he gets called out, so I, I don't need to fixate on it too much. Uh, but they come and they swear their loyalty to John, the two two kids. Uh, and then we get a shot of Winterfell. That was a big hit with the crowd because there's all these camps outside of Winterfell, like all the soldiers are encamped there. And then we have a discussion with Sansa and John on the second level. And my favorite part was like halfway through the discussion, Sansa grabs John's arm because uh, he's sulking because she's she's still standing up to him. She's like, "Listen, man, like you got to get over." your oversensitivity because uh this isn't about i guess i can maybe paraphrase it it's i'm ahead of the episode right now 
but she says you got to get over your oversensitivity here and and like a lot of these other guys these uh, like uh she's like maybe at least just take some advice because you know your dad and uh what was the other dude's name richard no i forget his name i think that was the actor's name the other stark whose name i forgot uh he, uh, he, like, they were, they were, like, too stoic. Like, they didn't get, uh, like, the Game of Thrones. Like, have you heard Cersei say Game of Thrones? Uh, and then at some point a maester rolls up. The new, it must be the new maester. I'm not sure exactly how trustworthy he looks, because he doesn't look super trustworthy. So the maester, he gives a, a scroll, and it says, uh, Oh, wow, I'm looking at that shot again. There's even the uh, the old woods or whatever with the, the tree with the red branches and stuff. Really cool. But Sansa and John are walking the ramparts, and she's saying, geez, don't we, like, uh, uh, Joffrey wouldn't let it. Like, she's like, you got to find some balance between Joffrey and Dad and uh, the, my other brother. Uh, but she does say Joffrey wouldn't listen. But she's not, like, all harsh. She's like, you're good at ruling. Uh I mean, she's basically, she's almost begging without begging, being like, just let me help you because I have a, a, a viewpoint that's valuable and I have a lot of experience despite being whatever, like your, your little sister who's probably like only 19 or 18. Like I've, I've lived a full life now and I've been exposed to a lot of stuff, including Cersei and Joffrey. So I've seen their leadership style too. And she says, you know, you can't protect everybody, and the world's not super pretty. Like, uh, there's other things. Because he says, oh, quit undermining me. That's when she grabs his arm and turns him around and really gives it to him in a loving way. She goes, oh, Rob is the other dude's name. Like, uh, she says, I'm not undermining you. I'm helping you. She goes, you need to be smarter than everybody. It's a Game of Thrones, dude. Like, you know, don't you remember season? Oh, you weren't there. Weren't you there when season one, when Cersei said it? And that's when we get the word that Cersei says, hey, come down and, you know, bow down and show your fealty to me. I'm Queen Cersei in his house. And she says, geez, we got to, we can deal with the north or south. And they're kind of debating, well, Cersei will never come north. And, and uh, Sansa says, you don't know Cersei then. Because uh, she's she's uh, she she plays the Game of Thrones to the extreme. She's not going to let anybody slide. And John's like, well, I don't think we can. He goes, we got bigger problems. We got these uh, giants in the north here. And then we see this cool uh, rising boom shot because they're walking and talking all the time. So we see this cool shot of the north uh, uh, and, and them on the ramparts and the distance in the cold plains, like kind of like, oh, no one ranges north uh, for battle. It doesn't work out. And Sansa says, "Well, I don't know. Don't make assumptions. Like you'll make you'll make worse than an ass out of you and me. It'll be it. You'll be like Robin Dad." Uh, and she's just kind of making her case, and uh, I think John's considering it at least. Uh, like, uh, but, but I guess it's a tough position to be in when we can see the pieces coming together. But if we know anything about Game of Thrones, that's what I keep telling myself. It's like, well, uh, we don't know what's going to happen because it's like after this episode, it seems like everything's laid out in a sensible way. We just don't know how the parts are going to come together, but I can guarantee by the end of the season it's going to come together in a much different way. That's why this show is so rewarding to watch as a viewer and the masterful way they do that. Like, okay, like by the end of this episode, it's pretty common sense. Like, we don't exactly know what Cersei's next move is going to be. 
but the most sensible thing for John and the Khaleesi, it would be, you know, in, in, uh, like everybody else would be like, okay, well, that would make total sense. And, uh, but who knows what's going to happen? That's what I love. And then let's see. So we get a nice views of the North South snows and, uh, I've learned a great deal. She says from Circe, cause he says, you oh, it sounds like you almost admire her. And then we get a few bars of the reins of Castamere. Circe's uh, shoes or heels go across a giant map, and there's a man painting with a paintbrush. And we're in this nice courtyard with a like a courtyard-sized map of Westeros. Beautiful, beautiful map. Holy cartography. I just cartographered myself. Uh, very nice vines on the roof. Uh, Autumn, autumn vines, so maybe even winter's coming this uh, to to, to uh, King's Landing. And Jamie rolls up, uh, and he t- gives the painter a look like, hey, get lost, sucker, and he does. Everyone's wearing black leather, but this season in Game of Thrones, black leather's in. Uh, get a hold of your, uh, get a hold of Wilson Leather if they're still at the malls, and get over there. But Jay- Cersei stands in the center of the map, and Jamie stands at the side. And there's a lot of, like, she's like, this is it, buddy. This is our chance. Uh, and she goes, why have you been so quiet? Are you mad? He goes, no, I'm not angry. Uh, she goes, are you frightened of me or afraid? And he turns his head and he looks off to the side. Uh, he says, should I be? And she just goes off about Tyrion and, you know, saying, you know, everybody's like against them. And Jamie looks a little bit uh, ragged. I mean, for him, I mean, geez, he's like, a, like his hair is just, uh, I guess it's a barely must. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know if that was intentional, like a little bit less perfect than normal. And Cersei starts to work the, the map because uh, she says, we got all these enemies. But she goes, where's where's the Dragon Queen going to land? And Jamie says, Dragonstone, where else? Uh, Deepwater ports? It's a, like it's unoccupied, and that's where she was born. Oh, this is when Cersei says, enemies to the south, enemies to the east, enemies to the north, and enemies to the west. Uh, Olana, I mean, Highgarden, Olana's got to be super peed, P.O.'d. So it'll be interesting to see what Cersei's move is, because uh, she knows she's got something up her sleeve. So she walks the map. She goes, well, what, if you're in charge, what are you going to do? He goes, well, winter's here. We're not going north. Uh, also, I noticed in the background there's a ladder that maybe the painter was using, and it looks like one of the ladders you would buy on an infomercial. It's wooden instead of being metal, but it's like a, like a folding ladder. Uh, but Jamie's saying, she's we look like the, uh, we're on the losing side. She goes, I'm the queen of the seven kingdoms. He goes, oh, three kingdoms, actually. Because we're in trouble, uh, sis, uh, sweetie sis. And she goes, this could be our dy- dynasty, a thousand years. And he goes, a dynasty for who? A thousand years? He goes, we don't have any progeny. We're the last of us. And then she says, a dynasty for us then. And Jamie almost hiccups. Holy cow. So uh, let me stop it. Uh, that's a 2345-ish. Uh, really worth a, a rewatch of this reaction. When she says a dynasty for us, he almost hiccups in shock because uh, it's so out of tone with the reality. And then he does come back. Uh, a dynasty for us then. 
wow, well, great acting. Wow, really great acting. And he goes, what about Tom? And, you know, what about all this? She turns away, walks towards his wine. He comes after her. And she uses the, the uh, like, whatever, I don't know what the therapist called this, but, you know, blaming, you know, she says, well, you know, he's against me. Everybody, you know, people shouldn't have messed with me. Uh, she goes, we're alive. We're the Lannisters. We're the ones that count, Jamie. And she's losing him. I mean, he really is torn. I don't know where's, I can't wait to see Bronn. Uh, but he goes, we need allies. Uh, where are our allies now? Yeah, Jamie Shock. Let me see my notes. They t- check in with Walter Frey. Nice fall vines on the roof tiles, as I said. Uh, and then he says, uh, they say, what about uh, these things? She goes, do you think I listened to Father for 40 years and learned nothing? And then the drum starts, and then we hear seagulls. And then we see the Reaver ships uh, with the squid, uh, Cobra Command. They almost have a Cobra Commander thing on the squids. Uh, very, very Cobra Commander-like. These uh, warships are going into port. They're churning through the water. I mean, somebody get Captain Nemo on the phone because, holy moly, very cool. I mean, oh, my gosh, some of these shots... Uh, because they're going into the port, port of King's Landing. So we see the... Uh, the Red Keep, and it's like, uh, and Jamie says, the Greyjoys, and they're overlooking the bay with our buddy, the blue-faced man. And Cersei says, we need stronger allies. How do you get better than this? Uh, and Jamie goes, they're buffoons. Uh, they are, they break promises. They do what they wish. Uh, and Cersei says, everyone does what they wish when it suits them, and they have ships, and they're good at that. And Jamie goes, no, no, they're bitter, angry little people. And they're just the little thieves. Uh, and he goes, what are they doing here? And she goes, uh, well, you're on Greyjoy's here for a queen. And Jamie has another shock to look. Uh, and Cersei walks off, or Cersei walks off. And uh, then we are in the throne room. And you're on Greyjoy's there. And this guy's a rap scallion, and someone in the room, my brother Ken said, this guy's dressed just like a rock star, which he is. He even has like a rock star uh, posture going, like with one shoulder down, and just like he's totally at ease. Like it's like he's in a hot tub when he's just in his natural state. But he really is dressed like a rock star. He looks, I mean, the dude looks like smoother than smooth. And also, oh wait, let me pause it here because there was no, there's no more gold clo- 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 cloaks. There's just Lannister soldiers now. Uh, they must have been disbanded or something. Cersei's on the throne. Uh, she what? No more gold cloaks. Uh, dude looks like a rock star. Total rap scaling, putting on a show. Even tries to step up to Cersei. He's like, hey, what up? Like, uh, I'm the total man with the ships in the, his house. And he's like, I'm a king, you're a queen. And he goes to step up, or rightful monarchs, he says. Uh, and then the blue-faced man steps towards him. So does Jamie. And uh, he, like, Cersei just looks out of the corner of my eye. And Jamie goes, you're not a monarch, uh, are you? And he gives Jamie this, like, oh, God, the look he gives them. This guy's a trickster. And Jamie goes, you're like a kind of dirtbags, aren't you? Uh, sneaky and, and uh, back, back, backhanded. The guy's just giggling almost as Jamie talks. Uh, 
And he goes, yeah, I remember, yeah, you guys totally rocked us back when it was the Lannisters versus the Greyjoys. Uh, you were total, totally like a ballet artist of swords and stuff. Uh, he goes, I totally took off. It was great for me. You totally, all the relatives I didn't like you uh, dealt with greatly. He goes, I didn't believe you were that cool, but uh, you, he goes, I didn't believe, he goes, I thought I had good hair, but you have great hair. Uh, he goes, the rest of us, uh, he goes, I'm pretty smooth, though, dude. He goes, you're a bit stuffy. And he goes, I have like, a, you know, he goes, I got that uh, Russell um, brand thing going. He goes, you're more like uh, that dude that plays Captain America. And he goes, dude, I'm smoother than smooth. Uh, seriously, check it. Check it and see. I got a fever of like uh, 101.3. 14 C's, I got them all. And seriously, goes, well, you're definitely not the most humble, dude. He goes, you're not humble. And she turns her, she tilts her head the opposite way when he says that. He goes, you don't care about it. He goes, who cares about the Aryan Islands? I'm just here to help you and get what I want, and you can get what you want. Uh, she goes, well, I want your fleet. Uh, he goes, uh, we got the greatest armada you've ever seen, baby. Uh, you can run the seas. And there she starts breathing through her nose. She almost barely smiles. Uh, he goes, you can rock them all with our fleets. And she goes, what do you want in return? He goes, I want to marry the most beautiful woman in the world. Uh, that's what I want. And she goes, declined. Uh, he goes, of course. She, he goes, why? She goes, because you're not loyal. Uh, and so he goes, with two good hands. And he reaches his, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, he, he has like this overbite look. Uh, and he spreads his arms, looks at Jamie, grins, laughs. Uh, that's when she's like declined, not trustworthy. And then he like does a Picard where he kind of adjusts his jacket and he goes, I'll prove it to you. He goes, I don't expect you to trust me. I'll get out there. And when he says that, Cersei moves her hand. Let me see, like a rightful monarch, uh, two good hands, declined. Oh, on proof, he says, on proof, her hand moves with interest. And then he walks off, and then she's rubbing her hands. Uh, and the door's open, and he's out of the throne room. Then we see the light coming in the library, going through this mirror and magnification system to light the whole library in Old Town, uh, the great library. And then we get a montage, a really funny uh, extended montage of Sam working. And his job is like putting books away, uh, feeding the, the, you know, the, the main, the, the actual, like, uh, I don't know, what do you call that? Tenured, tenured maesters uh, working uh, bedpan circuit. He definitely works the bedpan circuit with the other uh, maesters to be. And feeding them soup and dealing with it. So it's an extended funny one that just kind of shows the drudgery of being a maester in training. And uh, it, it's just a fun sequence. And we see a lot of maesters. And uh, we kind of see that they have an extended, they get the library. They also have two different facilities for people that aren't feeling good. They all eat together. We also see the restricted library, which is behind bars. And Sam says uh, we could tell he wants to, uh, like, uh, go, go, you know, check that out. Uh, and it's also, it's almost calling to Sam. And at some point he sees a dude go in and unlock the gates and go in there and lock himself in to study. Then he's off with the Archmaster, who I guess is a, like, that was a Harry Potter cookie. 
but he's weighing stuff for the Archmaester with brass. They use metric system. So, by the way, USA, hello. Even in Westeros, they use the metric system. And uh, let's see, meters for sure. Well, actually, I think they're measuring in grams or... um. But uh, uh, let's see, Sam uh, helps out. He lays out his case. He says, dude, like, uh, I've seen all this stuff. Uh, don't you think I should check out these books in the, the restricted library? Because, uh, you know, I saw those, you know, I've, I've been in the North. I've seen all the North things. Uh, don't you believe me? And shouldn't I read up on those? And the guy, the Archmaster, is cleaning his hands and his gloves and listening He's kind of summary. He's like, uh, like, he's like, do you believe me? And they go back and forth. And he's kind of like a deducer or whatever. He's like, well, there's no reason for you to lie. And I do believe all this is true because of the different accounts or have similarities. Uh, they couldn't be accounted for. So yeah, I believe you're telling the truth. I believe that there's trouble at the wall above the wall, but he goes, the walls stood for thousands of years and it'll be fine. And that's one way to look at it. That's some cognitive dissonance by an intellectual. Uh, and uh, I guess it would be like, well, like, uh, I think like that's what we see uh, in our world right now. It's like, well, this is my position and it's sensible and the wall, it's going to be fine. The, the wall's there. Uh, nothing to fear here. Like, uh, who cares about it? The ocean's big. There's an iceberg in the ocean. It's not going to do anything. I guess that would be the contrast. So then Sam's like, okay, forget it. Uh, system's not going to work for me. So he goes back and he steals the keys to the uh, restricted library. And then he goes in at night and gets some books. This got cheering from the audience and from me. Love, we love it. When, and also Sam looked great. He, uh, they must be given regular haircuts there because his hair's combed and cut. His beard's trimmed. So he looks great. Then we see Podrick and Brienne. They're uh, doing some training. And Brienne's really having some fun with Podrick, and Tormund's watching, and he's having fun. Uh, and he 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 comes over uh, to 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 chat with her, and she gets distracted, and then Podrick. Uh, it's just a great scene. Uh, he's hilarious. They're both of them, and uh, so he, Podrick gets a drop on Brienne because she's distracted by Tormund, and then. Uh, Brienne gets irritated with Patrick and throws him in a snowbank, and Tormund goes, you're a lucky man. So, I mean, this is another brilliant thing, is like, uh, they know when to time this humor. Holy macaroni. And then we get back to Baelish and Sansa, and this is, a, this is Baelish's high school boyfriend, you know, overbearing high school boyfriend personality. Because he's saying, she's, I thought you wanted to be, I, I just thought you wanted to be happy, Sansa. I guess uh, you just want those other things. But, uh, you know, because that's why I'm here annoying you. It's just because uh, no one else really cares for you to be happy. They care about what you do. You know, he's trying to play it out and uh, really working her hard. And she totally shuts him down. At first, he's like, what's with Rianne? Uh, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I, mean, I guess I'd have to let, let me jump ahead to see what she says to him because what she says, I got Brian here. Let's see. So she says, I got Brian here. I'm, I'm surrounded by family. I really don't, you know, need it. And he goes, well, don't you need to be happy? Uh, what can I do for you, basically? Why aren't you happy? Uh, what do you want that you do not have? She goes, peace and quiet. Uh, 
And then Brienne rolls up, and Baelish can't think anything, and Sansa crushes it. She says, uh, no need to seize the last word, Lord Baelish. I, I'll assume it was something clever. And he almost says something, and he sucks on his lips. Uh, and then he says, milady, to Brienne, and milady, to Sansa. And Sansa's got a look. Brienne gives him a look out of the corner of her eye. She goes, why is he still here? He's the worst. Uh, and Sansa goes, well, he's got that army and with horses and stuff, and he helped out. And uh, I think I have, again, just as like the danger, just like Cersei, well, I think I have him under my thumb. Uh, I think I know his angle, but we don't. And he, there's a shot of him walking away, Star Wars-esque shot, I would say, of him ba his back with cape. Then we hear a bird, and we see this uh, focus pole. Like, the focus is on a tree branch and some leaves or something. And then it pulls focus, and we see uh, Arya. And there's singing going on, and uh, we get our first celebrity sighting, which got, like, a lot of giggles in the room. But, you know, he actually looks good, Ed Sheeran or whatever, Ed Sheeran. And they're singing a song about hands of gold, always cold. Uh, the woman's hands are warm. Uh, so they're singing, and uh, they see Arya. They're like, hey, what up? Uh, why don't you come down and chill with us? We're here to host. These are Lannister soldiers, by the way. And this one, like Sansa goes, or Arya goes, I never heard this song. And he, Ed Sheeran goes, well, it's a new one, uh, which I, I don't know. Uh, but whatever, this it's a quibble. So they say, hey, how about, and there's this one, there's a couple nice, this is really a, like a revealing scene about uh, battle and war. So Arya rolls up, she scouts out the situation, they say, hey, eat some um, eat, eat some uh, game with us. Uh, and there's one guy who already has a crush on her instantly, this little guy, like the youngest soldier. And they say, man, it's cold. It's going to be cold tonight. Where are you going? She goes, King's Landing. They go, oh, King's Landing's the worst. They do, uh, Queen's messed it up. Uh, the the Baylor's gone. There's uh, tr it's trouble. We're glad to be gone, but we miss our families. Uh, we just wanted to see everything, but uh, we, that's why we moved there. We heard about the legends. She's checking out the situation to get a drop on them. You know, they say, like, the dragon pits are the pits now, man. And uh, so she starts to get to know them. They, they give her some wine. They give her some uh, some game to eat. Uh, and then they start talking about their personal stories about one guy. He's, he's, he's had a son or a daughter while he's been away. And they're like, we're peacekeepers. We're just here to peacekeep and deal with whatever was going on with Walter Frey. And you can see, it, like, uh, Arya's mind working. Uh, as she's assessing the situation, they go, geez, we're, we were taught to be kind to strangers, uh, but we're stuck out here fighting someone else's wars. Which I think is a callback to, like, uh, I can't remember. I think it, it's been said before in this series. Uh, and it definitely, there's a guy that talks the most about his dad on his boat. Definitely some sort of connection with Arya. I can't quite figure it out. Maybe maybe it'll be that she's jacking or something. But uh, they said, well, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm taking out the queen. And there's a long pause, uh, but then everybody laughs. They say, oh, yeah, you're taking out the queen. Hilarious. Uh, then we see, then we, this is like uh, when I get really happy, because the next scene is like, uh, it's daytime, but there's a thick snow, like a blizzard almost. We see bushes covered in snow. 
We see men on horseback. We see it's the Hound and the Brotherhood, Brotherhood without banners. And these are two of my favorite characters that we haven't spent a lot of time with, so I'm really excited. And they roll up on an old, familiar stone house, uh, and it's cold. So they're like, we got to go inside. So the Hound's like, we don't need to go in there. And they go, well, there's no smoke. No one's there. Uh, we got to get inside see if they got any food and get warm. And so they go inside, they start up, they're starting up a fire and Barrick and Sandor, they sit down to check. Cause first he's like, I don't want to be in here. Uh, I don't want nothing. Uh, I don't want anything to do with this. And, you know, they're giving him a hard time and stuff, but then he sits down with, uh, let's see what other notes I have before we get to the dialogue. Uh, you know, we hear about kind of Sandor is like, uh, Miss, like he doesn't quite grasp their religious convictions because they're fighting for the Lord of Lights. Uh, and I forget the other guy's name. I know Beric Dondarrion. I forget the other guy, but he gets it. Sandor goes, "What you got a top knot, bro? Like, uh, so where do you live? Uh, like, so he gives a little hipster barb to him, which is funny. And just any time spending any time with the mountain is uh, uh, great. Uh, but is he the mountain? No, he's the hound. And any time with the hound. Uh, but also Beric Dondarrion and then the dude whose name I don't know uh, from the Brotherhood Without Banners, the priest, uh, Thor- Thoros of Mir. There you go. I remembered it. Thoros of Mir. Uh, he, I love him because he reminds me, you know, if Jeff Daniels and Jeff Bridges had a, a son who became an actor, that's who that would be. Like, it's a, he's got the best features of both of them. And it may be Jeff Daniels, but I don't think it is, uh, because I think I would have already known that. Uh, oh, he's, he, I think he even says uh, that the top Nazi cover is baldness, maybe? I don't know. They say, hey, come on inside. Let's get comfortable. And then Barrick says, let's talk, because you seem irritated. You know, first he says, oh, like, they know, they kind of get a hint that uh, the hound's been at that house before, and he didn't leave it in the best condition. Like, he slept there, didn't make the bed or nothing, and left things so messy that the family had to move away. But so then Barrick sits down, he says, she's really irritable about this religious stuff, and you're definitely irritable with me. What's up? And uh, the hound says, well, why do you keep coming back? I don't get why this dude brings you back from the other side. Who would want you back? No offense, you're not bad. He does say that. He goes, you're not terrible, uh, but you're not so hot either. And you got that eye patch. And, you know, how can you, like, who do you think you are and who do you think your God is that you keep coming back? And the dude says, well, I have no idea. I don't know. Believe me, I think about it every day. What am I doing here? Like, existential creeps right in. And he goes, why, you know, why, why am I here? Why are we all here? I don't know. Uh. And then Thoros Amir says, hey, let's take a look at this fire. And, of course, then there's other jokes. Like, of course, I get stuck with a bunch of fire worshippers. Uh, uh, divine justice is what uh, Beric Dondarrion says. And then he goes, no, no, divine justice would be that uh, I didn't leave this house a mess, so the family had to move away. And he goes, okay, fair enough. Uh, but uh, they say, look into the fire. And this is another great, great scene for acting. Uh, uh, by Rory, uh, like as uh, Weiss and Benioff say in the uh, behind the scenes at the end. 
But he says, you want to know more about the Lord of Light? Come and look in the fire. And he goes, don't worry. Come on over. And he he makes his way over there slowly. He puts his hand up on the hearth. Uh, and he looks into the fire. And they say, Jesus, look at the fire. Really look at the fire and tell me what you see. And I liked how they chose not to show us what he's seeing. They show everything through his face uh, and his reaction to what he's seeing. And at first he just sees fire. And then his mouth opens and he moves back a little bit and he goes, I see ice. And Barrick looks over and he's kind of amazed or shocked. I mean, so I don't know if he didn't think it was going to work or he's shocked at what he's seeing or that he's seeing the same vision they are. Uh, and he's like, Jesus, people, he goes, it's the army of the north uh, marching past uh, mountain, hard home, uh, port city. And Barrett gets up, and then Sandor takes another uh, step back, uh, and uh, you know he says, "Oh, geez. And he goes, "See, don't you see what we're in for? This is uh, that's what we're on a mission to stop." Uh, so again, I like how the pieces are being laid out, but I know Game of Thrones is still going to surprise us. Uh, then we see, uh, like, uh, Top Knot sleeping, uh, whoever, Thorosamir is sleeping. We call him Top Knot, and he hears something. He rolls out of bed, goes outside. Sandor's, uh, uh, or the, the hound is, like, doing laundry. He said, I'm finally going to wash these sheets that I sullied, uh, that made this family move away. And the guy says, well, let me help you. Uh, it just seems, like, very important to you. And he goes, yeah, it's like a, a living amends. And they say, okay, let's do it together. And then Sandor says, well, I got this prayer that my mom used to say above the laundry. Uh, he says, you know, forgive me for not doing my laundry and letting it sit too long till it got moldy. And then he goes, I don't remember the rest. Uh, but we see that he's evolving. Like he said, well, wow, he started uh, and he's making amends. Like, uh, so it's a big deal, you know, big deal for our big boy. And we're all proud of him. I mean, I, I know I am. I say, buddy, I, I love you. Now I love you more. Oh, okay. There was a couple of uh, shots at the end, uh, like of the mist in the mountains as they're doing the laundry that I forgot to mention. Um, and as they're working. And uh, then as, after he says the laundry prayer, he actually, uh, is, uh, uh, the hound wipes his hair out of his eyes, and he goes, so, gee, sorry I didn't do your laundry. So he also, he also makes, he also apologizes. So I don't even, I forgot how uh, powerful that was. Then we see Desmond Better. What does that mean? Desmond Better. Uh, Desmond Better. I don't know what that says. Uh, honestly, I don't. Uh, D-E-S-M-I-D Better. Oh, you deserved better. You deserve somebody that did your laundry when he apologizes. Then there's a shot of Old Town's Lighthouse. Holy cow. You know, if you listen to these episodes, how much I love the uh, ancient wonders of the world. And I really appreciate these kind of recreations. And this is like the great uh, lighthouse, I think. Uh, I can't even remember. Pharos, maybe? Uh I mean, this town has two of the ancient, uh, as the great library too, but, uh, the lighthouse has a giant fire on the roof, which we haven't seen since, uh, what was that? One of the, uh, Lord of the Rings movies, I think. Something cool like that. Uh, so that's cool. Then we see a shot of all of Old Town. We hear city sounds like dogs barking. 
And then we see Sam's kind of pulling an all-nighter studying, uh, really studying hard. Gilly and little Sam are playing, and Sam's tired. And she's like, Sam, you should catch some rest. And he's like, no, 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 they don't catch any rest. I got to keep working. Uh, and Gilly grabs the book and kind of sits down next to Sam. She reads a little bit. We see her reading is greatly improved. And uh, Sam's looking through his book, trying to figure out the dragon glass situation, which Jon Snow had been talking about. So I didn't mention that. Uh, at the big meeting, that's the one thing he said. He, we got to find a dragon glass and a way to mine it. And then Sam's looking through his book. He finds a dragon glass mine. And of course, where is it? It's in Dragonstone. He says, Oh, yeah, I forgot. Stannis had mentioned that. Uh, and we say, Okay, these are these pieces coming together or not, are they not? Uh, this is going to be interesting. Uh, he says, That's all the dragon glass uh, John would need. I got to get a message to John. And he jumps up like he's going to send a scroll via Raven. And I think he does do a, do a note, but then the next day he's doing the rounds at the quarantine place uh, at uh, in Old Town, and he's feeding all the quarantine people, and we hear the voice of Sir Jorah as his hand comes through a window, but he's in quarantine, and Sam's got gloves on, and he says, has she come yet? Uh, Sam's like, what? And he goes, the Dragon Queen, Daenerys Stormborn. And Sam's like, eh, uh, maybe maybe we should change your medication. Let me write this down. And Jorah's not in great shape. He's definitely, uh, he's got that stone thing going. And then the drums start. Uh, and we see a close-up of the Khaleesi, and she's breathing through her nose, deep through her nose. And there's nothing better than watching the Khaleesi breathe through a nose because uh, uh, it really adds the gravity to the moment, and it's powerful. And then we see her crew, and everybody's in black leather or near black leather, and we see the dragons. Her dragons are at Dragonstone flying around it. They're like, they look like they're fully grown now, very worm-like, uh, W-Y-R-M. And Khaleesi's still breathing, her mouth's open. Very, everyone's take, got the gravity of the situation down. Varys, uh, Tyrion, Miss Sunday, Miss Sunday to me, and Grey Worm. And then they pull up uh, to, to the uh, shore, and we see like the cool uh, stone of the shore. I don't know if it's slate or what. And Khaleesi walks up the beach. She's resplendent in her dress. I guess it's not black leather. And they let her walk ahead. We watch her walk across the beach, a stride, a purposeful stride. And she's really taken in. She goes to her knees and she puts her palm in the sand and kind of lets it sit there and feels the sand, presses her palm in, pulls it out, feels the sand in her fingers, and she looks up at Dragonstone, takes it in, and then she heads forward. Uh, and she's really striding. Her hands are at her side. And, uh, I don't know, she has a, definitely a purposeful look to it. And then they slowly work their way up to the doors, uh, the first set of doors. The Game of Thrones music's playing as uh, she heads up the stairs. And there's these dragon head carvings at the first set of doors. And some of the unsullied open the doors, and we see the path up to Dragonstone, up the uh, up this little uh, 
up the mountain, I guess. Uh, and we see Khaleesi's face, and she takes some more breaths. We see Tyrion's face, uh, the gravity of the situation, a lot of breathing, a lot of silent breathing. And then, like, seeing what they're looking at, uh, and uh, really amazing, uh, like, watching their eyes uh, soaking it in. And they march up to the fortress. They go through kind of like a rock portal that I don't know if we ever saw this, uh, this rock portal. Uh, and then we see, because Sans was here, you know, and then we see Sans's flaming heart banner. His, I guess that was the second banner. And the Khaleesi tears that down. Then we go into the old throne room, which is cool. And we see that where the Iron Throne was pulled out, uh, like a blank spot for the Iron Throne. At first, I didn't know what it was. And they said, oh, wait, that's a blank spot for the Iron Throne. And uh, Khaleesi walks up. Masande stops Grey Worm from following her as she goes up towards the throne. She walks alone. The Khaleesi, just like she's she's almost all in black, and just like Johnny Cash walked alone, she walks alone. And Tyrion looks around the room, and then at fifty around fifty nine thirty, we get a close up of her dress. And holy cow! I mean, the embroidery and the detail of her dress has got these red, dark red, deep red in black kind of dra- dragon embroidery it is just amazing it just a whole, a whole uh, her whole uh the costumes in this episode were just mind blowing but hers is like uh just is so detailed like it should be but also uh seemed fairly functional so like cuz it's almost like a cape she's wearing and it that was just mind blowing uh then she goes into uh, Stannis's like map battle planning room uh, with a giant map table. So we get a callback to Cersei's map, uh, or Cersei's map. There's a dragon carving on the wall. Tyrion checks that out, and there's just this cool shot. She runs her fingers across the whole table, across the dust, uh, across like Stannis's planning tools, past them, around the corner of the table. And it's really slow, and we kind of see, like, where, you know, we remember some of the memories of Stannis standing in this room, looking out to the water. And she stands at the end. This was such a like, amazing cap to an episode. She stands at the end of the table as kind of Tyrion's taking things in, and she looks uh, uh, over at everybody. And then she just simply says, uh, like, the sea and the sky is behind her. And she says, uh, shall we begin? Like, with power, and but just business, too. Uh, it would, like, that gave me goosebumps. It did give me goosebumps. And the episode came to a close. Uh, so, quite a, I can't wait till next week. Uh, I can't wait. And then we're, so we'll get to the facts right now. A couple things came up this episode. So the first thing that came up was the hard, hard home in the wall. Cause, uh, I guess with that episode, I've been working on the assumption that hard home was uh, south below the wall. Uh, but it, like, uh, and I said, geez, well, the wall's already been breached. Like, isn't hard home like where the wall meets the sea? And I, I don't know why I've been, that was a false assumption that I've been operating on, which has given me like an extra intensity of like, well, we're already in big trouble. The wall doesn't even matter, or they don't understand how the wall works. Uh, like, because they were still talking about defending the wall. So I had to look that up. And it ends up Hardhome 
is a free folk. This is from the Game of Thrones wiki. Uh, it's a free folk fishing village. It's north of the wall uh, on the Shivering Sea near Storold's Stor Point or something. And when we look at a map, it was really relieving to me because it's uh, pretty far north. Like you have the Shivering Sea, which is a giant bay, northern bay. And uh, Hardhome's out on this point, Storold's Point, like they said, way out there. And then there's a giant forest between uh, Hardhome and, uh, like, I don't even know how the walk, walk, walking people got there. Because I said, well, she's like, uh, like, uh, really took an indirect route to mess with everybody. But then it's a long way down to the Bay of Seals where Eastwatch by the Sea is. So we're in a better shape than we thought. And uh, and we've reviewed the wall before. So Eastwatch is the eastmost castle. Then we have Castle Black in the middle and then the Shadow Tower all the way towards the Bay of the Ice, I guess, in what we would say is the west. And when we look up, uh, I think there used to be 17 castles on the wall when it was fully uh, like fully staffed. Uh, let me see what I got here. And... Uh, yeah, over on the Game of Thrones wiki, uh, uh, it looks like, at least in the books, there was 18, 18 total uh, castles or, or uh, garrisons and stuff on the walls. I don't know if all of them, let's see. I mean, we've d talked about the wall before, you know, colossal fortification over 300 miles on the northern border. 700 feet tall, made of solid ice, uh, but constructed using magic. Uh, we're a little short on magic users if we have a thing. It uses a variety of defenses. Uh, you know, you can be on the top, and there's, like, warming stations and stuff to, like, let you uh, shoot arrows or barrels with ice and oil and stone, catapults, uh, and other things, like a, those giant arrow launchers, I think, uh, uh, pendulum to uh, like cut and rain ice, uh, and if anybody's trying to climb the wall, which happened, uh, so yeah, like it looks like I mean, we got to get people on the wall, we could use some magic and then brands on the way. But I guess my biggest concern with the wall was that, uh, well, what if uh, they're already past the wall, like, or like, was that like the water part, like, uh, I don't know. I guess I was just mixed up. I was really feeling uh, less optimistic. Surprise, surprise. So that's a little bit of just a quick uh, thing that was on my mind that I looked up. And another thing that came up was the lighting system they had in uh, the library at Old Town, the great library, and how they use magnifying glasses and mirrors to light the room. And while I didn't have time to totally research that, I found this article, like, I was like, oh, what are the modern equivalents? Because I know if you're on an airplane, or maybe it's like other magazines, they show those, uh, uh, those like, uh, what are those called? Like, sun, what are those things called? Like, uh, moon roof, a sunroof, uh, sun, I, I can't remember what they're called. Maybe this article will tell me, but like, uh, that uses like a tube to get sunlight into your house to light it, uh. Sun domes. I don't know what those things are called. Uh, and I think I've been in one or two houses that had those. And I said, well, that works pretty good. Uh, but this article is from Fast Company from 927 to 12. Uh, it's written by Anita Hamilton. Just a quick one about uh, a mirror system that brings sunlight into the darkest uh, corners of your home. These sunflower heliostats uh, 
let you focus the sun's light anywhere from solar panels in your garden. And this sounds cool. I haven't heard about it since 2012, but it says, uh, you know, we've waited for the clean, green solar power revolution. And this was five years ago, so it's talking about the cost of solar panels. But another way to harness the sun's energy is to use regular glass mirrors, which are 95% efficient. Uh, wow, at reflecting heat and light. Did not know that. Uh, and once they were deployed solely in large-scale solar fields, these heliostats, as they're called, are now uh, compact enough to brighten up. So this, I think it's possible, it was what we're already learning, to brighten up uh, gloomy rooms or shade-filled spots in your garden. Because uh, they were also using magnifying glasses. Uh, the Sunflower Home Heliostat uh, from Wakoda gives you the freedom to redirect the sun where you want it. It finds where the sun is and tracks it. Uh, it's an 18-pound device, $399, six triangular glass mirrors like petals on a flower, around uh, four microprocessor transistors that track the movement of the sun. And when the sun hits a mirror, light and heat are reflected and sent where, to whatever spot you've designated up to 25 feet away. And solar power motors adjust the mirrors to reflect the maximum amount of sunlight throughout the day. Surprisingly powerful, up to 500 watts of power in the form of light and heat. Uh, we wanted to create something, uh, according to Wakoda, uh, that leverages the sun's energy. Mirrors are the most efficient way of doing that. Uh, Ed's a former engineer from Sonos, a home audio company, who used his sunflower to light his tomato patch in the summer to get a bumper crop. Uh, uh, the one drawback, it also reflects ultraviolet rays. Uh, so that's interesting, and I guess it kind of does prove uh, that was in a short, compact way that at least conceivably what they're doing at the... Uh, uh, with all their astro labs and stuff is possible. So another cool little mini fact. And then the last thing I want to look up was like, what are the best feathers for writing? Cause, uh, there's a lot of quills, uh, Sam's doing writing, uh, and the grand Maester's doing writing. And I said, what are the best quills for writing stuff? Uh, but there's a couple other things that came out. There's an instructables article about how to make a feather writing quill and what you, and how to do that. So I'll include that because what you need is a soup can, some sand, a sharp knife, some feathers, and some calligraphy ink. Uh, and it kind of shows you how to prepare the feather to create the quill, the quill how to temper it uh, so it has a nice, uh, sharp, uh, hardened tip. Uh, you can leave it in a drawer for three years, but that takes too long. The other way is to empty a soup can, fill it with sand, and heat it in the oven. Then remove the can and thrust the quill into there and wait, and that'll uh, uh, temper your quill. Then you'll cut the tip after that, uh, and then you'll get to writing. So that's a cool one. Then over at the History of Pencils, they have a History of Quill Pens, uh, which kind of just talks about how using the point of the feather and the hollow shaft could hold the ink and how the capillary action would be good for writing, which I didn't realize. Uh, you know, before people used to use write on wax or clay with reed pens or papyrus uh, or reed pens on uh, papyrus and animal skins. Uh, uh, but they do say you can't just take a feather and dip it in the ink and use it. You have to prepare it, as we learned about uh but they all use uh, large feathers. Uh, so here's our answer. Only the five or six largest from goose, swan, or turkey. 
although feathers of crow, eagle, owl, or hawk can also be used. Uh, so there is a, you, you want a big bird. I guess, I guess, would big bird's feathers be too big? Uh, what about a peacock feather? Is that, because you see fancy, uh, like over the top, like bureaucrats or, or uh, kings and queens using super big feathers. Uh, and uh, let's see what else. Uh, over on Wikipedia, it talks about a quill pen being used from a molted uh, flight feather, pre- preferably a primary wing feather for a large bird. So that kind of gets down to like, what are the best ones to use? Uh, so to, you know, she's another good use for turkeys. Like, uh, Maybe that, like those of you that are listening, you could think about that for next Thanksgiving is uh, giving everybody a quill. You know, that could be a, like, a, that would be an idea, you know, for a centerpiece, uh, give everyone a quill. Maybe go, if you're getting some heritage turkey anyway, be like, give me some turkey feathers, primary, but they're not primary flight feathers because turkeys don't fly that I know of. Uh, but anyway, something to think about, something fun to do, and I'll, those will be included in the show notes. And uh, for now, that's it. Just picture turkey feathers uh, gracefully floating on the breeze or, you know, another bird that flies like a goose. Uh, do geese fly? I know when doves fly, uh, they fly across my heart into my dreams. Uh, so thanks for listening. Thanks for being here for Season 7, Episode 1. Good night. All right, everybody, we're back. It's, uh, season 7, Episode 2, Stormborn. And boy, do I feel like, I, I literally, this is how much I love Game of Thrones, and I love all you Game of Thrones listeners, Game of Thrones listeners. I literally uh, got off plane an hour ago, and I'm here recording the show, watched it on my phone on the plane a few times, and uh, this is the first episode I consumed totally on a phone. Uh, which is not ideal just to, due to be, being on the road. Uh, but now I have it playing on an iPad. Opening's going. Winterfell's growing. Uh, but we're talking about Stormborn. And oh boy, uh, does, it, like, uh, does it make sense at the beginning? Like, uh, and I think at the end, if I remember. Uh, but this was quite an episode. It, uh, let's see. What, oh, rain, it starts with rain, rain on Dragonstone. And it's not exact. There's a lot of thunder. It's a pretty serious storm. Not, well, no, no, no. I guess the weather, the weather people, or what do they call them now? Meteorologists would say it's a serious storm, but more of just like a, not exactly. You wouldn't want to be outside, uh, but you know, not exactly uh, like atmospheric for 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 being on a dragon, like a dragon stone, dragon island. Oh, to live on Dragon Island, I'll tell you that. But it's called Dragonstone, actually, Scoots. Uh, Dragon Island, something else. Uh, there's some ominous waves washing up. Uh, I had to close the windows on the airplane. I mean, they're the blinds to get a good look at Dragonstone. Uh, those waves wash in. There's lightning. There's foreshadowing with the shadows, and it's hard to see. And then much like one of my favorite rides in the previously in Disneyland, but now it's gone and they still have it at Disney World, I think the Tower of uh, of uh, the Terrible Twos, I think they call it, uh, it has a light on up. One lone light is on. And then Tyrion says, in a night like this, you, you know, uh, Khaleesi really could, uh, t- you know, like uh, really do, like it has a lot of work to do. 
and we have Varys, Tyrion, the Khaleesi. They're talking about lions. They're working out the plans on the map, but they're really working out interpersonal things. And I think this was like a cathartic moment for the Khaleesi to kind of like, uh, like whatever they say. Sometimes they say you're, when you're asleep and you're dreaming, your brain's like flushing stuff out. I think she was really flushing some stuff out with Varys. Uh, and they're talking about, well, geez, what's the strategy? Shouldn't you just do like a go, go, go? And uh, Tyrion's like, no, let's let's not make a mess of things. You don't want to be queen of the ashes. And I guess like they don't think Khaleesi's going to be Car- the Kerrigan. Like if this is StarCraft, I don't know who Khaleesi's analog is. Also, Varys is rocking what I, appears to me to be an upgraded robe. It's got a real, it's really nice. Uh, it's got like a green, it's really nicely, I don't know if it's embroidered or, like I could use that robe to ha- like hang around in. It's got these earthen tones and maybe even some iridescence. And Khaleesi comes up on him and she says, you know, who who were you loyal to originally? Like, and then, you know, they talk around it, uh, you know, Robert to Circe, her father. And she says, all your little spies, all your little birds. Uh, like, she goes, would you want my brother to be king? Like, uh, did you think he would be a good king? And Varys is like, uh, he's got a poker face, just like, uh, like, uh, like they sang at the Super Bowl. And so does Khaleesi. I mean, Khaleesi's really probing him to be like, uh, who are you and what do you want? And like, where, like, uh, I don't know. This is a really good scene. And she walks towards him. She's really good at making extensive eye contact. I'm noticing on this viewing. And she goes, are you worried? Are you conspir, are you conspiratorial or, uh, you know, are you, do you fancy yourself a puppet master? And he goes, no, I'm a kind of servant the realm needs. Uh, I'm not blindly loyal. And I got an opinion and a point of view. And then he makes his pitch kind of to Masande and uh, Grey Worm. He goes, yeah, I'm not from, you know, I'm like, uh, I've been around. I was poor and uh, I was, you know, uh, like, uh, like worked against, you know, wasn't a free person. He goes, I'm on the side of the people, not on the side of the despots. And uh, he goes, if you want blind allegiance, you know, that's, uh, you can, you know, kiss me goodbye. He goes, if you want a strong opinion from a wise, you know, someone that's crafty, he goes, I think you're going to be a great queen. I I chose to work with you, and I think you're the woman of the people or the dragon queen of the people, or whatever title you choose. And the whole time when Khaleesi, a couple times Tyrion tries to make peace because he didn't know where Khaleesi was going. So he tries to offer his backup a couple times, and uh, Khaleesi shut him down. That was earlier. Uh, But then Khaleesi says, so you're going to be my truth teller for the people's side, like kind of like the Onion Knight, but different, Uh, but hopefully... And he goes, I swear it. And she goes, okay, so no conspiratorial crafting. Just say it to my face, and otherwise you're toast. He says, I would expect nothing less, uh, my dear Khaleesi. Then the doorbell rings. The red priestess is in the house, the, his house, or the, the stone, I guess you'd say. And so they go out to the audience chamber throne room. 
And they exchanged some pleasantries. Like, I was wondering if she'd say, hey, show me what you really look like. Uh, but they speak in Valerian. And, uh, like, Varys says, oh, by the way, she was loyal to somebody else. And she goes, oh, this is an auspicious day because we're forgiving people that other served other kings. You booked a great day to come, uh, Varys. Uh, and I love that. She, I put, she roasts Varys. Uh, one more time. And then she says, what exactly does your Lord expect from me? And then it like ends up, uh, they're talking about this prophecy. Khaleesi's g- gender and non-gendered nouns are off. So Masande says that's a non-gendered noun. When she says it, like when she's talking about who's going to rule, it could be a prince or a princess or a king or a king queen. Uh, like it's non-gendered. And Khaleesi goes, that's great, because uh, I thought, like, I just made the assumption of freaking patriarchies up in my brain. We got a deep patriarchy, this whole shindig. And I really liked it, like, uh, how Masande did it. Like, uh, Khaleesi's like, she said, I like that. Uh, and let's see, property are dragon things. What does that mean? Uh, what does that mean? Properly our dragon thing. Oh, prophecies are dangerous things. Because she says, what's going to happen? The Red Bruce says, I don't really know. But then she goes, somebody else is going to play their part. The king in the north, Jon Snow. And Tyrion goes, what? Jon Snow? Khaleesi goes, you know him? He goes, oh, yeah, we hung. You know, we hung on on the wall. Uh, he goes, he's he's a pretty chill dude, I think. And uh, Khaleesi says he he brought all the wild or the red priestess says he brought in all the wildlings, uh, gave him protection, united the houses. Uh, and Khaleesi says you sounds he sounds decent. Uh, she goes summon John Snow, let him talk to you, and tell him what he's seen. And uh, then Tyrion goes, I can't speak for prophecies, but uh, I like John Snow. Uh, he's cool. Says, I trust him and I'm an excellent judge of character. And he says he might be a valuable ally. Plus, he doesn't like Lannisters. But then Khaleesi says, yeah, he can come and bend the knee. Which gets a pretty long reaction shot from Tyrion. Because they think Tyrion knows how Jon Snow, Jon Snow doesn't bend knees. Uh, watching this reaction again. Because uh, Khaleesi's doing her stone cold uh Khaleesi thing. It's like a, a three-second reaction. Then we have uh, archery practice with the kids at uh, Winterfell. And Sansa, the Onion Knight, and John are going over Tyrion's note. Uh, consensus is, is he's not like the other Lannisters. But uh, Onion Knight says he sounds like a charmer. Uh, by the way, thank you for keeping the Onion Knight in this show. Holy cow. What would I have to, like, what would I, where would things be without, uh, like, uh, one of my favorite characters, uh, if not my favorite character. And now, not only has he gone from his truth teller to now he's a right-handed person, uh, fingers or not, he says he even, he's now making, like, inferences. He says, you know what breathes fire? Dragons, dude. And rights don't, whites don't like dragons. So uh, he goes, uh, maybe we should go talk to her, but not, I'm with your sister, though. You shouldn't go. Maybe somebody should go, though. And, man, so, like, uh, we, I don't know what I'd do uh, without the Onion Knight. Then we go, next thing we know, we're in Circe's uh, audience chamber. 
and she's there's a bunch of scowlers in there. You gotta you gotta check this out. Fifteen oh six. There's like a bunch of people scowling, and then there's this guy hand wringing and worrying. At fifteen oh six, just pause it. He's wringing his hands. Uh, he's behind uh, the Tarly Tarly crew. Looks a little bit like an older Hank Azaria, and. Uh, uh, at first, I didn't know it was the Tarly's crew, so I said, who is that dude with a great voice? Uh, and Cersei goes, uh, total xenophobe, if I, if my assumption of xenophobe is correct. Uh, she's, she's, gets, she gets, she's doing a new dance. It's got, I don't know if it's a new dance, but it's a new uh, new twist on a new dance. So xenophobe, she says, let's get xenophobic, just like... Uh, Olivia Newton-John saying, let's get physical. Seriously sings that version of it. And Jamie just says, did you say xenophobe? Because look at me, I'm handsome as hell. Yeah, then Sam's dad steps up. He goes, how the heck would we stop a dragon, uh, by the way, uh, seriously? And then another one of my favorite, you know, villainous characters, uh, Old uh, Mad Maester, whatever, Clyburn, I think. Uh, he goes, we are currently working on a solution, my lord. I, lo- I love that guy. I mean, I don't love what he does. I bet you Sam could use him to uh, help Sir Jorah, though. Then the session ends, and Jamie rolls up on Lord Tarly. There's a little joke with Tarly's kid, because Tar- Lord Tarly goes, you know my kid, of course, Lord Jamie. And Jamie goes, uh-huh. What are you, Dickin, Rickin? He goes, yeah, Dickin. Like, I believe you know my son. Jamie's like, no, I don't. Uh, but, uh, you know, me, kind of. And then Jamie tries to put butter on uh, Samwell's dad, Mr. Lord Tarley. And he he's buttering him up. He goes, it's a long ride back to uh, where I'm going, Lord Jamie. Uh, what do you want? And Jamie goes, well, I'd like, I think you're the man to help me. Like, you're totally the general, your greatest swords. Uh, you're, t- you know, you're like, you could be, you could be ranking general in the wars to come. Just swear allegiance to me and help Cersei against everybody, even your boss, uh, Miss Tyrell. And Mr. Charlie goes, I'm a Tarly dude. That mean means something. We're not, uh, Oathbreakers or schemers. He totally burns Jamie. We don't really do, do we put people in the back or do red wedding stuff. He goes, I, my oath means something. Uh, and Jamie goes, well, you got a queen here, bro. Uh, he goes, I tell you what, not only are we xenophobic, he goes, we got some ageism here. We're ready to, he goes, can you combine xenophobia and, and ageism into one political movement? And I say, when did they write this episode? But they, you know, there's a different twist on it. Cause he says, you know, that lady Olana's like, uh, he goes, come on. I know you don't like my sister, but you'll love her. You'll love her. You know, you'll learn to love her. He goes, Rick, he goes, maybe, maybe she, you know, maybe like, uh, like a Rick and, uh, you know, what do you think? Uh, cause he goes, really, I think you're the best. Charlie's all the way. And let me see. He says one thing, uh, uh, let me see what, uh, get some in Jamie's face. Oh, he goes, there's no better man than Randall Tarley. But then the shack goes, to, and I, cause I said, I say Samuel Tarley. 
And they show Samuel Charlie grimacing, and it's at Sir Jorah's checkup, and they say, this is tonsillitis, buddy. And he goes, how long do I got? Uh, and they say, well, 10 to 20 years. But he goes, well, for sore throat, uh, six months probably. And Sammy goes, well, what about, uh, like, uh, uh, Stannis's daughter, uh, you know, can, can we, like, uh, get it? He goes, I think he said pardon. Somebody says that because I wrote something that looks like pardon down. And the headmaster goes, does this look like a baby to you? And he goes, you got one day, Jorah, and then you're out of here. And Sam goes, uh, should we get, like, uh, word to your family, sir? And they even, like, like reveal that by, like, talking about, like, they show his sword and stuff. So that's how they figured out he's an anointed knight. Uh, there's even a gif or jiff face, 2036 or something. Sam gets a good jiff face uh, when he says, oh, Sir Jorah, Mormont. And Sam goes, what? what? That's the gif face. Uh, and he goes, no need. My family doesn't like me. And then they say, come on, Samwell. Then we're under the Red Keep, uh, and uh, what's his name? Clyburn's like, uh, you been down here? Uh, Circe, he's down there with Circe, Circe. And she goes, I can't say that I have. Uh, no, can't say that I can't have been or something. Have you been down here, Your Grace? I'm watching. No, can't say that I have. Uh, I liked how she said it. Uh, Circe's still mad at Robert. I didn't realize... Uh, how deep her displeasure with him. I mean, I guess she's mad at everybody, but uh, then they like they're looking at the old dragons, uh, the relics, and then the, when it, uh, Clyburn shows Valerian the Red, the organ music starts, and Clyburn goes, powerful but not invincible. And then he does a demo for Circe of like this new like uh, crossbow thing, anti-dragon device they got, and... Uh, it seems to work. He had a total, he actually, he's a very, he's a salesman, man. He acted like he was totally down there. And he says, we've been working on this thing. He pulls the cover off, you know, like it had fake dust on it and everything. And it's already aimed, totally set up. Uh, the only thing that's missing from this scene is the blue faced man. I don't know where the heck he, Clyburn and him, I guess he's Clyburn's his papa, maybe. Yeah, I guess he's like a, allowed to be alone with Circe. Uh, then we see the Bay of Ships, and uh, we hear, uh, oh, I forget uh, Theon's the sister's name. Uh, it won't come to me, I don't think. Uh, but she says, if you want the Iron Throne, you got to take it. Uh, and then, like, uh, the like Elias Sands, like, dude, it's called War for a Reason. And Khaleesi was looking at it on a bay of ships. I don't know if I said that. They're in her planning room. And they're like, what are you going to scurry into hiding? Uh, we, we got dragons. We got, uh, like, and Tyrion's like, well, we don't want anybody to get uh, stomach aches or anything. And Tyrion goes, we do things, like, on the up and up. And then Elias Sand says, what are you saying? Like, you're talking about Masella? Weak, uh... She goes, I can't believe my uh, husband, brother, or whatever, who's defending you. And Tyrion, or Khaleesi says, treat, please treat Tyrion with respect. Uh, and then she quotes him. She goes, I'm not here to be queen of the ashes, yo. 
And Olana, she's got a BS meter. She goes, you know who was loved uh, as my granddaughter? Common people loved her. Rich people loved her. Now she's ashes. Uh, and Olana says, "This oh, this was a key scene. Let me just uh, rewind it by 10 seconds. This quote is to me the whole commoners and nobles, they're all just children, really. They won't obey you, like, unless, you know, blankety-blankety. And that seems to be, like, commoners and, like, royals or children really is, like, one of the key things about Game of Thrones. Uh, and then Khaleesi says, this is my gig, uh, so listen up. Uh, we're not going to just roll into King's Landing like everybody expects. She goes, we're going to see, you know, we're going to do some siege action. First, Olana's like, Olana's like, what are you? she goes, you know, uh, what are you going to ask politely? And Cersei goes, no, 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 uh, you know, you you two are going to go and, like, run it so there's no, ze- so we can get a hold of the xenophobia, you know, hey, like, uh, you, you'll you do it because you're Westerosi, so then they can't, Cersei can't use that political wedge. You're going to go pick up the uh, Dornish in your, the Iron Fleet and then bring them up there. Tyrells will be there. Mace Tyrell will be bumbling around probably on a mule, except he was probably at that wedding. And uh, she goes, Lana's like, what are you going to be doing? And then they blow their mind. Uh, they say, well, how about we hit up that casterly rack with the uh, unsullied and uh, Grey Worm and the crew, we roll right up on that, and everyone goes silent. Uh, and Ellie Sand even grins a little, I think, yeah. And their minds are blown. They, and Sikulisi says, so what's up, you in or are you out? And everybody says, oh, we're in now. Also, Theon was there in the background, all quiet. Uh, let's see, that's enough. I'm not here, you know, to make friends. Uh and Khaleesi says, okay, like, uh, that's it, hit the road. Lady Alana, can I speak to you alone? And they have a great conversation. Khaleesi says, listen, I know you don't like me, but and I know you're out for Cersei. Don't worry, I got it covered. I'll take care of it. And we're going to do the peace thing, the peace train. And Alana says, peace, uh, your father, their father, their father, their father, they all promise peace. Uh, there's no peace. It never lasts. She goes, you want to take advice from an old woman? Uh, I've been listening to a lot of men running their yaps. You're clever men like your hand. They know everything. Total mansplainers. And you know why I'm kicking ass still? Uh, she goes, because they're a bunch of sheep. That's why they mansplain, because they got, they say, well, other people mansplain. You gotta, I gotta know some. I gotta be an expert on something. Vocal fry, you know. I just post in forums about, uh, you know, great podcasting, brilliant journalists with vocal fry. And she says, "Are you tired of that trope too? Like, uh, who cares what you think about people's voices? Uh, like, just listen. Like, uh, like uh, she says all that. She says, why do you, like? So that was like a little bit of a tangent. She went on." And she goes, hey, are you a sheep, Khaleesi? Because you don't look like a sheep to me. You know what? You look like a dragon. So be a dragon. And Khaleesi goes, oh, yeah, you're right. You're a total badass. I ain't. We're both badasses. And she goes, maybe we don't even need that word anymore. And I said, I said well, uh, 
I can I guarantee I'll be accidentally mansplaining something like uh, but and then they like uh, then I woke up uh, but that was that part was a dream. But I loved that scene. She goes, "You are you a sheep? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, you're a dragon. Be a dragon." She goes, "No, you're a dragon." It get chills just knowing those two are on the same team. Yeah, then there's this uh, like sh- like a uh, like a uh, long uh, sharp sword getting sharpened, and there's a knock at the door. And uh, let me check what he said. Like it's Grey Worm sharpening the thing. I think he said McGee or something, which means come on in. And this is a very uh, touching scene uh, between. And I guess like uh, can't help having a crush on someone that's. Uh, Part of like, uh, but this is like a very like a uh, like like uh, can't. I guess I was jealous, but I really I was just appreciating how well done the scene was. But Maj Majai M A J I, I think that means come in. So he's in his room, and Masande comes in, and she goes, "Were were, were you gonna say goodbye?" He goes, "No, nah, I was trying to get out of here." Because I'll see you when I get back. And she goes, like, she's like, what the heck, dude? Uh, you can see how hurt she is. And he's kind of cold. So she goes, well, good, I wish you good fortune. And then she goes to leave. And then he says, Masande, come in here. He goes, you know, I'm strong and everything, but I'm weak in love. And he said he was the bravest. You know, he always had to be the bravest because he was a little bit smaller until he met uh, Masande from the Isle of Narth. Uh, and he goes, you're my weakness. Uh, but he really goes, you know, really, I love you. And she swallows. He does this long explanation of, you know, what it's like to be an unsullied and not to have any weakness. Really good. I mean, like I said, the, like last season when these two, like with their, uh, when they were drinking that wine, or at least she was like uh, the silliness uh, when they were alone with Tyrion. But anyway, like he goes, now I'm afraid because I'm in love. Uh, I fear, and she goes, I do too. And then they have this long moment, then this epic kiss, and then uh, I don't know if it was what band that does that song. I think it's like, uh, I don't know, like I can't remember now, but uh, I don't think it's the same. But you know, they they said they feel like like making love, and they do, uh, just like the song says. And you know what else they feel like doing is transferring to a shot of the library where Sam's, you know, Sam has been making a lot of love to the books, like in a good way, like, like, and I mean, in a metaphorical way, because he's got it down. His boss is stacking. First book is the history of Lannister. So I don't know if that'll get a call back. Uh, but he's like, you know, I really need to find my voice. I couldn't tell, I guess, if he was talking about Sam ghostwriting for him or when Sam starts writing. Uh, but he's so he, whatever, he's like, one of us is going to find her voice. Uh, so read a lot of different books so you can find like, uh, like uh, different styles. And Sam goes, what's the title of your book? Uh, anyway, boss, uh, and I can't remember. He says like, you know, uh, you know, peppers and a chronicle of the wars of uh, following the death of King Robert the first, uh, Sam makes a bad, like a bad smell face. And he goes, well, you don't like the title? And Sam goes, what about something more poetic? And he goes, dude, we're, we're not poets, Charlie. Uh, 
And Sam's trying to get him to help. Like he says, geez, I've been reading a ton of books about this uh, grayscale stuff. Uh, he goes, you know, come on. Uh, he says, I think I can find a way to do it. But his boss is like, no, 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 no chance. No, you're not going to do it. Uh, and then we see a letter to Khaleesi, great penmanship. It's blurred, so we couldn't read anything but the Citadel. But uh, uh, then we hear a squeaking cart, and it interrupts his Sir Joras. Uh, it interrupts his thoughts. Uh, and then Sam rolls in. He's like, hello. He goes, what are you doing here? He goes, my name, like, totally, like, uh, cool. I love Sam. He goes, my name is Samuel Tarley, sworn brother of the Night's Watch. Knew your father, loved your father. He goes, today's not like the day. Reminded me of so many different scenes in movies. He goes, Today's the day you get cured. We're gonna fi- I'm gonna figure it out right now. And he goes, Drink this, all of it. He goes, What is it, rum? And then Sam hands it to him, takes a bag, takes a big pull. And then he pulls out Pylos on rare, uh, rare, rare grayscale stuff. Uh, he goes, Can you take off your shirt? Because this isn't for like modeling photos. This is, I got work to do. And then bite down on this leather thing. And Sir, Sir Jorah goes, you done this before? He goes, no, no, no. Something at face. Uh, uh, something knows at face. No, no, something face. But he goes, I'm the best you got. Uh, and then we have Jorah, Sam starts to try to cure Sir Jorah. And it was such an intense scene for Sir Jorah. And I don't know if this was intentional but I'm very manipulative. I mean, like, as I said, like, I love being manipulated by the Game of Thrones team. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about the show and is not being spoiled is being led on an emotional journey. Uh, I mean, and like where, and being led in unexpected places. And I did not expect, uh, to forgive Sir Jorah. And I don't know if I'm forgiving him because it's more of an emotional burn but this one him back again, like if, if like it was kind of similar to Walter White, uh, uh, a couple of times when Walter lost me, like this one, once, like I said, okay, I'm, 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 I'm I like Jorah again. I mean, he's no, no, no onion knight, uh, but he, he's like, uh, seriously, like, I guess like, is like, uh, like, like I said, okay, like I am feeling for him again. I have some comfort, like I want him to be cured and continue his mission. Uh, then we see, oh, then Sam's going to poke something on Sir Jorah. Then we see a pie getting poked. And then we see it's a hot pie. And it's hot pie in Aria in that place where hot pie got hired. He goes, hey, Harry, what's up? Aria goes, hey, like, uh, where are you delivering these pies? I'm going to eat it. She cuts it like a pro. And saying, like, just like I said, a hot pie, you could have a podcast. He goes, oh, the secret's browning the butter first before you make the, the dough or something. Aria goes, oh, well, I didn't do that. A little Aria pie joke uh, for those people that really like, uh, for the Frey family, I guess. And then he goes, did you ever find that lady night? Like, I sent her to find you and your sister. And then there's even like a little bit of a like moment. He goes, what happened to you, Harry? And Arya kind of thinks about it. She goes, give me some ale, man. And he says, did you know about Jon Snow? She, he goes, where are you going? She goes, deal with Cersei in uh, King's Landing. And he goes, did you hear about that Septa Baylor? Who would blow up a Sept? And like, I don't believe Cersei did it. Arya goes, Cersei would do that. Uh, 
He goes, well, why would you go there when your brother's king of the north, Jon Snow? And then the music starts, uh, and Arya's mind's blown. And she says, thanks, I'm out of here. And then there's a nice little thing. uh, Hopeye goes, geez, I'm just like you, Arya, or I'm like you. We're survivors. Uh, Then Arya goes out front. She changes her path to head north. uh, And once again... It's like, uh, this one is like, will Arya find her way home? And what will home be when she finds, like, like uh, her home and her will be so d- drastically changed, you know? Then I guess uh, that'll be the time for her to find her way home. Uh, she, she's definitely taking the long way home. I don't mean to quote songs. Uh, uh, Jon Snow, oh, okay. So she changes her path yet again. And we see Jon Snow's in a map, uh... The maester, the new maester rolls up on him. He goes, here's a note for Raven from the Citadel. And John goes, this is a game changer, so I got to make a speech about it. And he makes a speech about du- there's dueling scrolls. He goes, scroll number one, a dragon glass of dragon dragonstone. Scroll number two, three dragons and uh, the, the dragon queen and unsullied and Tyrion Lannister. At Dragonstone, uh, Daenerys, t- 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 uh, t- 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 you know, Danny, she wants me to go bend the knee. When he says that, and Tyrion, Tyrion, he goes, this one's from Tyrion, the hand to Daenerys to Targaryen. Baelish has a reaction, like, hmm And Sansa just watches, she's stone cold, and they says, yeah, three dragons, uh, and he goes, they said, come visit us. And he goes, I'm going to accept because uh, we need dragon glass uh, and allies. Uh, Sir Davos and I are going. And uh, Sansa goes, no way. Don't be don't be the dummy, you know. Uh, and uh, she goes, she's here for kingdoms and not friends. Uh, then the big guy with the breastplate from the Vale uh that, you know, was not very good at much, but getting tricked by uh, Baelish. He says, yeah, you shouldn't go. He, no way. Then the old gruff guy from the north, uh, he says no. Then Bear, the, the the young woman from Bear Island says no. She goes, we need a king in the north. Oh, and when he said, I'm going to accept, he, he looked over at Arya for a while. Uh, 4328, someone pounds out, order in the court. I don't, I didn't know who did that, because uh, everybody's, you know, objecting. Uh, and, uh, John's quiet. He goes, uh, yeah, you crowned me king. I didn't want to be king, but the North is my home. And no matter the odds, I'm going to stick up for it. But we need allies, powerful allies. And then he turns to Sansa again. He goes, I know it's a risk, uh, but he goes, basically, I'm leaving things in good hands. Uh, he goes, she goes, whose hands? He goes, yours. The north is yours. 44, 42. Uh, we see Baelish likes this. Also next to Baelish, two or three of the candles were out. So I don't know if the light didn't, if he didn't like the heat or the light or he blew them. You know, that would be a Baelish move to just blow out candles. Uh uh, but I, I don't know, this stuck out. Uh, Brienne likes it. Uh, Sansa accepts uh, her brother's, uh, you know, that she's going to be warden in the north, I guess, with a nod. 
And then we go down to the uh, below uh, Winterfell. We see a pretty weak Ned statue. Or, I mean, that's just my opinion. But, uh, or I guess, it, like, uh, maybe not. I don't know. And uh, Jen looks. What is it? Oh, John's looking at the thing, asking, you know, praying to his dad or whatever. And Baelish rolls up behind him like the Lucky Charms leprechaun. He literally says, uh, hey, deliver to myself. Uh, like that's what he says, just like a leprechaun. Myself, I delivered it like I delivered him myself. Uh, and then he says, blah, blah, blah. Do give my regards to Lord Tyrion. Also, let me get super weird. You know, I was, I know your dad loved your uh, stepmom. I loved your stepmom too. And Jon Snow goes, how did you even get down here? This is family for family only. Uh, and he goes, you know, John, he goes, Stacey Cat totally underestimated you. You're our only hope. Uh, he goes, you're our last great hope. Uh, and, you know, he says, you don't belong down here. And she goes, forgive me. We've never talked. Uh, and then John goes, we're not going to because you're a fool. Which I think was risky, you know, because uh, Baelish is too crafty. And Baelish says, how about a thank you, man? I saved your butt uh, with my stolen army. And also, not only do I love your mother, I love your sister and your mother. Did I say I love your mother and your sister? I'm confused about it, too. Could we talk for a minute? Do you think I love your sister because uh, because I love her or because she, like, she reminds me of your mother? And is it does it matter? And John Snow goes, oh, it matters. Uh, like, just go, go fight, go somewhere else and deal with these issues away from Winterfell. And he kind of storms off. He's not happy about it at all. And Baelish kind of looks after him, kind of like, what the heck, which is not good. You know, like, uh, Baelish is like a bird, better bird in the hand. He's better, almost better that, like, I don't know anybody's, like, let him trick them. Maybe that's what Sans will do. You know, let him pull the strings and then, you know, pull the strings out from under him. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, maybe that's too tropey. I don't know. But uh, so then, uh, let's see. Jon Snow comes out. He he hops on his horse, waves goodbye to Sansa. There's lots of snow. Uh, then Baelish rolls out after him, kind of looking like he met with Lord Vader. And there's a long look he gives around, and then a long shot of him and Sansa, and like separated by distance. Uh, then there's a cold, Arya's in a cold, cold night, or her, her, her horse is nervous. Uh, and then she gets surrounded, and she meets with Nymeria again, her old wolf that she left behind, uh, probably somewhere nearby years and years ago when she was a different person. And it's a really long scene. It actually fright, frightened me a little bit because they just said, well, this isn't going to be one of these anticlimactic uh, where we, like, I was afraid for, like, Arya. She was having an emotional moment. But for me, I guess I was caught up in the physical moment where she was with her old uh, wolf. Uh, and they said, no, no, we can't lose. This isn't how we can lose Arya, I would hope. Uh, and it turns out, no, Namiri just says, I'm a wild wolf now, Arya. You're a wild one. You are, I'm you, sheep, dragon, wolves. Uh, why don't you head back north? I'm going to stick around. And Artie gets it. You know, she says, okay, I get it. I get it. I'm still not sure exactly who I am, but uh, I'm still on the road. You know, I'm on the road to discovery. 
So let's see. Then uh, dog does yeah the dog does not want to go north, but it's always a dire wolf. Uh, and then the, this like then we were at the last scene, and it was shot a little bit differently. Well, the the action parts. Uh, and I watched this on a phone, and I I don't know if it was like watching it on a phone. It was very late at night on Sunday because I had a ton of family stuff, so I was also exhausted. And so I don't suggest watching that like that. But it uh, starts off with uh, the three sisters are kind of getting drunk, uh, the three sand sisters, uh, and talking, making fun of each other, mama, 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 and what they're going to do when they get to King's Landing. Uh, Then we have, uh, like, uh, uh, again, the sister and Elias Sand drinking Dornish, like like whatever ale, and she goes, "This stuff's terrible. Wait till we drink some Dornish Red." Uh, then they start flirting because she's like, "Do you have a boy or a girl?" She goes, "I have a boy and a, or a girl in every port. Uh, it depends on the port." Uh, but then she kind of calls uh, uh, Theon her protector because Elias Sand's kind of treating him like he's a servant. Uh, and then their ship, uh, like, a, like a, it, it rocks because there's, like, this party siren. Or, I don't know if siren's the right word. Turns out it's game night. And it's also, like, what better game night than when it's, like, thundering and cloudy. But, of course, who comes over but freaking, uh, what's his name, and all his nutty friends, uh, and they go out, and it's definitely shot at, like, a different frame rate or something, or at least parts of it were. And Euron, he just shows up uninvited. Uh, and, like, so, like, and they, they're they playing this weird game. It's a combination of marbles and pogs. Neither game I ever played. But I've slowly learned that the purpose of both those games is to take stuff from the other players. Like, you would play pog... Or you play marbles, but you were really trying to win the other kids' pogs or marbles. Like, uh, so it was a competition with real risk. Like, you're losing. But with, like, uh, they start playing, and it freaking turns out Euron's, like, like, he's made the rules of the game. He's also, like, dominating in strategy, marble pog strategy, like, uh, and for a while, it's like a little bit competitive, but he starts just winning all the ships. Uh, he says, oh, by the way, these represent, these pogs are real ships from the Iron Fleet. And everyone else was like, and he goes, not not just that, like, those are the pogs. The marbles are, uh, like, uh, you got to go, like, uh, you got to go visit, visit all the puppies uh, that you used to have when you were a little kid, uh, so it gets really complicated and, and intense. You know, feelings are hurt. They said, well, I just, like, I just lost all my marbles. Uh, what am I going to play with now? What are my parents going to say? They just came down here to play pogs and marbles. I didn't realize it had real stakes. And, you know, really uh, a lot of, a uh, lot of, uh, like, yeah. And uh, Theon just can't handle it. Uh because he's been through a lot already. Because his sister says, I think you're on broke the rules, uh, by the way. And I need you, like, like it just ends up being the three of them. And she goes, you need to stand up to him and tell him he's breaking the rules. Like, this isn't fair. He should return some of our ships or some of our friends or something. And Euron's like, no, this is all or nothing. I'm going to win all the marbles, all the pogs. 
And he goes, you know, I, I, are you assertive? And the thing goes, I've been through too much. I got to get out of here. I'm not a protector of pogs. I'm not a protector of marbles. We've lost our marbles. And metaphorically, like he has in the past, uh, had his marbles taken away before. And then you even realize the third layer of meta, like the, the, the third layer of meta marbles that he lost. Uh, but he did. And so he just jumps. He says, I'm going to go swimming. I got to, like, uh, got, I need to clear my head. And, like, uh, Euron's got this crazy laugh. Uh, like, he's, like, uh, like taking all the other kids' toys. And then the last scene is uh, Theon in the water watching all his, uh, like, his sibling, sister, and all the people he's supposed to be working with, that they were going to have their own game night, private, without Euron and Euron's people. Like, watching them leave, just basically drive off in a ship uh, with all the marbles, all the pogs, uh, all, everything. And Theon's in the water, and he goes, wait, I don't even have a ride home. I don't know who's going to pick me up. Uh, and, uh, to, like, uh, like not exactly the way to end it, because not only that, they had, like, a lot of Khaleesi, like, the Khaleesi had said, this is for the big game night, uh, no mansplaining, and, you know, we're going to just have a game night without any friggin' patriarchy crap, and, uh, all those toys are gone, all those bar, 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 pogs and marbles are gone. And so Theon's going to have to sit with that, and that's how we sit with the episode comes to a close. But you know what we know, like, the Khaleesi won't, you know, she won't hang with that. She'll say, uh, we don't need to play, she goes, we'll play with gold doubloons or something. We don't need your free and pogs, uh, Euron. Plus, Euron rhymes with moron, kind of, muron, moron. So it'll work out. It'll be fine for Theon. Uh, you know, hopefully he gets one more shot of redemption. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, or maybe they just say, well, let's play dominoes instead and just keep score with pen and a pencil. No real stakes. But it's hard when you think about his kid. Uh, I didn't realize that. The, 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 I never played marbles. That skipped my generation. And then when Pogs came around, I, I missed that trend, too. The closest thing I had was uh, like a, a, a baseball cards, but I wasn't a collector. So sometimes people would trade baseball cards, and I tried a couple times. Uh, so I don't know. So I can't help you, Theon. Well, all I can do is think about like that. Uh, you know, I like Sir Jorah again, so that's always good. Yeah, right, good. like uh, we'll get on to the next section a little bit here. All right, hey everybody, here we are. Already saw it in season three, uh, or season, well, I don't even know what is this, season seven? Like, uh, episode three. And it's really a great, great, great time to be a Game of Thrones fan. I can't tell you what, what an episode tonight. Holy moly. I'll tell you what, was this like, a, it was about the Queen's Justice and, Again, the masters of misdirection, uh, really, uh, like, uh, we're in some, for some great treats and some great surprises. Uh, but I do also have to say that this was an episode, at least on the uh, one side of the coin, where everybody was weirding everybody out a little bit with their dialogue. There was, uh, like, in a good way, uh, most of the time. Uh, but this was, like, uh, and I think in an intentional way, 
Yeah, there's a lot of the, like, and that's what we want from our, the side we're rooting for is uh, a little weirdness. And there was a lot of weirdness in here. And it was subtle weirdness. Uh, so, like, uh, doesn't instantly translate. You might say, Scoots, I don't remember. Well, you can you imagine if Jon Snow and Onion Knight rolled in and they were telling, that was a little weird. But let's wait till we get to that. How's that sound? And we started out with the waves breaking. And uh, then they were the waves were crashing, and a boat came in. Uh, the drum, the drums were playing, and we see right away they lead with uh, the arrival of Jon Snow and Ser Davos uh, to Dragonstone. So no messing around, like uh, no, no, like uh, and Davos has his hands uh, behind his back, clasped behind his back. Missandei has her hands clasped in front of her. And I can't read this. Hey, Basher versus, oh, uh, what does that say? Oh, the Bastard of Winterfell versus a dwarf of uh, the Red Keeper. The, like, uh, so John and, uh, John and uh, Tyrion have a great little exchange where they trade friendly insults. And uh, Tyrion gives a little head turn and John gives a little gr- grin and says, Yeah, I haven't seen you since you pissed off the edge of the wall. And they talk about, uh, there's a lot of, this is the first that I remember seeing um, the Horse Lords, which, of course, as soon as I try to name them, their name escapes me. Oh, the like uh, the the Cal Drogo. What a uh, man! My brain is uh, sometimes it's just really not uh, worth of salt uh, in the Salton Sea. Oh, Dothraki. Because here's my next note. Uh, okay, so then they say, "Hey, yeah, we've had some scars and some ups and downs. It's been a long road uh, from Milan to Minsk. Milan to Minsk. If you don't mind me making a Seinfeld reference, uh, Rochelle, Rochelle." Uh, but, you know, it's good to see Sir Davos in the house. He finger, does a fingerless handshake, I think. Uh, and uh, Tyrion knows him because Tyrion's up to date on everything. The Miss Sunday kind of does this robotic uh, welcome and says, how about your weapons? And John gives it Dothraki some eye. He says, okay, I guess. Uh, and then they pull the boat out of the water. And then Davos does the first uh, weird move, uh, totally weird uh, they're all walking up from the beach, and he like rolls up next to Masande, and he's just it was so weird. Uh, like, and then at first I get I got Sir jo- the first time I watched it, I had Sir Jora and uh, Onion mixed up, so I said, uh, "Okay, this is the scene I'm watching." Now let me just get the dial. Where are you from? He says, and she says, uh, "He says I can't place the accent," and she says, "North," and he says, "Oh, it's beautiful there, palm trees and butterflies." Haven't been there, though, but I know. And she just gives him a polite nod, like, stay away from me, old man. And he he just draws back and he goes, things have changed around here. But, yeah, at first I thought he was, uh, like I said, did he have a connection to Narth? But now I'm like, oh, wait, no, he, I don't think he does. Then they're walking up to the marriage. Uh, they're walking up to the castle. They're talking about the marriage to Sansa never being consummated. And uh, Tyrion makes a couple of jokes. Uh, is was kind of, wasn't consummated. And he goes, "She's a lot smarter than she lets on." And uh, John says, "She's starting to let on." And they say, "Okay, well, I guess that's good." And they talk about that they've both been through a lot, and we'll have to exchange tales of what we've been up to. 
Interior says, by the way, if I was your hand, I would have told you not to come here. I think John says that nobody wanted me to come. Interior says, Starks don't do so good in the north or the south. And John says, I'm not a Stark. Then the dragons do a flyby, and John and Lenny Knight dive down. And they're on the ground. Tyrion helps John up, and Sunday kind of looks unamused and amazed. And what does this say? 758, Davor, bro. Oh, Davos takes a breath. Uh, oh, 758, I really liked the shot. Uh, uh, the Red Priestess is looking down at them. It really reminded me of uh, like Kubrick's shot for some reason. It's like over the shoulder of the wet Red Priestess. She's looking down at uh, them on the, coming up the ramparts at a distance. Uh, and then speaking of weird, then it gets weird again. Varys rolls up on the Red Priestess. He says, uh, he's kind of being a jerk. He says, what are you hiding up here? He goes, you brought, you invited this guy. He said all this great stuff. And she goes, well, my time of whispering in the ears of kings is over now. And he says, I doubt that. Uh, once us common folk have the taste of power, we love it. And she goes, we're not common folk anymore, dude. She goes, I brought fire and ice together, and now I'm breaking out. Plus, I didn't part on good terms with the king of the north or his advisor. And I loved this moment. It was a really good moment. Uh, really a great acting. Like she's framed against an empty gray sky. And he goes, she goes, why? And she goes, things I did, uh, mistakes I made. She says, uh, terrible mistakes. Uh, I'll be a distraction. And he goes, well, where are you, uh, where are you headed? And she goes, Valeria or, uh, someplace. I don't know. And he goes, by the way, don't come back. Uh, Oh, Volantis, uh, and I said, WTF? What the heck is this? I, I didn't know, uh, I don't understand this. Is he anti, I guess maybe he just doesn't like, uh, I don't know. I didn't quite get his total hostility, but uh, uh, whatever. He says, don't come back, and he goes, oh, I'll return. I have to. Uh, he goes, uh, she, she goes, this is, you know, I got to come back to this strange land one more time. Uh, and you do, you'll be here too. Uh, we'll be, we'll be toast together. And he kind of like freaks out. Then he looks out of the water. He sees like a broken up ship coming in. Spiders freaked, I put. Then he sees the ship coming in. Uh, then the ch doors to the chamber open up and the Khaleesi's on the throne. And Jen's almost, let me, I'm going to run through a lot of this dialogue because it was powerful stuff. But uh, let me run through the physical stuff first. Let's see, John stands almost sideways. Uh, this, this is Jon Snow. Uh, he's king of the north. That's how he gets introduced after Khaleesi gets introduced, like, all of her titles, uh, which I don't think we need to go through that one. Uh, then he goes, uh, not a herd. What does that mean? King Khaleesi. Oh, he, she says, a lord, but dude. He, and he goes, yo, he's, Onion Knight steps in. He goes, he's not a lord. He's the king of the north. And then Khaleesi kind of plays some political games for a while. She says, huh, forgive me, but, uh, uh, your, your, great, great, great grandfather perpetually committed to my family in perpetuity. And she goes, uh, like, uh, I thought you were here to bend the knee. It keeps going back to this bend the knee, bend the knee stuff, uh, 
Here's Khaleesi saying, forgive me, Sir Davos. He goes, I'm not, she goes, I'm not a super educated. Oh, this is when she says, yeah, but the last North uh, King uh, bent the knee to Aegon, and it was in per- perpetuity. That's a perpetuity part. And she goes, oh, or do I have my facts wrong? And Onion Knight goes, oh, I wasn't there. And she goes, yeah, no. She goes, oath is oath, uh, right? In perpetuity, Tyrion, what's perpetuity mean? Uh, he goes, oh, forever. And she says, forever. And John's now looking. She goes, so you're going to bend the knee? John's like, dude, I don't bend the knee. He's got his uh, grouchy face on. And she goes, Khaleesi's got her displeased, uh, patient face on. She goes, well, what did you come all this way here with, uh, just to mess around? Break faith? He goes, break faith? He goes, things haven't been so great for you, Targaryens. Uh, your dad was not that. And she goes, yeah, my dad wasn't that great. I apologize on his behalf. And she goes, I'm not, don't judge me by, don't judge a daughter by her father. My daughter will probably be saying that for a long time, too. And she goes, we were allies, uh, and that was the good old days when we were allies. Peace and prosperity. Targaryens in the, you know, and Targaryens and Starks. And uh, she goes, I'm the last Targaryen, Jon Snow. Uh, honor the pledge of bend the knee, and you could be king of the north, or warden of the north. And she goes, we could protect the country. And Tyrion's like a little nervous. John looks around like uh, totally awkward uh, before he answers anything. And he goes, uh, well, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't, uh, you're not, I'm not going to judge you by your parents. And I'm not going to stake to any promises uh, my relatives made. And Khaleesi starts to lose it. She goes, well, what do you want? He goes, uh, your help and I can help you. You need my help. I need you. And she goes, did you see those dragons? Uh and the Dothraki, and uh, all the other stuff. And John goes, yeah. And she goes, I need your help. And Davos goes, well, no, 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 not for King's Landing. I'm sure you could take that out. Uh, we almost did it. And Tyrion goes, but you didn't. And uh, John goes, yeah, because you're, you're peace. You're, you like peace. You don't want to use the dragons. And, uh, you know, you're anti-collateral. uh you're better than Cersei. And then she goes, well, why do I need your help? Uh, and then John gets weird because he, he's talking crazy talk. Uh, he goes, we're all children playing at a game, screaming the rules aren't fair. And Khaleesi goes, did he just, Tyrion, did he just call me a child? And he goes, well, he called everybody children, so that means not, not really. It's figure of speech. And uh, John goes, the winner's coming, uh, Khaleesi. We got uh, White Walkers and uh, Ice People and stuff. And she's like, what in the heck is this dude talking about, dude? Is that a figure of speech? And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, have you seen a Bruce Campbell movie? And uh, Tyrion goes, or uh, John goes, Tyrion, don't, do you think I'm lying about Bruce Campbell movies being real? And John goes, this is for real, man. We're going to squabble uh, like a bunch of kids. And uh, he gets too irritated. And then the Onion Knight steps in. He goes, I know this dude's talking nonsense. Uh, he sounds like a fool, doesn't he? And John kind of rolls his eyes almost. Oh, first Khaleesi burned. You know, she says, wasn't your dad best friends with Robert? Uh, 
And, uh, he, you know, Robert tried to take me out with, with Varys, by the way. You know, I guess I covered the last episode. And that's when Onion Knight goes, you know, Khaleesi's like, I've been through a lot. Uh, had to deal with a lot of men that know everything. Uh, trying to, you know, they put me through, treated me like a brood mare. And worse, uh, betrayed, chained, breaker of chains. And she goes, do you know what kept me standing in exile? Faith. And now she's really on. She goes, not in any gods, uh, not in myths and legends, but in myself, in Daenerys Tar Targaryen. She goes, I got the dragons. I brought the uh, horse lords across the water. She, she goes, they all did it for me. She goes, I'm born to rule. Like, some people were born to run a baby. I was born to rule. And John says, no, nah, well, you don't want to rule. Then I think the Onion Knight, the whole time in the background, he's kind of, like, uh, waiting for his moments. And I guess I keep wanting to give it to him. And then Tyrion kind of says, hey, like, uh, we're dealing with Cersei now, dude. And now he says, now, now the Onion says, this is, sounds like a, much, a fool babbling nonsense. But Onion Knight says, maybe it's a destiny. You're here. He's here. You brought the Dorothraki. He brought the wildlings and the Northmen. He goes, these are unprecedented things. Uh, and he goes, by the way, he also, you know, was taken out. He's a bastard. He's tough. He's a leader. He goes, they believe in you. The other, they believe in him. Uh, he goes, he's faced these things that he's talking about for the good of his people, risked his life for his people, lost anyway. Oh, boy. And Khaleesi gives a WTF look to Tyrion on that. Uh, and he goes, if we don't put my aside our enmities uh, to get aside, which is great uh, language use. By... And then Tyrion goes, well, if, if we're all in trouble, just kneel then. And let's deal with Cersei, and then, and then John's got no patience. He goes, there's no time. Let's see, what else? 13-13, uh, uh, John does a few seconds of looking around, all put out. I liked that. Uh, you're right, you you uh, need me, I need you. Oh, what about those dragons? Uh, both want to help people. Uh, Davos, sub, sub, sounds like nonsense. Uh, uh, John silences him. She says, well, you might, what are you, an open, I guess you're, if I'm the queen, you're an open rebellion. And then Varys comes jogging in, which was interesting, watching him jog. Whispers in the Khaleesi, and Khaleesi says, supper and bath in the rooms, uh, to like the biggest uh, Dothraki there is. So they give these guys the hot baths. And put them in the rooms, put them in bed with supper. Not without supper, though. And they were alone with the Khaleesi uh, and her crew. And Varys is like, got his report. He goes, there's bad news, and then there's bad news. Uh, and he goes, all the ships are gone. And everybody, everybody's gone. They lost all the pogs and the marbles. Uh, and she goes, everybody? And then we see Theon, who's like very pale on a ship, uh, and then we cut to King's Landing, where there's a parade with Euron blowing kisses to everybody. What does they put? Yeah. Oh, I got to look at the dialogue. Somebody. It sounded like somebody said, yeah, something. I can't read my handwriting, but it was something like pop culture-y. 
And uh, then uh, clapping of the audience. He goes into the audience room and there's clapping. Uh, June should face. Uh, uh, oh, Jamie has a shocked face. Uh, but this Euron, he's really a rock star, and uh, he's eating it up. He loves the love of the audience. He loves the, the big stage. And he also loves running his mouth, uh, which, he, you know, he's really good at that. So he rolls in with Ellie Sand and her youngest daughter, and Yara Greyjoy, whose name I looked up. Uh, and uh, Ellie and Cersei have a showdown after Euron's like, here you go. I told nobody could do it uh, but me. I gave you this gift uh, from your loyal subjects on the Iron Islands. He goes, no other man could do that. That's when he looks at Jamie. Really gives him a look, uh, and he stands at the head of the stage like a king of the castle. And Jamie has to swallow because he's so uncomfortable with uh, with Euron smiling. Uh, and seriously, goes great job. Uh, we could be friends. He goes no more than friends. And she goes, yeah, you'll get a reward after uh, after everything dies down uh, after the trouble. And then Euron goes and harasses Jamie for a little while. Uh, then Cersei goes and talks to Elia Sand. And they talk about the lipsticks they like. Lipsticks of life, they call it. Uh, it liked when she says, Sir Gregor's stronger than ever. And Cersei basically tells the Sands that she's like, you know what? Uh, she goes, you're going to have to go. She goes, 99 cent store lipstick for the two of you. Nelly Sand goes, well, I'd just rather not wear any lipstick than have 99-cent store lipstick. And Cersei goes, why? And she goes, by the way, your daughter will be wearing 99-cent store lipstick and lip gloss. And Nelly Sands goes, because we don't know why, why is the lipstick being sold in a 99-cent store? And what's in it? And then why, did it, why isn't it being sold at regular price anymore? And Cersei just laughs, and she goes, well, they bring in extra mirrors. I wanted them to be looking at mirrors all the time. And she goes, enjoy your lipstick and your lip gloss. And she gives them a kiss with expensive lipstick uh, to seal it all. Special Cly Clyburn's cosmeticist or whatever. Kiss farewell. Uh, then Jamie's, uh, hand oh, we go into a room. Jamie has his hand off. He's rubbing it, uh. But he's a little bit, he's getting drunk, I think, but he's a little bit ashamed of his hand. As soon as Cersei comes on, comes in, he tries to put his hand, his, uh, his uh, brass hand on her golden hand. And he can't get it back in, on in time. And Cersei is very randy. Uh, she's ready to make out. Uh, and at first, Jamie's trying to, like, resist, uh, but he can't. Uh, and uh, so then it's the next day, they're in bed together, and there's a knock at the door, and Cersei gets out of bed, and Jamie goes, well, we can't let anybody see us. Uh, oh, first he's staring, another weird move, he's staring at her, like a total love love rise, uh, while she's trying to sleep. Uh, and she goes, I'm the queen, I don't care what people think about me, uh, what, about our situation <laughs> She goes, I, I decided to base my life on the flowers in the attic movie a long time ago. And there's an assistant at the door or something. She goes, oh, there's Bra somebody from Bravos here. And Cersei goes, change the sheets. Uh, and she closes the door, and both Jamie and Cersei kind of have a laugh. And then there's two glasses of wine. 
and we see the uh, like the head banker of Bravos, and he's like, "No wine for me." Cersei's like, "All right, I'll take both glasses." Uh, and he says, "Hey, by the way, my condolences. Also, congratulations on uh, casting off the yoke of superstition." And she goes, she goes, there's one thing we dislike. It's that liberation theology with that dude. Uh, and uh, like, uh, but she burns him back. Uh, cause see, he goes, uh, well, war is not cheap. Uh, so what are you going to do? Cause you don't really have any money. You're surrounded. And she goes, well, are you going to invest in liberators or, uh, and he goes, well, there has been a downturn in the non-liberation market uh, where, we, you know, the impringing of free will for profit. Uh, and Cersei goes, do you want to support a monarch or a revolutionary? What's better? For, who pays more debt? Uh, like, uh, like again, it's kind of this different, uh, like, uh, I don't know. There's still some other uh, elements of xenophobia or whatever, but uh, this is more about... Uh, I guess class warfare or whatever, or not, yeah, warfare for the classes. Uh, and he kind of, he never, he's a bluffer. He never says, he says, okay. And she goes, give me a month and I'll get your money. And he keeps talking about how similar she is to her father in her uh, aptitude for these situations. Then we're on a windy bluff and Tyrion and John are looking out. It's an amazing view. And Tyrion makes a joke, he goes, man, you look a lot better brooding than I do. You make me feel like I'm failing in my brooding about failing. And John says, all that weird stuff I said, you don't believe it? He goes, you always said that it was just drumskins and scar star snarks. Uh, and Tyrion says, I trust uh, the eyes of an honest man versus uh, what everybody knows. And John goes, what am I, captive here? He goes, no, 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 you're all, like, uh, comfortably captive. Uh, and John goes, I really blew it. Uh, you took my ship, too. He goes, we didn't technically, he goes, no word games. John goes, you don't get it about, uh, like, I like how these, like, this is really human, like how this single-mindedness, even though it's something giant, uh, uh, like, uh, John has a single mindedness and so does the Khaleesi in some sense. And they can't kind of see the middle and it's like how life is. Uh, but this is like the best advice Tyrion goes, uh, gives pretty much for anything. Uh, he goes, uh, like, uh, what does he say? He goes, didn't you say all that kind of stuff was nonsense and everybody knew it. And then he says, well, you saw Mormons saw it. So I believe it, but, uh, he goes, can't give you some advice. Because John goes, how do I convince everybody to, to believe what I believe? Uh, and he goes, people, Tyrion says, people's minds aren't made for problems that large. Uh, these big things. Uh, he goes, it's more of a relief to conf confront something familiar like my sister, like a familiar antagonist. Uh, and John goes, well, I got to get to work for the North. I can't do anything here. And he goes, I'd like to leave. And Tyrion kind of shakes his head. He goes, I can't believe you're giving up so easy, bro. And Jan goes, well, I'm supposed to learn from my father's mistakes. Don't go south. I did that. Uh, don't go talk to the uh, uh, Khaleesi. He did that. Uh, I'm a northern fool or something. And Tyrion, just on the edge of the last scene, he goes, children aren't their fathers. Uh, and he goes, sometimes there's more than meets the eye. 
He goes, with everybody. He goes, maybe you should learn a, bit, a little bit more about uh, Daenerys uh, and what she's done. Talk to some people that know her and see what they think of her. Because uh, she's a protector, just like you are. And that's why she's here. And she's not just going to run off to the north for like on a guy she doesn't know is nonsense. After meeting him once, uh, it's not a reasonable thing to ask. And then he goes, ask me for something reasonable. Uh, well, first John starts to storm off. Uh, yeah, he goes, you know, one step at a time, bro, like uh, baby steps. And then we see the Khaleesi, and she goes, Dragon Glass, what? And he goes, yeah, there's a tear, and says, yeah, there's a bunch of it here. Uh, and she goes, well, what do you think? I thought we were going to get an ally out of this. Uh, we got trouble. And she goes, what does he want Dragon Glass for? And John goes, it couldn't help against these uh, dudes in, the like, the White Walkers. So he like uh, maybe you just give it to him because it's not worth anything to you anyway. And she goes, well, what do you think about the situation that he's talking about? Uh, and Tyrion goes, I wish it wasn't true, but he goes, a wise man told me, uh, don't believe something just because you want to. And there's a little amusement. She goes, which wise man was that? Uh, he goes, I don't remember. She goes, are you making up, uh, presenting your own statements as ancient wisdom? And he goes, I would never do that to you. And she almost laughs. Uh, he goes, Jon Snow came here even though no, everyone told him not to. So that's a positive. Let's look at the positives. She goes, just let him mine the dragon glass and uh, let's like keep him distracted while we get to work. Uh, getting this, we're, we're, you know, take a productive, take a step forward to a productive relationship with a possible ally. And she goes, well, what was that thing Serge Davos said about, uh, like, uh, that weird stuff? Did you notice how weird those dudes are? He goes, he, Tyrion goes, allow them their flights of fancy. It's dreary in the north. Uh, then we have, John, like, uh, what does this say? Oh, then we have uh, John looking at the Khaleesi and her dragons, and he goes goes down and talks to her. He goes, pretty amazing. She goes, yeah, they're named after my brothers that I lost. I heard you lost your brothers, too. And John goes, yeah. And she goes, the people thought dragons were gone, but uh, they're here. Uh, maybe people should be examining what they think they know. And he goes, that sounds like some Tyrion would say. And she goes, hmm, possibly. She makes a face. He is my hand, uh. And John says he enjoys talking, and she says, well, we all do enjoy doing what we're good at. He goes, I don't, because uh, uh, you know what he's good at. And then uh, she goes, did you think about uh, changing your mind? And he goes, no. And she goes, well, neither have I. So they have this little impasse. Uh, and uh, then Khaleesi says, well, I guess I got to wear the big boy pants, Uh and she goes, why don't you take some of that dragon glass and uh, we'll help you get it out. Uh, and John goes, you got to be kidding me, really? Thanks. And she kind of turns away from him. And he says, uh, D by the way, did you believe all that weird stuff I said about the, like all the stuff in the north? Uh, and she just goes, uh, get to work, Jon Snow. I loved it. She wouldn't even look at him. But then when he walks off, she looks after him. 
like kind of, kind of contemplating something. I don't know what. Uh, and then we're in the north uh, with uh, larders, 4,000 bushels, the maester says. Uh, it's Sansa, the breastplate dude, the weird maester, and uh, Baelish. And Sansa says, well, how long is this winter going to last? And the dude says, I don't know. But uh, the old Maester Llewellyn had copies of all the scrolls. And I don't know if that's going to get called back, but Baelish did look over. And he's still running them side by side. And then Sansa says, yo, Mr. Breastplate, how about some leather on these breastplates? Uh, and then she says, Maester, go get some ga- grain. Come on, pull it together, you two clowns. And Baelish likes that. He goes, so command suits you. And then we have another, then Baelish says something weird, which is kind of like for all of us that can't sleep, exactly what's going on. So I guess Peter Baelish doesn't sleep. Because uh, he says, yeah, command suits you. And then he goes, by the way, I know, he goes, you got to get ready. Sir, I know Cersei better than, better than everybody. And Sansa goes, no, you don't. Uh, I do. Like, uh, I've been through a lot more with her than you have. And then Baelish stops her, and he kind of talks about his mindset, which is like, holy cow, so listen to this. Uh, they're out in a courtyard, and he's talking about possibilities. Uh, and he goes, you know, like, uh, we got to deal with Cersei, because if, if we, you know, we could deal with the other thing. He says, uh, he goes, what, what then? He goes, don't fight in the north or the south. Fight everywhere, every battle, everywhere, always in your mind. Fight every battle, everywhere, always in your mind. Everyone is, you know, an antagonist. Everyone is your friend. Every possible series of events is happening all at once. Uh, Live that way and nothing will surprise you. Everything that happens will be something you've seen before. I've tried to live that way. It doesn't work for me. But then we have this interesting twist on the same idea because then they say, Sansa, somebody's at the gate. Tyrion gives a grin like he knows who's there. Or not Tyrion, uh, Baelish. And then who is it but Bran? And and I I did cry at this first reunion. Uh, I wonder if it was going to be Arya or Bran. It's Bran. And I did shed some tears as uh, Sansa hugs him. But Bran's kind of robotic already. So he doesn't, he's not as affectionate as his sister. He does have a nice smile, but it's kind of like a weird studied smile. And he says, hello, Sansa. And yeah, it brought me to tears. Uh, and then they're down in the Weirwoods, and uh, uh, there's like this uh, Weirwood face that looks like a, that looks like it's like out of a Chuck E. Cheese like Disney ride, and that's going to erupt into song at any moment. Uh, so that kind of destroyed, like would put me off a little bit. But he, then uh, Brent says, "Geez, I wish John was here. I got to talk to him." And Sansa goes, "Your father's trueborn son, so you're the king of the North." Uh, and he goes, "No, I'm the three-eyed Raven. I can't be a lord. I'm the three-eyed Raven, oh so Raven." And Sansa goes, "What does that even mean?" And he goes, yeah, it's tough to explain. And she goes, can you try, please? Uh, and then he says almost the same thing as Bayless. She says, I can see everything. Everything that's happened to, to before to everybody, everything that's happening now. He goes, it's all pieces, fragments, uh, but I've seen it, and i got to keep wor- learning better. Uh, so when the long night comes, I'll be ready.
Then he looks at the tree, like, and it looks like the tree's going to sing. And Sansa goes, how did you know? And he goes, three-eyed raven taught me. And she goes, I thought you were the three-eyed raven. He goes, see, it's, it's tough. Uh, and uh, they say, she said, you know, they have some empathy and compassion for one another they've been through. Another subtle theme in this episode, like there's a lot, like uh, empathy for what people have been through, reconnection, poison is another theme, and uh, antagonists, uh, or one of the antagonist prototypes. Yeah, seeing all things at once, I guess, is another small theme in these two scenes. And then uh, getting back at people is another one uh, that comes up a lot in this episode. Really a lot of classic uh, GOT themes. But Bran weirds uh, Sansa out, so she walks off. And then Sir Jor is getting inspected with the uh, the probe of uh, the Grand Maester, who says, geez, you're cured. Holy cow. What do you think did it? Uh, and uh, Sir Jor says, I think it was the rest and the climate. Uh, and uh, he almost, Sam's like, they almost crack up. Uh, and Maester's like, well, that's, he goes, Charlie, we're going to have to have a meeting later because this is weird. It looks like somebody used some ungent and uh, ungent on you. He goes, uh, like, uh, whatever. And then he had, the Maester heads out. Uh, and uh, Sir George goes, I got to get back to my Khaleesi. I owe my life to her and to you. And so they say goodbye, and there's a handshake. Hey, maybe we'll see each other again. Jorah does a double handshake, you know, because Sam's really risked uh, saving him and then reinforcing that by physically touching him. And uh, then there's a moment where uh, after Sam leaves, Jorah's just looking out the window as the sunlight streams in. And it was like a, it was a good moment, really great sunlight. And, uh, I'm wondering what the heck he's thinking. And then we have a nice scene with the maester and Sam. He says, basically like, uh, like really, if you're a writer, uh, you could probably study this scene. I'll tell you when it starts. It's about to start, uh, somewhere around 50 minutes. Like I really thought for a little tiny scene, this was a master class of like, uh, these two people want things, and the story changes just in the scene a few different times. Because uh, first Sam's in trouble, uh, and he's going to, you know, you're like, how busted is he going to be? Uh, then the maester's like, uh, hey, Sam, by the way, you must feel pretty good saving that guy. Even though you broke the rules, you saved him. And maybe it's just these two actors are really ringing their A game. And the right, I just said, some of the writing, too. Uh, he says, uh, where does he say, you know, he goes, you didn't, he goes, you didn't, he goes, it was a difficult, meticulous procedure. Many maesters with whose chains are heavy with healing links have attempted and failed. How'd you do it? Sam goes, I followed the directions. I mean, to write like that is so difficult. Dialogue, holy moly. And then he goes, okay, well, uh, yeah, you must feel good. A great job. Come over here. He goes, look at all these old scrolls and some old books. Uh, he goes, I need all copy. I need all these copied. Uh, and Sam gives a great face. Uh, what's the timestamp on that? Oh, I don't see the timestamp. On copy, it's around 51 minutes. Uh, he goes, watch out for those paper mites. They don't like people either. He goes, you didn't think you were going to get out of this without some sort of punishment. Uh, 
He goes, your reward is you get to stay in school, uh, Harry Potter, or whatever heck you, uh, he goes, that's your reward. Uh, so just like Sam's face. So it's, uh, yeah, 5130, like worth it. This whole scene is worth it. Like, uh, and then we have the planning table. So now we're in the action and I couldn't believe, I was like, is this going to be two episodes in a row that end with action? And no, it, like, uh, get, this had so many twists and turns, uh. So at the planning table, Khaleesi's talking about getting more ships. Uh, then they're talking about the Unsullied being at Casterly Rock. Uh, then Tyrion starts laying out the plan. You know, the ships are going to be ready. The castle will be ready. The gates are impregnable. He goes, well, my father built this castle. He built everything to be impregnable, except for the sewers. He had me built the sewers. And he goes, I put a little secret door in there for myself. So the Unsullied go in through the secret door. And he goes, and so it begins. Uh, and I liked that line. And he says, like, uh, this heroic stuff. Uh, he goes, because uh, the Lannisters, they fight for fear of Cersei. But he goes, your soldiers, they fight because they believe in you. And then I put but not enough. I don't know if that was my note or from the show, but basically they get played the fool because after they take over Cashley Rock, uh, Grey Worm realizes, he says, where is everybody? There's not enough Lannisters. And then they re- then the fl- their fleet gets toasted uh, by the uh, Euron's fleets. And then we see they get where are the Lannisters again. And then we see the shot of Jamie. On a white horse, it's a weird shot. I don't know what was weird about it, uh, but he's like, maybe it was like all shot on a green screen, but uh, he's on a horse, and then all of a sudden he goes in front of the Tarleys and Braun, which is good to see Braun again, but uh, I don't know, maybe Braun will be the uh, Sir Jorah this season because he's on the wrong side, but who knows what next week. Uh, and then I didn't know where they were at first. They're at another castle. I said, are they outside of Castle Rock? Uh, but then we see Olan is watching, and uh, then all the Lancer soldiers line up, and she walks away. She's really in a high tower, and the sun's setting on the valley that they live in. Beautiful shots, or beautiful uh, uh, scene painting. And then we have this long shot of Jamie walking, or shots of Jamie walking, rains the Castamere up and through the castle, up and up and up uh, into Oleana's office where she sits, and they do a double bow to one another. And she goes, she's is it done? And Jamie goes, it is. Uh, and he pours two glasses of wine. And Jamie kind of says, she goes, uh, so you got everybody, uh, she goes, you abandoned, uh, like, uh, the castle uh, and then brought everybody here. You thought They thought you'd be there. And he goes, yeah, I learned that one from Rob Stark. Oh, first Oleana says, and now the rains weep over our halls. Uh, Jamie goes, you know, you got to learn from failure. And I learned from the failure in Rob Stark. Uh, and what does she say? She goes, uh, she goes, you must be getting very well. well let me wait and see uh, what she says. Jamie's pouring the wine right now. He says, yeah, we didn't need Casterly Rock. Uh, she goes, well, why didn't you, I don't know why your father didn't take it. And she goes, well, I guess I'll get to ask him. And Jamie goes, we'll be able to take it back. You know, and they're going to have to march all the way across the country. Yeah, Jamie says, as Rob Stark did to me, there are always lessons in failure. She goes, you must be very wise by now. 
And Jamie says, yeah, my father said I was a slow learner. And then she took Oleana says, what are you going to do? She goes, is that a, what's his name, Sword, uh, your son that was a jerk, uh, Joffrey? What was he called? He goes, Widow's a whale. And she goes, I, did, I dis- greatly dislike your son. And then Oleana says, it's time for one last thing of truth, by the way. She goes, your sister's, she goes, I've done a lot of bad stuff, but your sister's ten times worse. Uh, she goes, I didn't realize, she goes, I had the lack of imagination of how twisted uh, someone's ambition could be. She goes, I always did what was necessary yeah, for the safety of House Tyrell. But she goes, you blowing up a church, uh, yada, yada, yada. And Jamie goes, well, yeah, that's the antagonist, uh, protagonist thing. Uh, you see her as an antagonist, but she's really a hero. And everyone else is going to see her as a hero once she gets peace and, you know, domination. Xenophobia, you know, the people are going to love her. And she then only says, oh, you're in love with her. Just like, uh, what's his name, had done it, like, last season. Uh, she goes, she's going to take you down, uh. All the way down. But you really, she goes, you poor fool. She's going to be the end of you. And Jamie says, possibly. Uh, not much to be gained by talking about it, though. Really good acting. And Olaf says, well, why not talk about it? I'm not going to be here very long to tell anybody. And she goes, well, perhaps you're right. Uh, if she's driven you this far, it's gone beyond your control. And Jamie says, yeah, you're right. He even kind of just barely twitches. Uh, and she only says, I never should have been involved with her, and I regret it, and you will too. And Jamie says, that's it. Uh, drink this wine uh, and take a nap. And Cersei, or I mean, uh, Oleana, she pounds her wine. wine. She goes, she goes well, well, so I'm just going to go straight to sleep. And Jamie goes, yeah. And if she goes, ah, good. And then she pounds her wine. And at first I said, why? I didn't get it. I said, uh, that's very out of character for her. Uh, she goes, yeah, what, is it going to make it go straight to sleep? Uh, Jamie goes, nope. Uh, yeah, you're going to go straight to sleep. She goes, that's good. Then she pounds it. Uh, but then you see the reason why. She says, by the way, all that stuff with Joffrey's, uh, the pies being spoiled at his wedding, that was me. Because, uh, you know... I never, you know, he was the worst. And she goes, I was so good. She goes, I didn't mean to, like, to ruin every pie at his wedding. Uh, but it uh, must have been rough uh, having that wedding ruined. And let Cersei know, give, give that Lannister my regards, because uh, that was me. Ruined it, ruined uh, uh, Joff's wedding. And Jamie's shocked. Uh, like, he's quivering just a little bit, controlled quivering, very in character. And then, yeah, that's the end of the episode. And I says, I want her to know it was me. And Jamie kind of quivers, his lip quivers. She stares at him. And he looks down, looks away, and walks off. And that the episode comes to a close. Another brilliant, brilliant episode. And really, uh, d- despite the, the things still not being great for Khaleesi, uh, I guess because it, in the end... Uh, like uh, the way it ended was just like a, an up note for every, most people. Uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed that episode.
Hey, hey everybody, uh, we're talking about The Spoils of War, Season 7, Episode 4, and this was really, uh, even before the ending, an episode I really, really liked, and uh, like such, there were so many subtle things going on in this episode, and it definitely left me like kind of craving, you know, saying, geez, I really wish, you know, and unfairly saying how, how I, when there's nice, uh, Episodes like this, uh, middle season episodes, uh, that, uh, I, I don't know, which is, I say, man, I wish it was 20 episodes a season, but I don't think you could make an episode like this w- without making, you know, you gotta be realistic, Scoots. So, wow, so thankful for this storytelling going on. And then it caps off with a, a lot of other stuff, a whole dancing contest. Uh, so let's see what else I got here. Okay. I was confused on the opening cause I guess I was under the impression. Uh, I don't know. I thought I had read this somewhere that if they show something in the opening, the, the episode is going to take place there. And I even found myself wondering, is it like this season? Of course I never paid attention till this episode, but is it, does it, do they show it in order? Uh, but maybe, I don't know, because in this opening they showed old town, the wall and Pike, uh, none of which were visited that I know of. Though hopefully Khaleesi will be visiting Pike soon. And, uh, it, but I don't think it, Euron would even care. And the episode opens with this like very artistic shot. Uh, it's like a low camera shot. And there's like weeds or thistles that are kind of in and out of focus, uh, almost like a DSLR shots. You know, that you try to do where, where like, uh, I don't know what they call it, a bokeh or whatever the heck. Uh, it wasn't that, though. I, like, I'm not a cinematographer, but uh, really beautiful, beautiful. Like, uh, this was a great shot. And then there was, a my, like, uh, my favorite shot of all of Game of Thrones in this episode. So I wondered if that was Thistle that, like, they were showing. And we finally get the return of Bran this episode. And he really doesn't disappoint here. He's, uh, you know, he's talking to Jamie like uh, he reads Jamie's mind at first because Jamie's bummed out. And he said, what did uh, Lady Olana, you know, say some stuff to you that hurt your feelings? Uh, and he says, by the way, like, Jamie's paying Bron a bag of gold so big and heavy. I think at first Bron tries to stick it in his front pocket. And then he realizes, like, uh, it's too big and too heavy. And it was interesting with, the, like, like I try, used to try to avoid watching the uh, coming attractions at the end of the episodes, but, like, I, I can't anymore because I'm just so, uh, like, I don't know. So I thought that this would be, like, a, this episode was going to be about some sort of decision with Jamie with gold, but it's not. Uh, but Brian still wants his castle, and Jamie says, well, think of the upkeep. So it's still, still, like, a little fun interaction between the two of them. Jamie's like, like he gave, he just gave you a lot of money. Brian's like, it's not a castle. And Jamie goes, you don't want a castle, uh, especially Highgarden. That's the first one they look at. Uh, he goes, it's a lot of upkeep. Uh, like the more, like George Carlin, he's like, the more you own, the more it weighs you down. I mean, I guess he just didn't realize how important that was. He says, the more you owe, the more it weighs you down. So that was really like, a, they snuck that one in there. This is my fourth time watching the episode, and this is the first time I really noticed that because I have the closed caption on. Yeah, the more you owe, the more it weighs you down. I think that could be the third verse of uh, 
uh, Reigns of Casimir, the new, like the new version that may come one day soon. Because uh, then he says, we pay our debts. Uh, Got to get this money to the Iron Bank. It's not mine. Uh, okay, wait. Uh, quite impeccable. I forgot. I missed that word. Uh, saddlebag full of gold, complaining. Implacable. I think somebody says about debts, but I didn't, like, I can't spell anything. Uh, then it, uh, Sam's family, like, rolls up on horses. And Jamie sends Bron with them to motivate the farmers to hurry up. Uh, what is it? What is Sam? Sam Gange? It's not Sam Gange. It's the other one. Uh, Tarlus. Uh, thanks, Jamie. To motivate the farmers, uh, which is more Bron comedy. And the next, uh, then we go to the happy banker of Bravos, uh, who we'll talk about in the facts. A very fa- like very famous person who would be meaning to give his due, uh, who, but I'll probably, I'm going to mess up his last name anyway, but, uh, yeah, and then I get to give John and Craig a shout out too. But Cersei is very, very quiet and unamused as uh, she's talking with the happy banker again. He says, geez, you're more efficient, efficient than your father. He goes, you're redefining words. Uh, she goes, you're too kind. He goes, your lord. He goes, I'm not a lord or kind. I'm just an instrument of an institution. Just a arithmetic, no sentiment. And he goes, the current arithmetic is outstanding. And then he goes, by well, where's the gold? She goes, on its way. Jamie's, Jamie's on it. She drinks some wine. And he goes, well, people are going to be let down because those interest payments were huge. Uh, and she goes, well, we'll have to boost their spirits. He goes, yeah, how about some new venture, like uh, what you're up to? And she goes, yeah, my only venture at this moment is reestablishing control of the continents and every person on it. Uh, and he goes, oh, there's great potential there. Outside investment, maybe? And she goes, yeah, I need armies and navies. Uh, uh, Kyburn is her hand, which somehow I forgot, a golden company. They go, oh, yeah. He goes, they're, they're great. I, I looked them up on Yelp. Uh, 4.5 stars. Uh, she goes, well, I'd like them to recover some things that belong to me, which I don't understand that one either. Is that is that a mysterious, uh, that might have been a mystery in there. Like, what else does Circe consider to belong to her? Because in the next scene is uh, Baelish with his, like, he's got, he goes, uh, I think he's Brandon Baelish, which I think would be a good name for a sports podcast. Brandon Baelish, we're, we're on the, uh, the quit, like a Quidditch podcast, if Quidditch was real. I mean, I know there is Quidditch, but, you know, real Quidditch. And they're sitting in front of a window, and Baelish goes, here's a dagger to play with, kid. And he goes, well, I'm not a kid anymore. He goes, I talked to your brother about how much I love your mom. I was wondering if I could talk to you about it for a few minutes. I just want what she would have wanted, what I imagine she would have wanted. That's why I'm here, because I still love her. I won't mention your sister, but if there's anything I can do for you, you only ask. And Bran's, like, staring at the dagger. He goes, do you know who this belonged to in a knowing way? Bailey, she goes, nope, but it started the War of the Five Kings. And Bran just keeps staring. And he goes, Bailey, she goes, yeah, it's kind of part of your journey, that thing. And then Bran goes, he goes, uh, you've seen probably seen a lot of chaos in your life, Bran. Bran goes, chaos? Chaos is a ladder, which is a Baelish quote, uh, 
blows his mind at 9.55. Oh, no, Baelish is talking about coming home. Oh, it's so chaotic with your sister in charge or something, some BS. Uh, but it was awesome. He totally blows Baelish's mind in. He goes, Kayla, but then it's interrupted by Mira. Yeah, as Baelish just kind of like uh, barely has chance to sink in. He goes, sorry, Lord Stark. Uh, and he, uh, Bran goes, I'm not a lord. And then we have uh, this another cold goodbye, but it plays out the exact opposite of uh, Masande and Grey Worm's goodbye. And it could really relate to the scene, unfortunately. Like, a lot of us go through this. Uh, like, when like those of us that have trouble with emotional reading and, um, like, stuff in general, that maybe we're a little detached or a little numb. Uh, I, I think uh, this scene was just very relatable because uh, she goes, uh, yeah, I don't want to leave you. And then, you know, they talk and she goes, you don't need me anymore. But she's just saying it. And he goes, no, I don't. Uh, and she goes, that's all. I can't believe like this. You're not like emotional or you're not feeling anything. I've sacrificed a lot for you. And a lot of other people have. And you're un. I hear this all the time. You're unfeeling. I talked about it a lot on when I was on Harmontown, but. Like, this really rang true. I think it's more about this theme of this episode, which we'll touch on at some point. But, uh, it, like, it really was felt like the isolation of being the three-eyed raven uh, came across here. He goes, well, I'm not Bran really totally anymore. But you really see the, like, mirrors, you know, feelings too. Okay, so I do have some notes here on this, like, uh, like this, there's a, kind of this a string in this episode of like the impact of what the like what the Starks and other people have been through with these, especially with these homecomings of like uh, what they're carrying with them uh, from the past. Uh, let me pause it because that's the big scene. Uh, so it, I guess I'll talk about it more, but at 1205 is literally the shot of all seven seasons. Uh, it's this rising boom shot of someone on horseback from behind and snow everywhere. And as the boom rises, we see Winterfell and we see it's Arya coming home. Just a beautiful, unbelievably beautiful shot. And then we have a little bit of a comedic strange scene, uh, I guess, uh, like, uh, Arya rolls up on two soldiers. I think maybe just to, like, uh, to catch us up on where she is. I think the guy says, I up, E-Y-U-P, the uh, coast caption says. And it's basically a couple of guard goofballs wasting Arya's patience and say, oh, Lady Starkle doesn't have time for you. And she says, what Lady Stark? Uh, but then Arya dodges out of the way. They give her a hard time. She goes, give my sisters, you fools. Uh, so then they tell her to sit down and they argue about who's going to go tell Sansa. So then Arya rolls out. Uh, oh, but first she sits there and soaks in, uh, Winterfell. Like she just looks across, uh, and there's some nice, uh, like kind of Winterfell Stark theme music. I don't know what it's called with strings and, we watch her pan around the room, and then she looks at the Stark banner. Then she's gone. Then the soldiers report to Sansa. Uh, then does this say Sir pa Oh, Sir Roderick and Master Lewin, Llewellyn or whatever. So she goes, oh, I know. That's really my sister. 
And then we see the bad statue, and Arya's there breathing, and Sansa comes in, and there's a nice jangle to announce her, like of some of some of the stuff she's wearing. I like the sound effects. And our, it's awkward at first. Arya says, do I have to call you Lady Stark? And Sansa says, yes. Uh, and then Sansa gets her second one-way hug of the season. She gives Arya a big hug, but it's one-way. Arya doesn't hug back. It's awkward. Uh, guard and clothes. Oh, they talk about guards. They talk about their clothes. Uh, John gets a smile when Sansa, uh, Sansa says, geez, John was happy to see me. When he sees you, he's going to be even happier. Uh, then they talk about, like, uh, the statue, how bad it is. Uh, like, that, someone that know, knows their father's face should have uh, done it. Also brought up again, who who's on candle duty in castles? I, I googled it, and uh, an ad for a White Castle scented candle came up, believe it or not. Uh, but she is, yeah, whoever, we, we knew his face. Uh, but most everybody's gone. And then they talk about Joffrey. Uh, she goes, did you really take out Joffrey? And Sansa goes, I wish I did, but I didn't. And then they have a brief talk about uh, Arya's list. And Sansa just laughs, thinking it's a joke. Uh, and then they talk about this impact again, this little string in the episode that's very important, the impact that they're carrying with them home. You know, like uh, of the events they've all dealt with uh, that have changed them, uh, children to adults, but much more than that, uh, uh, like a resonant impact or whatever, like uh, those like vibrating things, you know, forks. Like, yeah, neither of them, no, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't pleasant for me either. And they said, you'll have to share stories, but uh, they're not over, Arium points out. And then Ari gives a legit hug to Sansa, and I had tears. I think I might have had tears earlier, too. And then Sansa goes, Ari, a brand's home, but uh, he's weird as, you know, WTF weird, really. And then we're in the Weirwood Grove, and Bran's like, it seems like he's face-to-face with that robotic tree face uh, from a distance. Uh, and then they walk up to him, Sansa and Arya. And Arya turns around, he gives him a hug, and he looks at Sansa, and he goes, she's, I saw you at the crossroads, thought you were going to go to King's Landing. And Arya goes, so do I. And then she goes, what the heck? And Sansa goes, well, Bran has visions now. And she's like, well, why would you go to King's Landing? And Bran says, Cersei's on her list, uh. And Sansa gives us, like, a classic Sansa face, which we'll get a couple more of in this episode. Which is definitely, like, a, like I can never quite figure it out, which is good. Uh, whether she's, like, like, displeased or, you know, she just has that Sansa look. And she goes, who else is on the list? And Arya says, don't worry about it. And then Bran plays with this little finger dagger. He goes, where'd you get a little finger? Well, why would he give it to you? He only gives stuff to people if he wants something from them. And Arya goes, that's a Valerian steel. Uh, why would he? And he, Bran goes, doesn't matter. I don't want it. And he gives it to Arya. Uh, but this brings up this other string, great string in the whole series, but particularly this season, which hopefully the season's leading to. 
but it's almost like this mystery of like what is Baelish up to, who does he work for, what is his plan, and where is it like uh, when is it going to be revealed? Uh, and even like what does Baelish really want? I mean, these are all questions, you uh, know, really teasing it out. Uh, uh, just like there's a classic mystery intertwined with this show. So what is Baelish up to? But Bran gives the uh, dagger to Arya. He does this weird pullback with his hand. And then we see the three of them walking into the courtyard of Winterfell. And Brienne smi- almost smiles. Uh, and Patrick says, see, you kept your vow, lady." You know, she's hard. He goes, you're hard. She goes, no, nah, no. Nah. He goes, you're hard on yourself, lady. She goes, I'm not. A, she goes, I told you. And then she goes, thank you, Patrick. So we even see kind of little changes there. And another question is, where are we going with Patrick this season? Because he seems like uh, he's getting these little, uh, I don't know. I, I think he's going to play some big role or a small role. Or, you know, I'm just like just a red hair. I'm just chasing red herrings. Uh, but Baelish also watches the three of their arrival and uh, smiles. Uh, but he smiles when he hears the call of Raven. So I didn't know if that meant news arrived and he already knew what the news was. Uh, but I have a feeling that's really what it was. And then we see Khaleesi and Missandei, uh coming down the steps towards the beach at Dragonstone. And they're talking about like what happened with Grey Worm. And she says, great many things. And she grins. Uh, and Khaleesi goes, many things? She goes, yeah, great many things. Uh, and even the Khaleesi gets a smile. And it turns out at some point between episodes, John and the Onion Knight have been spelunking, which is a beautiful podcast word, spelunking. How about that? Do you spelunk it like, uh, how about that, like, uh, I, I, like, I should just start asking people that. Hey, by the way, do you spelunk? Because uh, it's a beautiful word and you're beautiful. Like, maybe, like, I don't have any lines anyway. Uh, but maybe I should use that, but I wouldn't ever have the courage to. And I guess it would be insulting to everyone involved. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that spelunk's a beautiful word. And they've been spelunk- spelunking, <laughs> as I said. Uh, uh, Davos has got a torch, uh, and they show off the inside of uh, the dragon glass. Uh, and John goes, this is all we'll ever need. I wanted to show it to you before we started chopping it up. Uh, and he goes, but there's something else. And then there's these cave paintings from the children of the forest. And John really uses it to make his point. He's like so ham-handed with this stuff. Uh, he really is trying to hammer home his point. There's lots of circles, like almost like mandalas that you walk. Uh, and she goes, Jesus, was this when the children were versed the first men? He goes, no, no, children and the first men were against our common enemy, the blue-eyed uh, walkers. And he shows that they even have special effect. Uh, it, he keeps trying to hint at Khaleesi without hinting. And I'm like, geez, dude. And they do exchange a lot of looks. They get really physically close. The Khaleesi really breathes. And uh, she goes, do you really need my help, dude? And he goes, yeah. And, and she goes, well, uh, I'll fight for you when you bend to the knee. And John goes, well, dude, people won't take a southern leader. And then this is when she gets in close. She goes, they chose you. They'll accept whatever you do. But then it's like a boom moment. Uh, 
Because Khaleesi totally, this is why she's the Khaleesi. She goes, isn't their survival more important than your pride? And they leave us with another mystery, because then they just show them walking out. Uh, so we don't know what happened. And it's Masande, Davos, Khaleesi, and uh, John. And, it, like, standing outside is double bad news, because it's Tyrion and Varys standing out there. And they go, well, we took Castle uh, Rock, but... Uh, and then Khaleesi's storming across the sand. Davos is like, why don't we leave you to discuss this among yourselves? She's like, no. And Daenerys is not pleased at all. And Tyrion's like, she said it was the right plan. Uh, just like, like we took Casterly Rock, that part worked. And she goes, right plan. And she goes, what is this? Are you in this with your, like your family or what? Because uh, they, they keep getting up on us. And she goes, I'm sitting on this island, and uh, all my allies are gone. we got no food. And Tyrion goes, well, we still could do, like, we still could still do the blockade part. And, uh, oh, that's when she says the right plan. She goes, we lost Dorne, the Iron Islands, and the Reach. Oh, and he says, if I've underestimated my, our enemies. She goes, your family, you mean? Then she asks John what he thinks they should do. And John goes, well, you know, maybe like uh, the dragons are cool. And, you know, maybe that you brought something impossible into this world. People believe that you could do something else impossible. Oh, because Khaleesi goes, this is time for clever plans is over. Uh, then she asks John, uh, and John goes, maybe they still think you could build a world that's different from all the junk that all the other rulers are. But if you start, like, uh, melting castles and uh, chasing people with dragons, you know, I don't think that's that's the same old story. And we're left to hang again. We don't know what's decided. Then we see Brienne and Padraig. She says, don't lunge. And she's kind of bullying Padraig. Uh, yeah, don't do this. So she's schooling him again. And then we hear Arya from the background. She goes, you know what? Don't fight someone like her in the first place. Uh, yeah, and this is, again, another highlight of the ever. Because uh, Brienne goes, it's a very nice dagger. And Arya goes, thanks. You want to check it out? And uh, Sansa and Baelish are, like, talking grain, and then they see the two of them in the courtyard, and they, they do, like, a what? And some of this has been a while. I, I don't know what that means. It's been a while since we've seen each other. Oh, well, been a while since I got trained. Uh, she And uh, Brianne says, well, get somebody down here to train you. She goes, no, 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 you, you beat the hound. Uh, and Brianne goes, nah. She goes, you swore to serve both my mother's daughters, right? And Sansa's is watching. She's definitely not totally pleased with this. And then they start, they do a little, uh, what do they call that? Like when they practice, uh, practice stuff. Uh, and Brienne goes, your, your, your sword's a little too small. And then holy bravo, see callback, call I said. Because uh, this felt like a callback to season one. Uh, Ari puts the sword behind her back. That's at 3145. And they do some dancing, and then Arya goes down to Brienne, and at first there's like a froze. And then the real fun starts. You could tell they're both into it. The music starts up, they're smiling. But Sansa's watching, 
Uh, Baelish is watching too. Baelish seems amused, and Arya loses her sword, and it ends up in a draw. And Brienne goes, who taught you how to do that? And Arya says, no one. But both of them are very pleased. It was like a moment we've been waiting for to have these two together. Again, I guess. And then even Rand looks amused. She looks. They look up at Sansa, but Sansa does not look happy. And Baelish grins, and Arya and Brienne just stare down Baelish, uh, and he bows to them. and then we get a scene that I'm not pleased about, about with Davos. So this season, he's been, uh, I don't get it, but Davos and John are walking down the stairs at uh, Dragonstone. And uh, Davos, go, like they say, well, he goes, what's up with the Khaleesi? What do you think of her? Or he just says, what, what do you think of her? And John says, who? And Davos, this was funny. He said, I believe you know of who I speak. Uh, and he goes, I notice you're staring at her, uh, at her heart, if you know, like, because, you know, he says, I, I think she has a good heart. He goes, I know she's staring at her heart, dude. And then he gets all, he gets like a, like a slimy and mansplaining in one scene. Like, this was so weird. Like, he goes, speaking of good hearts, Miss Sunday of North, uh, and like he said, what in the heck? Uh, like an old man? Is this what? Is this a? Is this my future too? Like, will I meet her and then do the same thing and be like, uh, everyone will be cringing? It was, this was cringeworthy. I guess that's the exact word. Uh, weird old man, chipper weird old man. That's what I put. Uh, cringeworthy. And I didn't realize it till after the episode. But this is a classic man- mansplaining moment. And I know it's like uh, it just is. Uh, First, she goes, Sir Davos, Lord Snow. He goes, well, it's more of a king or uh, I'm going to read the dialogue just to make my point. King, whatever. And then they kind of talk about uh, what does it mean to be a bastard? Why do you have to take on a name? And she goes, well, Narth, we don't have marriage. So this whole idea seems ludicrous. Uh, and Davos goes, Libera- it sounds liberating. Yeah, but then let's see. He goes, this is so... It's so lame, Davos. Uh, he goes, oh, John says, why'd you leave your homeland? And uh, Masande kind of tells a tiny bit of her, above her story. And Davos says, if I know, how did a slave girl come to advise Daenerys Targaryen? And she goes, well, she bought me from my master and set me free. And then Davos says, look at this guy. I said, when did you get on Facebook and Twitter, dude? Because he says, uh, well, it sounds like you just serve a different master then. There's something, let me see, the scene passed, but it's just so, I guess maybe because this is like my TV show girlfriend or something. Because that was good of her. Of course you're serving her now, aren't you? And I think that's the exact type of language when people say that on Facebook. Uh, like, uh, but she goes, no, you don't know what you're talking about, lame ass. It's just so strange that we've talked about it in the last episode, and then it comes up, and it's my one of my favorite characters. Uh, I don't know, Davos, man. You get like, please, please get like, we need to keep these two separated. He's supposed to be the proxy for me, and now he's acting just like me. Uh, but then, like as uh, Tyrion said, she kind of talks about her viewpoint. She goes, "This is the queen we all chose." Uh, and Davos goes, "Forgive me if I don't switch sides." Uh, 
And we hear a bell, and John sees the ship, and they all see the ship. And he goes, isn't that a Greyjoy ship? And then we have a Theon and Joy, John reunition moment. And I put, oh, boy. Because John walks up, and Theon plays dumb. He goes, John, I didn't know you were here. And Davos watches very quickly, like, or very intensely, like, because I guess he doesn't know all this information. And he goes, dude, like, and John goes, Theon, luckily you, you helped Sansa otherwise. Uh, but he goes, what happened to your uncle or your sister? Uh, and Theon goes, I don't know. I've come to ask the queen. And they go, the queen is gone. And Theon goes, where did she go? And the next thing you know, we're on the set of Westworld or something, like the American uh, West. And we find out the Lannister gold made it. Uh, and they, they're trying to cross the Blackwater Rush. They're in this canyon. It looks like like the, a greener version of the canyon. Uh, who's that? Roadrunner hangs out at. And Sam's dad, Lord Tarly's talking about a stragglers and flogging them. Uh, to hurry people up. And Jamie and Brian just share a look like, again, almost like a cringeworthy moment, too. They're like, uh, who is this fool? And they go, don't worry. They say, we'll think about it. Uh, then they go down to Bricken. They say, hey, Bricken, what's up? He goes, it's Dickin. And Brian cracks up at that. Uh, but then even uh, Dickin talks about the impact of uh, that he's having. Uh, from these intense events is that it's having an impact on him of his first battle that he was ever in. And then Brian has a a fine line, though. He goes, didn't they teach you that at fancy lad school? Uh, But then they go to start talking, and Brian senses something's wrong right away. And then we hear this thunderous rumbling. And it's a rumble of, uh, like, uh, what the Lannisters decide is they've been called out in a conga battle. And, uh, like, uh, I guess I didn't realize this about their history, but uh, they say, everybody, they say, jump in line, it's time to rock your body on time, Lannisters. Uh, and so they start getting ready. They get in these conga lines. And it's, like, really organized. Uh, like uh, the Lannisters and how they conga, but they're dealing with, uh, this is going to be a cross-cultural dance-off in the Dothraki are coming, and the the Dothraki crests the hill, and there's this rumbling, and uh, they're they're, uh, doing different uh, noises, like yelps and yells, and uh, really stirring it up, and it ends up, okay, the Lannisters get the rules. We're going to conga line. Uh, we're going to rock the body on time. Do do they believe them? Like, so almost like a staring contest, but within a conga line. So the Lannisters start to conga. And I guess there's, I don't, like, this is just what I'm putting together. There's also conga coaches. So like Jamie, Bron, uh, Dickon, Sam's dad, like uh, trying to like God, guide the conga line and stick it together. That's the thing. So the Dothraki are trying to break the conga line, kind of like going for a Guinness, competitive Guinness Book World Recording in Westeros. Like, uh, we're going to get the record for the longest, steadiest uh, conga line, and the Dothraki are going to prevent us by, like, a staring contest, like trying to make people laugh. Uh, and, oh, boy, are the Dothraki good at it. 
So Jamie says, and Bron says, dude, get the heck out of here. Like, you don't want to be associated. We're, we're going to lose and we're going to lose bad. And he goes, Jamie, you're a damn handsome man with great hair. You can't be associated with like, a, like the great Conga crash of, uh, zero zero four two or wherever the heck year it is. And Jamie goes, I'm not going to. And then we hear the sound of Drogon and uh, our Khaleesi's on Drogon's back. And they're all like, uh, like uh, they, they've never seen a disco ball. That's the thing. And Drogon's dragging a giant disco ball and using the dragon power to light it. Uh, and if you're normal, if you're experienced with the disco, it's just not fair. Like the disco ball lights are going in the eyes of the Lannisters, spinning around, also hypnotizing some of them. Because again, they've never seen it. Like they almost feel like there's starlight coming on them. And there's, then there's fog effects that the Drogon and the Khaleesi are doing. And this makes the Congo line go haywire. And then the Dothraki... They're doing like be like again stuff these Lannisters have never seen before. BMX stunts on uh, horseback, like riding on horseback, like standing on horseback, jumping off of horses. And Lannisters are trying to hold their conga line, and it, of course, like uh, it becomes like uh, total chaos. And especially like Sam's dad's like, even if the line breaks, you got to keep dancing, like uh, don't rock, rock your body on time and then jump back in line. And then Jamie, like uh, Jamie and uh, uh, Ron are like, uh, like Jamie tries everything. All the wagons go bye bye. Like they already won the wagons. I guess that was one of the bets. Uh for the dance-off that was arranged ahead of time between episodes or whatever. Jamie tries this special dance he's going to lead, calls the Archer's Knock, which he goes like, everybody rock, get down on your hocks, which are your feet, your your heels, and do the Archer's Knock. That doesn't work. Uh, like, the Khaleesi just shines light right in their eyes, puts fog, too much, like, total fog bank, uh, and then Jamie goes to Brian, like, dude, we got you, like, uh, we're actually dancing with dragons here, just like that book title. He goes, I need you to, uh, go to do the, there's a sleep. Th-. He goes, go put the dragon asleep with the, uh, sleep solution that Maester Quiburn has. Uh, and Brian goes, you do it. He, Jamie goes, I only got one hand, bro. I'm dancing. Yeah, then Jamie gets in trouble. Dickon helps him, like, uh, get back in line. We see a lot of Bron. Bron loses his gold, uh, trying to to rock his body on time. He even says, okay, I believe it. Uh, Then Bron tries to put the dragon to sleep. Meanwhile, Tyrion's watching it at a distance, and he's shaken by all this. Because even he's never seen a disco ball. Like, he's heard about a disco ball. Maybe he's seen it, but never like this. Uh, and he was raised to believe in the power of conga lines. And, you know, the, like, uh, like that there's, like, there's implacable joy. Like, he, I guess he thought that that's, you know. So, he, T- Tyrion's, like, stunned. The Khaleesi does not want Drogon to go to sleep, especially when Drogon's flying with the Khaleesi on it. So she manages to land Drogon while Drogon's about to fall asleep. Uh, 
and she's trying to get to like uh the like uh whatever the the thing that's putting Drogon to sleep uh, out of him. And this was a great build of tension for everything. This is just like a very intense, uh, shows the cost of dancing, going for world records in Westeros dancing wise. Uh, but really like, like, oh, there's a great shot of a dragon over water, but then, okay. So then like then the dance off is pretty much d- developed into chaos. You have some Lannisters left dancing with themselves and, uh, like, you know, the, uh, Dothraki are just like, uh, basically making sure no people are dancing together. Yeah. But then, uh, Jamie looks, he sees the Khaleesi standing by herself and he says, well, I'm going to dance with her. Like, uh, I want to dance with somebody. And he starts riding over towards her and Tyrion's watching a far distance. He says, flee, you idiots. And right before uh, they get to, Jamie gets to the Khaleesi to dance with her, Drogon says, uh, her dance cards fall. And right as he's about to yell it really loud, uh, Jamie jumps in. Somebody helps Jamie jump in the water, which was another mystery. We don't know who, who it was. And with that, the episode came to a conclusion. Uh, with Jamie swimming with somebody else. Uh, there's also like uh, stuff in the water, which I said I don't know if that was effects. Also, also the sound effects uh, with this uh, non-dancing dancing, like especially with Drogon, were just uh, unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about some facts. All right, hey everybody, we're talking about uh, season. What is it? I don't know. Season six? Are we in? I, I somehow forgot that, but it's episode five. Eastwatch, and uh, it opens with uh, Smoke on Water, which I, I think is a song, but I didn't look that up for the facts. Uh, but out of the it's a great view. Uh, that's what I put first before I get to what's happening of uh, water with smoke in the distance, and we can tell, which is nice. I, I was happy about this. Uh, really, from a like a, a fan perspective, that it got right to the conclusion of the last episode right away. They didn't leave us hanging, and I was very surprised by that. I thought, uh, I was like, are we gonna have to wait a whole episode, like, but like not until episode six uh, to find out what happened, or are they gonna show us uh, right off the bat? And they said, hey, right off the bat, we're gonna show you. And show us that they did because uh, Bron comes out of the water, then he pulls Jamie out of the water, and they lie on the shore catching their breath. They're exhausted. And Jamie's like, Man, you could have, uh, what were you thinking, Bron? We uh, get a lot of, not a lot of screen time of Jamie, but Jamie's really stretching, really, a, like, a, if you if you like use the term emotional journey. Uh, Jamie's got quite the emotional journey he goes on in this episode. Well, I guess, like, he does get a lot of screen time, too. Yeah, but he, this is, like, where his journey begins, I guess, at the beginning of the episode. Really, like, a rebirth in some sense. And he's mad at Bron for stopping him from going after the Khaleesi. And Bron's like, WTF, bro? What were you doing? And Jamie's, like, trying to win the war. And Bron's like, yes. Uh, he goes, there's a dragon there. And also Jamie's hand looked extra gold in the mud, like it, because it, the mud washes off of gold easier. This is a saying too, mud washes off gold easier. 
than, I guess it's a metaphor because you just build your own metaphor there. Uh, but he says, what do you like? Uh, you like the Bronson movie that's getting remade, I believe. Uh, he goes, like, he goes, that was risky, overly risky on purpose. Ron believes. And he goes, until I get my castle, you're not going, no dragons, uh, no Khaleesi's, uh, only me you have to answer to. And then what does this say? You're fed. F-E-D, I put. A capital F, too. Uh, let me get the uh, closed captioning on here. Episode just started on this end. Uh, but I don't know what he says. You're, you're only me. And then you're fed. Uh, and then Jamie goes, I got to go tell Cersei. And Bron's like, you better, you might as well just jump in the river. Let me see what, if I can figure out that you're fed. Oh, Jamie's like, there was only, that was only one dragon. She's got two more. Oh, and yeah, Brian goes, you're effed. That's what F-E-D means. Uh, and Jamie's like, what do you mean you're? And Brian goes, I'm not dealing with any dragons. I'm no fool. And then we get another great quiet moment. The seasons had these wonderful quiet moments. 545, uh, Jamie's sitting on the shore alone, and we pull in, the camera pulls into his back, just watching uh, the smoke and the fire. Really, like, mood setting. I guess, for, especially, I didn't realize it for his journey this episode, or the journey I'm going to project onto him. Uh, then we have Tyrion walking through uh, the ash, uh, uh, a bit like, uh, like, um, what's that? Uh, I don't know. It's like he's walking through the uh, ash. And then there's a meeting up at the big rock with the big dragon, Drogon. And there's lots of dragon sound effects. And uh, Khaleesi's straight with the Lannister soldiers. Uh, she's like, I'm well aware of the xenophobia stuff. Cersei's peddling, and that's not me. She goes, that's just like uh, what she's telling you. She goes, you bend the knee? I'm going to take that big wheel that keeps on turning and, uh, you know, break it. Uh, make this world a better place. Uh, so she says, who's in? Uh, then the dragon yells, and everyone but the Tarleys and some of the Tarly loyalists kneel. And big, big Tarly, whatever his name is, big, big jerk Tarly says, we don't kneel. Uh, we're buying what Khaleesi's or Cersei's selling. He says, I have a queen. And by the way, she was born in Westeros and lived here. And I said, holy, like, uh, it's just wild, the uh, intersections here. And Tyrion calls him out. He says, uh, it wasn't your queen last week. Uh. And uh, Tarly goes, well, uh, I, you know, then he turns to xenophobia stuff. And then Dickens says, I love my dad, and I'm, you know, I have the same pride my dad has. And Khaleesi goes, well, that's not going to work out too well. You got a choice. Go ahead and make your choice. Uh, and uh, she goes, okay, that's it. Uh, Charlie's out. And. Tyrion tries at least two or three times to, like, uh, intervene on his behalf and get a lighter deal. And I wonder how subtle this is. This is some sort of subtle, uh, royal, like, uh, people with royal blood. Uh, like, is this some sort of self-preservation thing that we're going to see? Like, a little tiny string where Tyrion's like, well, I'm not comfortable watching royal. Like, these are the royals. Uh, I'm a royal. They're royals. Uh, let's get a little nice, you know. 
uh, was it 0.01% or whatever. Also, this is a little humor I put in here. It's a good thing Sam has that sword. Uh, like, uh, uh, anyway, I mean, for real. And he's a, uh, he's still a Tarly, and he's the best Tarly in my book. Also, uh, yeah, seriously, says, I mean, Khaleesi says they made a choice. At 11.02, uh, Dragon Tail is on screen. It is so cool. Great effect. Holy cow. Great touch, really. Like, they didn't have to put it on there, and they did, and it was wonderful. So then the Tarleys are out. Everyone else, everyone else is like, okay, we're with you, Khaleesi. And Khaleesi has her ice-cold look. And Tyrion has a Tyrion's worried look. Uh, and then we see Jamie walking fast in a hallway. That's another thing for this season. Jamie and Halls. Uh, season six. I mean, that could be, like, I think enough people would watch. He's a handsome man. Like, like I, I haven't looked at his behind, but uh, I guess I have all season walking down halls. And he rushes by Clyburn, and there's two Clyburn moments uh, that I didn't quite... Uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense in the end, uh, but he, he, he seriously says, how many men did we lose? And Jamie's like, we haven't accounted, and we haven't done an accounting yet. Uh, and Cersei's like, no worries, we'll buy some more soldiers. Uh, we got the gold stuff, and we got the loan stuff. And Jamie's like, not with the Dothraki. Uh, it's not going to work. Uh, also, there's dragons, by the way. Did you, did you hear about the dragons? Because that's a pretty big deal. And really some high-level performing by Cersei. Uh, she says, uh, like this scene in a later scene, the later scene is just, like, spectacular. Like, almost on the level when her and Olana are alone uh, like one or two seasons ago, but she says, what are we going to do? Sue for peace. And he says, well, sort of, uh, he goes, uh, or what she goes, what sort of offer do you think, uh, she would make with her dragons? Uh, and then Jamie tells on a lot, uh, and Cersei's like, uh, wasn't it? What? Oh, she doesn't even buy it. She, he goes, yeah, with, uh, Joff, she's the one who, uh, Ruined Joff's wedding, not Tyrion. And she goes, oh, it's so kind that you gave her that wine then. Uh, and Jamie's like, who would you want your kid to marry, Joff or your Tommen? And then he, like, makes an excuse, like, oh, like I mean, to, to control. And Cersei sits there. She's chilled. Like, and I don't mean, like, chill, like, we're kicking back with a joint. Like, I mean, chill, chilled. And she says, I shouldn't have listened to you. And I think I wrote, I know my choice, but I'm going to see if I can pick it out. Like, uh, maybe she said, I know my place. Cause she says, we're going to stand, uh, and, uh, do battle here. And she goes and a soldier should know his. Yeah. She did say, I know my choice and a soldier should know his. And, uh, Jamie, like it's a heartbroken swallow look. Then we have the return of the dragon and Jon Snow, uh, like, uh, looking pensive out on the bluffs. Uh, Drogon looks uh, spectacular. And, uh, what does this say? Drogon does, oh, Gary Gygax, uh, looks like an AD&D cover, which was cool. Does that up to Jon. Then he sniffs him and Jon pets him. Khaleesi can't get a good look at what's happening. 
And at least on the face, it's very elephant-like, uh, the Drogon. Uh, I wonder if he feels like an elephant. And uh, we see Drogon's eye looking at John. And Khaleesi's totally impressed, uh, which will look kind of as another thread of this episode. And John's kind of blown away from interacting with the dragon. And Drogon goes into the sky. And Khaleesi's like, beautiful, aren't they? He goes, oh, yeah, uh, not what I was thinking. They're beautiful beasts. Uh, she goes, they're my children. Uh, beautiful to me. And John goes, hey, you weren't gone very long. She's like, nope. Uh, and he goes, and so, and she goes, yep, less bad guys to deal with now. And John goes, eh, like kind of like Tyrion. And she goes, you know what, like, uh, Sometimes strength is terrible, John, and you you know that from last season. And he goes, uh, and she goes, by the way, what's up with that uh, uh, Davos creeping out my uh, interpreter? One, uh, two, or like, uh, is he going to not mansplain anything this episode? And three, did he say something about you and your hearts? And he's like, oh, it's just a figure of speech. She goes, N-, she goes I'm the Khaleesi, bro. And then they're interrupted, and there's a sweet uh, Dothraki reveal of Ser Jorah. This felt like a Star Wars trailer, to be honest. Uh, I don't know when, like, they started recording all the cool stuff on bluffs, but dude, keep keep it up. As we'll see at the end of the episode, there's nothing that, like, the only thing that looks better than uh, dudes on bluffs and Khaleesi's on bluffs is, uh, like, in the blizzard-to-blizzard blizzard snow. Yeah, you think if Sir Jorah would only stay on bluffs in snow, he would have had a chance getting out of the friend zone. Yeah, but holy friend zone, Jorah's, Sir Jorah's back. He kneels right away. He sees John, and she goes, this is my old friend. Uh, and she goes, you look strong. And, you know, this is a little bit, even though this is a great reunion, it still is a little heartbreaking on Jorah's behalf. And she goes, you got that dragon scale dealt with? He goes, it wouldn't be here if I didn't. And uh, he goes, I'm here to return if you'll have me. And uh, she goes, as a friend, I'll have you back. Uh, and John frowns. Uh, and uh, also, there's like a couple, I don't know if, like, uh, so I might as well propose this right now. And uh, the third watch of this episode this morning, uh, there's a lot of, uh, like a lot of looks from Sir Jorah. So I don't know if he's a proxy for the audience, uh, in the, like the audience that might be doubtful about John and Khaleesi's burgeoning attraction, or if he just doesn't want to be in the friend zone, but like he gives a lot of looks, which I think would be like how a lot of audience members are. Like, I don't buy, like, I'm not buying into this. I'm not down with this, uh. Or whatever. So I, that was just a question I had. Uh, is he a prior? Like, I guess we'll see over the next two episodes, or maybe he's not. Yeah, but so then uh, Bran in the, we see the Crow Patrol. Bran's on the Crow Patrol, and he sends the crows past the wall, through the mountains, into the mist. Uh, and we see a lot of people from the north uh, with the uh, walkers on the hill. They break up the crow patrol. And Brian comes out of it, and the maester's standing right there. And Brian goes, send the, send the ravens, yo. Then there's a meeting in Old Town of all the maesters. And uh, they're talking about prophecies of doom. 
And just like any like university or whatever, there's always like a mutton chop, like know it all. That's got like this cynical humor. And I like to call it intellectual bullying myself, but you know, let's not, let's not go down that road, but that could do not on my favorites list. Uh, and they're talking about a magical three eyed raven and a kid, how bad the North is, maybe a dulled the maester's wits with the cold to drink in the company. And uh, Sam's like, I know a three eyed raven named Bran. And they go, yeah, it's a bit much, uh, and then the, the his his main guy his his kind of uh, the main maester the archmaester uh, says and what do you want Charlie he goes well that kid survived north of the wall for like years uh, so something's going on and uh, Sam he says what should we do per perhaps uh, what does that say perhaps and then Mutton Chop says perhaps you need more transcribing. And then, uh, this is like, this is another scene, like, uh, talking about current events. I'm positive it is, uh, but different than cold, more warm current events. Uh, Sam says, maesters are trusted. If you tell everyone the threat is real, like people believe it and take you seriously. And the archmaster says it could be done. It's possible. And this could all be true or you know, this is over a lot, or it could be a ploy by the Dragon Queen, you know, that there's magic birds and uh, uh, all that. Uh, and Sam says, come on, please, it's real for sure, Archmaester. And Archmaester says, well, we'll get clarification from the dude up there, Wolken. And then they make it, then they kick Sam out and then they make some jokes. Let me see the jokes about... uh. They say, remember Jenny of Old Stones, who was a charlatan from the Children of the Forest, and Lodos, and they have a laugh. Prophet Lodos, oh boy, uh, who said the, the, the laugh at Lodos. Uh, so that was good. And then he leaves, and they say, well, he's a good kid, actually. And then we see a scroll tap, tap, tapping, and it's Varys. It's, uh, he has a scroll. Tyrion and Varys drink... Uh, and they think they're doing moral equivocation or equivocation or whatever. I talk about it in the facts, or I will. Because uh, Varys says, I'm only a purveyor of information. You know, I wasn't really doing anything wrong. As Tyrion's trying to unpack, you know, the Khaleesi and how to control her. And he goes, well, she's not really her father. Uh, and, and they, you know, then Varys is like, you got to make her listen. And there is a theory I have or suspicion like that'll bring up now is Varys on the inside because, uh, uh, like, like where's Clyburn getting his information from or is that just a coincidence? Uh, so it's just something I want to sit, I put out there. Uh, they don't, I don't suspect Varys until this, but the, this was strange. I mean, in the red woman weirding him out doesn't help, uh. But uh, he goes, what's that scroll? He goes, oh, it's from the north. Uh, and uh, Tyrion says, what does it say? He goes, it's a sealed scroll for the king of the north. Uh, and then there's like another nice beat of uh, quiet. And uh, Tyrion goes, yeah, right. What does it say? And he goes, nothing good. Then we cut to the John holding the scroll. And he goes, geez, I thought Arya and Bran were gone. Uh, but, you know, this says they're around. And Khaleesi says, I'm happy for you. 
And John goes, I got to go home. Uh, and Khaleesi goes, you don't have the troops to go home. And he does this move uh, that anybody's like, I think he's good at it because he's Jon Snow. But he goes, oh, we'll be fine, Khaleesi. We don't need all your soldiers and dragons and stuff. You know, I'm just going to go. And she, you can see this whole scene. There's a lot of looks exchanged. And uh, if you watched her drawer, a lot of humor in this scene, too. Uh, but then like, uh, like he says, well, what else am I going to do? And she goes, well, I got to deal with, uh, Circe. And then Tyrion says, perhaps not, maybe we could prove her wrong and bring down one of the North uh, dudes to her. They're like, is that possible? And they say, well, like, uh, it's possible, but we'd need to get to, get to her. We need an audience, maybe Jamie. And then at 2650, they say, well, how would we even get into King's Landing? Uh, and everyone turns to Davos. It's really funny. And Davos says, well, I could do it, um, but I'm not a fighter. That comes up a lot. Uh, and they go, well, how do you propose to go get somebody? And then uh, Sir Jorah says, with the Queen's permission, like, I'll go do it. And this is where, it, like, it, like I could say that it's clear that the uh, Daenerys's feelings towards uh, John, you know, with his whole self-sacrifice routine, because uh, Davos says, "Well, Sir Jorah," he goes, "The Free Folk aren't going to follow Sir Jorah," and John goes, "They won't have to, man. Uh, we're we're going to be on it." Uh, and Khaleesi, she's really like. Uh, she seems uh, enthralled, I would say. She, she like, uh, and there's also, like, a lot of looks from Joro at her looks. Uh, let's see, it's rolling right now. This is where Jorah says it, and then John says, yeah, the free folk will help us. Uh, they know the North. Uh, and he goes, yeah, they won't have to. Even Davos looks at John. But, yeah, Khaleesi's face, her lips just part. And she's breathing. They're both making serious eye contact. And Davos like, you can't do that. That's too heroic, man. And he goes, I know it. Uh, and then we see Khaleesi. She goes, I haven't given you permission. He goes, I don't need permission from you or anybody. He goes, I trusted you as a stranger. And uh, like, because I wanted to, you know, I could, I took a risk in trusting you. Now I need you to take a risk in trusting me, a stranger, or formerly a stranger, because uh, I got we got to help everybody. And uh, like uh, you know, it, it really like uh, there's now there's a pull into Scalisi. Like now she's got a poker face on, and she's thinking, and then she moves her eyes to Tyrion, and he says, well, it was the only way, kind of his look, uh, and she nods. A lot of breathing, a lot of throat movements. I didn't see Sir Jorah's looks there, though. Uh, then we have trouble in Winterfell. Uh, everybody's like, we should have chose you, Sansa. Uh, all our knights came from the Vale for you, uh, Lady Stark. Uh, and she goes, yo, John's the king, not me. And Ari's watching, no one's happy. Arya grins. It seemed like Sansa, like, I really feel for Sansa in this situation. I don't know why. Like, uh, and to be honest, Arya is one of my favorite characters, but, uh, I don't know. I'm getting a twinge twinge with Arya. So then Sansa and Arya are walking the halls, and Sansa's like, this isn't easy. 
And Ari's like, you didn't stand up for John. And then they go into the room. She's like, WTF, this is mom and dad's room. You're sleeping in here. And Sansa says, is that a problem? And she goes, never mind. And then Sansa says, well, tell me which, what the problem is. Uh, and uh, tell me what you mean. But Arya takes that. It's, so let me be mean. She goes, you always wanted nice things and to be, you know, like on Tiger Beat posters and... Uh, you just sat there. That's when she said, uh, you didn't stand up for John. And Sansa's like, you weren't here. Like, it wasn't easy. We had to work as a team. And, like, I just didn't quite get this scene. Like, I think it'll pay off. It makes sense. Uh, uh, but she's like, work together. Arya's like, yeah, that's just what you really want. And even Arya's, Sansa's like, what? Like, uh, and maybe there's some truth, uh. You know, that Sansa's still a social climber, but, uh, she's, I feel like this is like this question that maybe will be answered. I guess like, like there's still more to uncover in the episode. So I'll talk about it in a few minutes, I guess. Yeah. But then Arya goes, milady, and she's out. Uh, uh, then we see King's Landing and Davos and Tyrion pull up and he's like, last time, you know, I, I had dealt with my dad and Davos is like, well, it's the last time you dealt with my son. And Davos, uh, like, puts a spike in the ground instead of an anchor. And uh, they say, well, geez, so like, uh, he goes, just go up the steps and sneak in. And uh, Tyrion goes, where are you going? He goes, I got my own business in Flea Bottom. You got my own business. Uh, and Tyrion's like, well, what about the boat? He goes, uh, if it's, what if it's gone? And then Davos goes, then we're aft, man, so you best hurry. And then we're below the castle, and uh, with Bronn, and he's like, let's get training, Jamie. He's got a torch. And Jamie's like, why? Like, not right now. We got stuff to do. He goes, oh, no, no. He goes, yeah, let's get practicing. You're out of shape. And he goes, uh, and Jamie goes, okay. And he goes, well, let's get swinging. And he goes, oh, no, you're not swinging at me. And then he's like, here's your brother, Tyrion. And, uh, Tyrion like kind of opens with, geez, Jamie, you really outsmarted me. You're three steps ahead of me. Father would have been proud. Jamie looks in a wonderful way, terrible in this scene. Uh, like he's really sunk. Uh, and he, cause he really is like, uh, like his belief system's kind of crumbled. Uh, cause he's always just seemed to believe in Circe and, uh, but, you know, she knows that. She knows, don't worry. She's a lot smarter than than I am. So, but I really love how they made him look uh, in the acting. Really, really wonderful stuff. Uh, but he says, uh, well, geez, I'm, I'm sick of you, Tyrion, man. Like, like I told you, if I saw you again, I'd give you a spanking. Yeah, Jamie looks so exhausted and torn. Triple explanation point. Uh, he goes, yeah, I was going to, and uh, Tyrion goes, it'll take a while with the sparring sword. And then Tyrion tries to get a little bit of vindication and connection with him, like with personal stuff. And Jamie goes, personal stuff? What do you want? Uh, and he goes, I want you to agree with uh, to certain terms. Uh, Jamie goes, bend the knee? And he uh, seriously won't do that. He goes, not right now. We got more important things. And then we cut to Sword Street or Sword, like uh, Steel Street or something. Uh, Davos is on the prowl. At 33.15 in the background, a dude puts on a barrel backpack. Uh, I thought that was sweet. Uh, 
I'm sure those will be hitting the streets of uh, where I live, Oakland and Alameda and Brooklyn soon. Barrel backpack. You know, carry your stuff. It won't get, you know, it's protective. You could cool, keep cool drinks in there. It's a backpack. It's a barrel. It's a barrel backpack. You know, sustainable wood. Uh, but he said, then Davos says, wasn't sure. This one we could kind of see coming. I mean, also, if you watch the credits, you saw the dude's name. But uh, he says, I wasn't sure I'd find you here. And then there's a Gendry reveal. Which I was wondering how this was going to occur, and it seems like it occurred organically because of the storytelling process, which is cool, instead of being a shock, uh, like a reversal. So I like this way they introduced Gendry back in, and to, to have us says, I thought you'd be rolling, still rowing, and he, you know, Gendry says, you look awful, man. And he goes, nothing asks you like time does, man. And he says, you been in any trouble? He goes, yeah, no. He goes, well, uh, trouble's a, a, a permanent state or something or something. I don't know. I can't read my handwriting. Any trouble? Nope. Uh, or like safety's in a never-present state or something. And he goes, I think I got to talk to you about going on. And Gendry's like, let's go. He goes, well, I was going to try to convince you to come. He goes, yeah, let's, let's, I got my bag ready. I've been ready. I've been waiting. And then he goes, I'm going to bring a sword. He goes, Davos goes, bring a sword. He goes, no, I got a hammer, man. And then they get down to the boat and Davos goes, keep everything quiet about yourself. Then he, the gold cloaks come and he starts calling him Clovis. Uh, then he goes back to his old tricks. He pays off the guards. He goes, is it still uh, five gold dragons? And he goes, no, it's 15 now a piece. Uh, and they go, what's in the boat? He goes, fermented crab, not more gold, he says. And he goes, fermented crab, uh, which is like their version of Viagra. He goes, it'll put a hole in your chain mail. And then Tyrion shows up and Gendry has to handle things. Uh, and he, he, Davos goes, this is Gendry. And Tyrion goes, he'll do. Uh, then we see Jamie walking. He walks in on Cersei and Clyburn. And Clyburn goes, Sir Jamie? And uh, do or who? And I can't read my writing, but it'll come up. This is a great, great scene. Oh, they were talking about something. They were whispering. I couldn't tell. Uh, that'll do or something. Uh, and he goes, what's he doing in here? And she goes, he's the hand of the queen. Why are you here? And at forty forty, uh, she gives a look on Tyrion. She sits down. She's a. Uh, he goes. I was meeting with Tyrion, uh, so she, her look gets matched by his look. Uh, and then there's like he does. He moves his head to give her another look, uh, and she goes, "What did our brother have to say?" It was such a wonderfully delivered line. And he goes, uh, "You know, Daenerys wants to meet in uh, Armistice." Uh, and Cersei goes, why would she? And he goes, well, there's an army from the north of uh, trouble. And Tyrion's got proof. And she laughs uh, and nods, looks around, laughs again. And she goes, are you going to punish him? And Jamie goes, who? And she goes, Bronn, he betrayed you. What did our brother have to say? I love that line. And she goes, I know everything that happens in the city, dude. And then Jamie goes, why? And she goes, well, this will be good for us. We can get sneaky. We can get crafty. 
This will be in our immediate interests, uh, just like Father. We're going to fight just like Father would. And then another classic line, uh, dead men, dragons, and dragon queens. Whatever stands in our way, we'll beat it. Uh, we'll defeat it uh, for ourselves, for our house, and for this bun I got up in my oven. And then Jamie's belief system is restored, I guess. Uh, she's like, I'm preggers. Uh, and Jamie's back in it. Uh, he's just so relieved, I think, even to have something to believe in again. Uh, maybe. He looks a little conflicted, but also happy. He goes, well, people aren't going to like that. Uh, you can tell him who the father is? She goes, oh, yeah. And she goes, remember what father would say? The lion, uh, the lion doesn't care what the sheep say or something. Uh, and they hug. And, uh, she goes, never betray me again. And Jamie, like, at first he's happy. He kind of still has a little bit of a shocked look on his face. Like, oh boy, am I in trouble? Which, yeah, I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, then we have Clovis uh, and uh, uh, Davos. He says, make sure you go by Clovis. Don't harass John. He's like a celebrity around here. Don't admit, you know, don't. And then Gendry goes, I'm Robert's son, Gendry, uh, bastard son. And they kind of share a few moments talking about their dads and how they didn't really know them or, you know, Gendry didn't. And then. I don't know. They have a moment, and Gendry's like, "I'm in this thing." And he goes, well, "What about a sword?" He goes, "I prefer a hammer." And Davos is like, "Well, I prefer to be a coward for a minute, uh, and you know, an old." Uh, he goes, "Again, I can't fight really good." Uh, and then what does it say? Like this is literally what my handwriting says. I will interpret it. Gendry, I can't wat. Nobody mink one. I mean, I assume it's I can't wait. And nobody mink one, though. But he's like, uh, Davos is like, Gendry can handle himself. Uh, uh, you know, he's got the hammer thing. Coward for a minute. Uh, this is what they're talking. Well, there's no problem for, for a hammer. Uh, John looks at Davos. Yeah, he can handle himself here. Davos has got quite the eyebrows. Uh, John says, yeah, we could use the help. Uh, and then this is, you better be for a coward for a minute than uh, at the big farm. Maybe it's like Gendry's like, you're double my father figure. You're my, and then Davos is like, you're my son figure. Can't wait out this war. Oh, Davos says, yeah, nobody mind me. All I've ever done is live to a ripe old age. Nobody mink one. Nobody mind me. Okay, then they push, they're starting to push the boats out and say their goodbyes and uh, Tyrion goes up to Jorah he goes uh, I'm gonna miss you man nobody glowers like you he goes this is the coin we bought our freedom with uh, bring it with you but bring it back and then we have another moment like with uh, Jorah and Khaleesi she says farewell it's kind of painful for me I guess to somebody like that truly does end up in it's been like in the friend zone a bunch of times like uh it's like, holy cow, like, uh, you just, you feel for Jorah, like, uh, it's like, uh, it, it, I don't know, it just, it just is, uh, but he kisses her hands uh, as he sees his rival, John, and John's kind of glib because he's not in the front zone, he, he, he can afford to be glib, uh, but yeah, again, I don't know, I don't know where this is going, that's why I love this show so much, uh, 
I don't know where we're being led, especially with this with the Sir Jorah stuff and with the Arya stuff. At least the Sir Jorah stuff, it's just uh, so operatic, so operatic in a way. But John goes, yo, I'm rolling out. If I, if I don't come back, you don't got to worry about me. And I got to tell you, when the Khaleesi's in love, she looks a hundred times more beautiful. And I'm not just saying that. Like this scene, it was just something about, uh, like, uh, she goes, I've grown used to the king in the north. Uh, and I, I was like, uh, just great acting. Because uh, I fell in love with the Khaleesi being in love. Uh, and then Jorah kind of stares back. One last look. Uh, then we have Sam and Gilly, 4730. Uh, could have been an episode of Sleep With Me. Gilly's like listing off facts about steps in the Citadel and how many windows were in the 15782. Steps in the Citadel. How many windows in the Septa Baylor? Uh, I don't know if she answers this. Let's find out. Uh, Sam's like, there's no windows. Zero. And she's reading this book by High Septon Maynard, which seemed like it was important because it was talking about Aegon. But uh, Sam gets uh, so fed up. He goes, uh, this is, it's hero time. He goes, give this book to the kid. I'm going to thieve some books. There's great music. And he's really had a great season. I've been really happy, like, with the story they've given him. And it's been essential, I guess, uh, to the overall story. But he, like, uh, steals all the books. And then he's, uh, again, a nice moment. He stops and looks back at the library. And he kind of lets his future and his dreams go in a heroic way. He's the heroic Charlie. We already, I mean, we already knew that. Uh, but he says goodbye to the library. And they packs up their cart, uh, and Gilly's like, are you sure about this? And he goes, I'm tired of reading, which every librarian in the world said, what? He goes, no, reading about heroic acts. Uh, you know, I get to do heroic acts. And then we have this other thread with Arya. It's Winterfell. There's whispers going on with Baelish and people. And Arya's watching from the shadows. Baelish has got super long sleeves, uh, he really looks like a Sith Lord. I mean, for seasons he has. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say the same, like, uh, like, uh, like his Sansa, like his Padawan, but uh, hope not. And he meets with old Breastplate and the Maester, and uh, like him and the Maester are talking, and then Baelish goes into his room, locks up uh, with this scroll that he is the only copy. And Arya busts in his room. Now, I have to, like, so, well, I'll tell you what happened, then I'll talk about it. Arya busts in his room, searches his place. He's got tons of paper products uh, and scrolls and stuff. So I don't know if he's researching a book or what, uh, but she finds the scroll. And I even put, I mean, come on. But uh, it said something about from Sansa about swearing fealty to Joffrey, I think, uh, and Sansa gets a look, and then she leaves the room, but Baelish is watching the whole time from the shadows. And this is my thing. Like, I, like she's a faceless person now, so I don't buy that. Uh, I just don't know. Like, I hope that uh, she would have teamed up with Brienne and that she's not getting paid. Play. Like, they're playing Baelish. I mean, that's the Baelish move I talked about. Like, you really got to. So maybe they are following that. Which is like you let yourself, uh, you let Baelish think he's playing you to play Baelish. But I think Baelish would even know that. But whatever, like, uh, 
he's trying to stir up trouble. It's clear uh, that he's he has machinations going on. So I don't know how this is going to turn out. And I also don't know who Baelish is really loyal to. I mean, he even says it's his obsession with Kate, Kate and uh, Sansa, but I don't even buy that. Also, like, what's up with the sleeves? Like, that's just not a good idea. I mean, I guess for keeping warm it is, but uh, I guess it's like a sleeve scarf. Anything else? Any other comments? And I think that's it. Uh, then we see the boats land. We see Eastwatch by the sea. We see Tormund. Uh, Tormund's back in town. And they're having a meeting. He goes, aren't you guys supposed to talk John out of these crazy ideas? Or he says that to Davos. Davos goes, uh, well, he's, I'm failing at that. And he goes, which queen are you trying to deal with? The one that uh, sleeps with her brother or the one with their dragons? And uh, John's like, both. Uh, he goes, how many men you got? He goes, this many. And then he goes, and the big woman? And his eyebrow goes up. It was such a brilliant and this was a little bit overkill because this is like the third time Davos, uh, like, uh, I got bad feelings for Davos because he's getting like, he goes, I'm a liability. And Tormund goes, yes, you are. Uh, so Tormund's like, geez, well, you're not the only ones trying to get north of the wall. And then at, uh, at 55, 45, we have this great scene, really one of the great Game of Thrones scenes ever. Uh, they go down and uh, like locked up uh, the hounds laying there and Jen goes, you're the hound. Uh, the hound stands up all irritated. Uh, and, uh, John goes, yeah, I saw you once. Uh, the hound's like, yeah, w well, w what up? Uh, and then Tormund's like, they want to go beyond the wall. And, and then Beric Dondarrion's like, we don't, we don't want to. We got to go back beyond the wall. And Gendry goes, these guys sold me to a witch. Uh, you can't trust them. Uh, they're the worst. And then Davos, uh, or no, uh, yeah, this is where it gets, uh, it gets complicated. Uh, uh, Jorah sees Soros Amir. And he goes, Soros, what's up? And Thoros is like, dude, I'm, I can't drink in here. And it's cold. It's the worst. And then Tormund goes, you're a Mormon. He goes, that, that guy was the Lord Commander. He hated it. Uh, North, northern people. Uh, and him and Jorah kind of has to have a moment. Uh, and then uh, Dondarrion says, here we all are all together at the same moment, heading the same direction for the same reason. And then Davos says, well, not technically the reasons are different. He goes, okay, the reasons are different, but... Uh, he goes, don't you think there's a greater purpose at work and we serve it together? Starts pacing around. Whether we know it or not, uh, he goes, and then the hound goes, would you be quiet? Are we going north or what? Uh, and John goes, don't you want to know what we're doing? And Thoros Amir goes, it's better than sitting in a cell freezing. And John goes, he's right. We're all on the same side. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? He goes. We're all breathing. We're all in this together. And Tormund even pats John. He says, all right, bro, here's the keys. And then we have this classic hero scene. I mean, this is like an homage and new of them leaving the castle. The gates are opening the blizzard. And I got to tell you, like, uh, never considered Jorah uh, handsome. 
but he looks pretty good, like, uh, in this scene, like a bit like a, a old Han Solo on Hoth. I mean, he's got those steely blue eyes. If the Khaleesi could see him, uh, uh, like he, like he might have a chance, he might have a chance just from this scene. And uh, everyone looks very heroic, except for the hound and Thoro Samir is getting drunk and the hound's looking grouchy. And they march out uh, into history, uh, I think, and it's just a wonderful way to end the episode. Really, uh, I mean, of course, I would have wanted another 45 minutes, but, uh, yeah, they head out into the, like, into the blizzard and uh, the episode ends. Hey, sleep with me, listeners. Season 7, Episode 6. Here we are, uh, Beyond the Wall. And how how better to open this episode than with a sweeping camera over the uh, map table, formerly uh, Stannis's, uh, but it looks a little like, uh, I don't know, it looks pretty good in this uh, close-up. It goes over the Vale of Aaron, or, uh, you know, then some white thing. I don't know if that was White Harbor. And then we see Castle Black, and then we see a fire in the fireplace. Uh, then we see Scoot's handwriting, which is on um, Marlin's search. Uh, I don't know what that means. Marlin's search. How many? Uh, I don't know. But they're walking up like a, the, 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 our northern crew, along with, as my brother called them, Bantha Father, Fodder. Not a Bantha Father. Uh, like Bantha Fodder. F-O- I say Mudda Fodder. Bantha Fodder. Which I didn't really get. I forgot what they called him. I don't know how many people listen to the official Lost podcast uh, with Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof, who are now uh, even hitting another pinnacle of both their careers. Uh, but they, if you ever want to like learn about, uh, like just to listen to the podcast and rewatch Lost, uh, one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Listening to the two of them, uh, uh, really, like it, like when you think about. Uh, the left, I mean, holy moly. Yeah, but anyway, we got our, oh, I was going to say, what did they used to call the people on Lost uh, that would only make a brief appearance? Uh, I'll forget, maybe I'll remember, but uh, we got everybody walking and talking in the north. Uh, first up, Gendry. Uh, hey, buddy, have you ever been cold before? You you all right? Uh, and Gendry's like, nah, I've never even seen snow. Uh, Tormund likes it there. He likes the air better. No stinky stuff, he says. Uh, and he goes, uh, how do you keep warm up here? And Tormund goes, walking, uh, you know, dancing, uh, horizontal, vertical dancing and horizontal dancing. He says those are the best ways to uh, stay warm. Would you, do, do, would you like to dance? And Gendry says, well, no. He says, well, I make do with dance partners. Uh, this was uh, like Tormund was uh, like he was because we didn't have Sir Davos. They said, all right, Tormund, we need you as comic relief, buddy. We need you big. And at 520, he has his first killer. This one, maybe not so smart, he says about Gendry. Uh, first uh, crushing line of uh, like hilarity. I did laugh out once about at the Hound, and I don't think it was a comedic moment. Really loud. Uh, let's see, 520, this one maybe. And then Tormund Ass on the Dragon Queen. Uh, oh, this was a nice moment. It went from comic relief to uh, wisdom. 
says Mance Raider was brave, uh, proud. He didn't. He never bent the knee, just like you, Jon Snow. And uh, he goes, well, how many people uh, like got messed up because of his pride? Uh, it really was pride. I mean, it's an important, important moment. He says, you know, our comic relief and truth teller, I'll handle that. I'll handle those duties uh, tonight. And thank goodness he did because we needed him right there. Uh, let's see. Then, sorry, there's a lot of dialogue that's important here. So we'll get to it. Let me see. Uh, lots of glaciers. Uh, and then Gendry's kind of still not happy with the Brotherhood without banners. Uh, who, uh, uh, represented by Thoros Amir and Beric Dondarrion. How many times could, could ever, can you say Dondarrion too much, even on a sleep podcast? I don't know if you can. But yeah, let's follow along with the dialogue here for a few minutes, because Beric rolls, uh, or he rolls up on, he goes to get away from Tormund, gets with the, the Hound and the Brotherhood, and they say, what are you, still mad at us? He goes, yeah, you sold me to uh, a witch, and uh, Thoros is a priestess, uh, Subtle distinction, uh, but I think, let me see what he actually says, because uh, it's a good line. Uh, and, it's, like, Thoros is already getting loaded. A priestess, uh, I'll admit, it's a subtle distinction. They say, Beric says, wars cost money. Uh, we need the money. And he, Gendry says, well, I wanted to be one of you. You know what you did? She, you know, she put, you know, she, like, uh, stripped me and... The hound sounds, says, this sounds great, man. Uh, and then he has this great thing. He goes, can you quit your whinging? And hopefully we'll talk about whinging in the notes. Uh, but he, he goes, do you know what whinging means? Complaining. Your lips are moving, you're complaining. That's whinging. He goes, Barrick's been through a lot. He goes, he doesn't complain. And the hound does this nice walk up, really like a... And there's a lot of uh, pulling corks and spitting. I may have just missed the first pulling cork and spitting moment. Uh, I think there's definitely three, uh, but I'm not positive. And then John has moments with Jorah. Says, your dad's a good man. You deserved a better, th- you know, were you with him? Yeah, it was a rough situation, you know, at Craster's Keep. Uh, I wasn't even there, uh, but I felt bad for him. You know, we got it back. Uh, there's also the random dudes. So there's a random dude up front and random dudes in, in back with a sled. They talk about long claw, draw a sword. And this was a really nice moment. John tries to give it back to him. Uh, and Jorah's like, you know, he gave it to you. Uh, and he goes, yeah, but you're his son. And Jorah goes, I brought shame uh, to my family. I broke my father's heart. Uh, uh, I forfeited the right to it. Uh, and then he does this mysterious moment. I mean, to me, it was mysterious. He goes, may it serve you well in your children after you. I put six question marks. I put after you, three question marks. Then is this code? I just put code, C-O-D-E, uh, three question marks. And we get another, this moment wasn't quiet because there was music in the background, but it's another like moment uh, where John's reacting to that. Then he turns and looks after him. And then he kind of takes a deep breath, uh, really nice, like another nice moment for us to kind of breathe with John. 
and be like, what the heck? Uh, then we're at Winterfell, and there's snow falling, there's music playing, and Arya's looking out, at, you know, on the second floor. This is where most of the good moments happen, I think, in Winterfell. Oh, like, uh, I don't know if they have a rule there. Okay, keep your contemplation on the second floor. I think instead of hit, don't hit your head, they say take your contemplation to the second floor. Like, it's a better view of snowfall. And if you want to do external contemplation, look out over this one rampart. If you want to do internal contemplation or contemplation about the past, you know, look inward. So Arya says, well, I'm looking inward right now. And Sansa says, well, I'm standing behind you uh, look while you look in, inward. And Arya's got her mean streak going. She goes, yeah, remember when the boys were pretty sure? Oh, no, you were knitting. Uh, the boys used to do archery out here. And then she has a nice story. She goes, there's this one time uh, uh, Bran or Rickon left uh, the bow behind, so I got it, and I started practicing. And she's really telling it slow in this, like, uh, like uh, she goes, there's one, one arrow, one target. Uh, I don't know how many times it took me to hit that thing, but I kept one I did walk, uh, I think just like her single-minded determination, this story kind of, if I could get it straight, it would, uh, you know, demonstrate that. But just the idea, shooting this one arrow, going and getting it, coming back, shooting it again, until she hit the bullseye. 20th time, maybe 50th, I don't remember. When I hit the bullseye, I heard a slow clap from Father. And I looked up, he's standing there, smiling. And he knew I was breaking the rules, but he knew the rules were wrong. That's why he was smiling. And she goes, I was doing what I meant to be doing. And uh, so I'm cool with it. But now he's out. Uh, he's a statue. And you were how, you know, you were in with the Lannisters. Uh, so it goes from this contemplative moment to she turns the tables on Sansa. And Sansa's like, what? And she busts out that scroll where she says, hey, come kneel to Joff. Uh, like at first, Sansa's like, great story. Oh, wait, you're like using this as a metaphor about me? And uh, then they have a lot of back and forth. Uh, you know, she, uh, Sansa or Arya's like, you sold out dad. And Arya's like, or Sansa's like, you weren't there, man. Like, uh, you don't know, you can't speak for me. You don't know what I've been through. And I was just doing my best. Uh, it is strange that all, only Sans and uh, Theon really feel like they get taken to full task uh, for their mistakes, uh, except for people that have permanent. Uh, but say, you know, Ari's like, you gave up too, er you know, too easy, and you just had everything so easy. And and Sansa does try to assert herself. Uh, but Arya's not having it. And again, this is a really complex scene when you think about the writing of it and the acting and the directing. Similar to the scene with Sam, Sam and the Grand Maester, because then it takes another turn, like a couple turns. And uh, Arya says, I was there when Father became a statue. And Sansa's like, what? Uh, and then Sansa's like, well, you didn't do anything either. And then Arya's like, well, I wonder what I should do with this scroll. Uh, Maybe I should do, what should I do that's going to bug you the most? Because uh, uh, Sansa's like, you know, I bet you, like, this is like after she asserts herself, uh, Arya reasserts her power, which is now the scroll. 
and they like, oh yeah. Also, they talk about the training and and whatever, uh, what they've been through, and like, I guess this does make sense because this it really is all about family, uh, the soap operatic parts of it, uh, or the real emotional juice. And I mean, the Lannisters have had these kind of moments. This is a little more subtle. Uh, but Arya goes, well, I'll, I'll just have to decide. Uh, uh, what I'm going to do with this scroll. And Sansa says, don't do anything about anger. And, and Ari basically says, well, if it's a choice between anger and fear, I'll go with anger. Uh, I don't know what that says. More high tea. Uh, but Ari storms off. Uh, oh, more hiking. That's what it says. The hounds tying up his boots. Uh, and truth teller, comedic relief, uh, Tormund rolls, and he goes, Are you, you're the one they call the dog. Uh, and the hound goes, F off, man. He goes, you, you're really mean. Were you born mean? Or do you just not like wildlings? And the hound goes, I don't care about wildlings. I hate gingers. And Tormund goes, gingers? He goes, we're the, we're the best, man. Uh, kissed by fire. Uh, beautiful. He goes, look at me. And uh, the, 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 he points at, he goes, oh, what happened with the fire? And uh, the hound goes, don't point at me. And Tormund's just laughing. And he just he keeps asking, like, he really wants to be friends with the hound. Uh, he goes, is that what made you mean? And he goes, you're not really mean because you have sad eyes. And then the hound's like, what's, uh... and then they talk about the semantics of anatomy, which is hilarious. Uh, and, uh, Really good. And then Tormund goes, I'm going to marry this giant woman at Winterfell. She's a beauty. And we're going to have giant babies. He goes, I'd like to make babies. Uh, and uh, he goes, she's almost as tall as you. And the hound's like, Brienne of Tarth? Uh, he goes, you got to be kidding me. He goes, that's your, uh, he goes, not yet. He goes, I'm, he goes, uh, but you should see how she looks at me. And the hound goes, like, she wants to eat your liver? He goes, oh, you do know her. He goes, we're going to have giant kids. It's going to be great. Uh, be the best time ever. Conquer the world. And the hound's like, you got to be kidding me, man. Uh, then we have a big moment with John and Barrick. Uh, they talk about uh, uh, Ned. And this is a little backstory that I, I just love Barrick Dondarrion, so I already knew that they, you know, the. Uh, Ned had sent Barrick out uh, to go get uh, the Hound's brother, the Mountain. Then they talk about Thoros, and they say, "Hey, we're both. We got both got brought back. We serve the same Lord." John goes, "No, I serve the North." Uh, and Barrick's kind of I couldn't tell if he had snow blindness or he's just really amused. But he goes, uh, "They talk about you know this kind of not knowing why you're doing stuff. Uh, spiritual, you know, is this spiritual?" Like John goes, "I don't know." What's the point of calling it spirituality if you don't know what you're serving or why? Barrett goes, they think about that all the time, man. He goes, maybe we're not supposed to understand. He goes, but we're, I know we're, you know, we're, we're here for life. Uh, so John goes, isn't that like evolution then? And Barrett goes, I don't, I don't want to talk about, let the uh, torment and uh, hound have the semantics. Because uh, I'm here for Vita, man. And John goes, YOLO, you mean? And Barrett goes, what's YOLO? Was it, he goes, that was like in 1914. He goes, maybe that's all we need, though. Uh, YOLO, maybe that's it. Uh, 
He goes, and like those less fortunate, YOLO for less fortunate people that can't YOLO themselves. Uh, and John goes, I am the shield that guards the realms of men. And Barry goes, maybe that's all we need to understand. That was a Night's Watch thing, I think. Uh, and John agrees. He goes, aye, that's, maybe that's enough. And there's that was a really nice moment, um, in my opinion. Uh, let's see. Realms of Men. Then we see the uh, the mountain from uh, the Hound's Vision. And he's like, yeah, we're getting close. The mountain like an arrowhead. And we have Tyrion looking at a fire. He's having wine with Danny. They're just talking about, like, bravery. And, uh, like, she's, she's like, who's, you know, I'm glad you're not as brave as these brave people in my life. Uh, maybe Jon Snow's the bravest, maybe not, but he might be the bravest, huh? But she goes, he, he, he like, D D Tyrion's like, okay, he goes, all the people you talk about you were in a romantic relationship with, uh, except for Jon Snow. Is that, like, what were you trying to hint at, uh? And she goes, Jon Snow, he would never like me. And Tyrion goes, come on, Khaleesi, give me a break. Uh, and she goes, well, he's too little for me anyway. And I said, well, oh, no. Uh, but then uh, she goes, oh, sorry, I didn't mean it. Like, uh, uh, she goes, you're brave. I know you're brave. Uh, and then she goes, so I'm going to get to meet your sister anyway, huh? And they kind of have this, like, argument about... Uh, Planning for the long, like, well, this, this one took a weird turn, too. Uh, they go, yeah, we're going to go down there. We're going to have two armies and three dragons. Uh, and should they talk about, which is, what's Cersei going to have up her sleeve, you know? And then Tyrion tries again to be asking her to be the perfect leader or whatever, because he says, fear makes power brittle. Uh, and then they exchange perhaps, they say perhaps three times, perhaps, 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 back and forth, uh, about, you know, who's like, uh, like, well, she should be, she should be, she'd be a dragon or half dragon. Then she, Tyrion brings up success, secession, like who's going to take power after Khaleesi. And both me and the Khaleesi had the same reaction. Like, I was like, WTF, dude. Like, what? Uh, what the heck? What are you guys talking about babies all of a sudden for? Uh, you got you. You got freaking Jorah talking to John about it. And Khaleesi's not happy. She's not. She's tiring of uh, Tyrion's, uh, like, uh, I don't know. She, she, or maybe she's pushing him. And we're back north. We get a nice shot through the rocks of our hikers. Uh, Really a blizzard. There's a dude out on point, uh, and he sees something. For a second, it looks exactly like an ad at walker, and then they're like, no, it's a bear. And then, uh, uh, what's the Gendry's like? A bear with blue eyes, man. And the point guy, he rides the bear far away. Uh, but the bear comes back, and then, uh, they do flame on Thoros and, uh, Beric, uh, Sir Gregor freezes on that. Doro saves Sir Gregor from a kiss from the bear. Uh, then uh, Gregor freezes again. Then Jorah takes care of the bear. He says, I, I knew a bear once. Uh, but hit the road. Uh, and uh, what does that mean? Get him back. I don't know what that means. Uh, uh, then uh, there's a flash. Uh, then there's corkspit number one. 
Uh, that's uh, uh, Thoros Amir. He says, Beric spits out the cork and feeds uh, more booze into Thoros. He goes, you are right. Uh, and uh, Thoros says, I was kissed by a bear, man. And he goes, I, you did. And then the flight, when uh, there's cool sound effects when Thoros Amir, I mean, uh, Beric uh, does a sword on and off. Uh, then there's bear tracks. Uh, then we're with Baelish and Sansa. And Sansa's closing all the doors, uh, which was interesting. I said, what is she up to here? Uh, uh, she doesn't want to uh, think. She's been, you know, I've been doing the best sec ruling I can. And Baelish goes, rule you have. Uh, he goes, you really do rule. And our, uh, she's Arya's up in my business. And uh, Baelish says, she's resourceful, worrying you, eh? And uh, Sansa's like, I need to pace around. Uh, not everybody's going to, like, we got the winter, we got weather. She goes, these dudes are going to be looking for any excuse to bust out of here on me and John. And I don't even know where John's at. Uh, and Baelish goes, yeah, that's why I said you rule. Wisely, ably. He goes, they respect you. Maybe uh, they prefer you to John. Uh, and uh, Sansa goes, no, no, these people are loyal. Uh, remember that? Uh, and Baelish goes, most of all, family. He doesn't say that, but uh, she goes, remember, I've been married twice to, to a Lannister and a, uh, a Bolton and not Michael, you know, neither of the Michael Boltons. Uh, and Baelish is weird. He goes, well, he goes, family doesn't betray family, really. He goes, uh, and, and then he goes, Baelish, but then Baelish goes, well, are you sure? And she goes, I don't know. He goes, what about Brianna Tarth? Uh, maybe she could help. And I don't think it was till the second or the third time I watched this until a couple of things, I had a couple of questions that came up that I'll raise later. Uh, I still thought it was a weird scene. I still don't figure. I still haven't figured out uh, what what's happening with the Baelish, Brienne, Arya, and Sansa. Uh, but Sansa says, you know, geez, Bri or Baelish says, Brienne, I'll protect you no matter what. Uh, uh, then let's see. Uh, then when they're hiking up a hill, our hikers, Joris, totally having a fanboy moment with Thoros. He goes, remember when you ran ran through Pike? Uh, were you drunk? And Thoros goes, I was totaled, man. I don't remember anything. Uh, and I think this is cork pull number two, but I don't think Jorah does it with his mouth. Oh, he puts the cork back on. Uh, so cork pull one with the teeth, where they pull a cork out of a wineskin and spit it out. Uh, uh, Jorah's like, man, I thought you were the best uh, ever. Even the uh, pike people thought you were a god. He goes, nope, I was just too drunk. Uh, and then Tormund hears something. They find a small group of uh, of uh, White Walker assistants, and they're led by old Crystalbeard, who we all know, that I just named uh, when I was doing these notes. Uh, and they have a fire, which I don't know if that's on purpose. I couldn't tell, but Crystalbeard walks up to the fire, and it's a little ambush, uh, snowball fight time. And they say, we're going to, like, uh, we're taking one of your friends with us. Uh, so they try to catch uh, one, of the, one of the White Walker friends, uh, but he yells to his friends. Uh, 
you know, get to go to get the snow, abandon the get the snowballs, leave the snow fort, come down here. They don't have a snow fort down here. And then the thunder starts, the old snow mist comes, uh, uh, there's rumbling. Somebody's like, geez, it's not good. And they say, Gendry, run back and tell Daenerys, uh, you know, send a raven. And Thoros is like, leave your hammer here, man. You can run faster. And then they're about to run out in a lake, and uh, Jorah's like, stop, stop, stop. He's like, the lake is frozen. Uh, but then all of the, uh, the White Walker crew, their entire snowball, they have like a snowball posse. They come chasing out, and so all the guys run out on the ice to this little stone island, uh, which maybe like one or two, maybe it was where Bran saw the White Walkers like two episodes ago when he was on Snow Patrol. That was the last episode, actually. Uh, but then they're surrounded. Uh, like everyone runs and they're surrounded by snowballs uh, and they're on a rock. But luckily, uh, they're too heavy for the lake. So they're like, well, we can't throw the snowballs across the lake. Uh, it's too far. We'll just wait. Uh, so there's this standoff. Then we see Gendry running. Uh, he's in great shape. He's even running uphill to music. It was like Rocky Four. But then he's out of breath. He sees the uh, wall. He's close. Yeah. Then we're back to the standoff. It's getting dark. You know, everybody's, it's dinner time. Everybody's supposed to go home for dinner. Uh, but it's like, okay, well, you guys, like, it's a snowball standoff. We've all been in these before. Uh, then Gendry gets close, but he's so tired, uh, he has to rest. And then the door opens, and Onion Knight and is there to cradle his, uh, his, uh, like, adopted son or whatever, and his crew. And he says, where is everybody? He goes, what, what, where? where? He goes, uh, send a raven, man. And Davos is totally, he goes, get the maester. Uh, then all the guys are sleeping, huddled up on a rock, uh, since they don't have a snow fort. Hound is sleeping on John, and he's awoken by the guy they, uh, they took uh, to take with them. Thoros has uh, permanently deflamed his sword, uh, uh, and this was what I laughed at first. I thought the hound was tr- like it was, uh, but he was being human. He goes, "Geez, that's one of the best ways to go." I heard. He goes, didn't every seventh grader have to read the, uh, to build a fire by Jack London or was that by Jack London? Anybody, no one answers the hound. Uh, then the hound spits out, that's cork spit number two, unless I miss one, which I may have. And John takes a wine. He says, I'm pouring this out for Thoros Amir. And, uh, Torman goes, we'll all be close behind him unless, uh, and then there's a flame on, and uh, Beric says, Lord of Light, come to us. Uh, he goes, the night is dark and full of snoozes when it's on sleep with me. And then Jorah pulls John aside. He says, geez, we're going to freeze out here, man, or the water's going to freeze, and then we're going to get pelted with snowballs. Uh, he goes, what about those white walkers up there? Couldn't you mess with them? And I don't know if this was like exposition or what. John kept saying no. Like, I think because they had to get the capture, captured dude, like the Harry Housen, uh, back uh, with Danny. 
like the Khaleesi. But then, because then Barrett comes up, he goes, yeah, well, he goes, hey, what about those dudes up there? Yeah, and John goes, no, it won't work. Uh, he goes, Daenerys is coming. Uh, no, there is. Oh, the, yeah, Barrett says, no, there is another way. We just turn the Night King. Uh, so I don't know if this was like offering up what's going to happen in the sixth season or uh, also or like a little of a tease. Like, uh, I didn't quite get it. Uh, but it was nice to see all these three, like, right on the screen. They're covered in snow. They're cold. Uh, Barrick even points up at the Night King. He goes, that's the number one bad guy. I could tell, like, because uh, he's got a crown made of icicles. So John says, you don't understand. Barrick goes, he goes, we're not here to freeze our butts off. He goes, why do you think we're here? And uh, Hound says, this is it for you, Barrick. Uh, this is your last roll of the dice. And Barrick goes, this, uh, the, I don't care, man. That's I'm down for that. Uh, and uh, the Hound says, well, I'll, you know, I don't think that would be fair for any Lord of Light or whoever uh, bring us out here and cold us. And then uh, John's just staring at the Night King. Uh, and Sansa gets a note from Maester, which is a note from Cersei to come to King's Landing. And then she sends Brienne in her place. I put question, sends Brienne, double question mark, WTF, no double question mark. Uh, uh, Sansa's like, we're supposed, somebody's supposed to go to King's Landing. I'm not going. I have work to do. And Brienne's like, it's not safe. And she goes, yeah, that's why I'm sending you. And she goes, no, here with Littlefinger. How do you know he's not speaking with everyone behind your back? I'll leave Podrick. Uh, he's become competent. And Sansa pushes back. She goes, I don't need to be watched over. Uh, then Brianna tries to say, and she goes, the trip is long, uh, uh, so you better be on your way, uh, Miss Tarth or whatever. And I guess, and then there's uh, 45 minutes about Sansa has this thoughtful look on her face. And then I said to myself uh, the second time through, I said, is this uh, like Arya? But I, I don't know. Like, uh or is this Arya's influence? Uh, or is uh, there another faceless person around? Uh, it seems like the only person I could set this, if this isn't Arya and Sansa working together, or Arya working independent of Sansa, like, we're going to need Jacken to come in and, like, uh, set Arya straight. Yeah, but yeah, 45 minutes is a good moment with Sansa thinking... Which leaves uh, it shows mean it shows like uh, some meaning that we don't uh, we don't know yet uh, to me. And we see three simple sleeping dragons. Tyrion's like on Danny's case. Don't go. D- doing nothing is the hardest thing to do. Just stay here. And she goes, "You are." She goes, "I'm a dragon, bro. Like I'm not doing nothing again." She goes, "You know what dragons do? Dragons fly, and they fly off." Uh, and there's a last second, sh- I mean, some great dragon shots, really unbelievable effects. I mean, that it's pretty much real. And then we see, like, a ship, like, at the end, like, you see, like, an outline of Tyrion on the cliff, really tiny. And we see a hand on the edge, uh, looking at the crowd. Oh, no, Hound, the Hound is on edge. Uh, he throws a, like, snowball into the crowd. And this is how all snowball fights start. He goes, he calls the person on the other side, S-T-U-P-I-D. And then he throws another one. And then the person on the other side says, who's D-U-M-B now? 
uh, because they see the lake isn't frozen. And then this, they, they say that the, the dude says, these snow boots are made for walking and sword dragging. And that's just what I'm going to do. And so then Barrick flames on. Uh, also notice that probably a scene was cut from this because Jorah and Tormund uh, have dragon glass, which wasn't explained. But it, so I assume it was either just left that we'd figure it out. Uh, or that is, there was a scene cut that, like, said, well, those figure it out. Uh, or, you know, the hound uses a hammer for a while, then switches to dragon glass uh, for snowball preparation, of course. Uh, at some point, jo- Jorah saves John from getting hit, hit with a snowball. And, you know, these, like, White Walkers, they have real, they're ice balls. So, so that's the thing. And they even try to get their friend back because it's kind of like capture the flag. Uh, like, uh, like, like, cause they have like one person dressed in the Halloween outfit, uh, like a costume. Uh, so it's like kind of like a unfreeze tag, like they're kind of, instead of capture the flag, it's unfreeze tag. And then John says, fall back. And I was like, dude, fall back where? And he goes to this dramatic cliff like thing here where I can look even cooler. Uh, Tormund gets himself into real trouble because he gets his pants wet, and uh, that's the worst idea. And Hound, but the Hound saves him. He says, "Dude, I got." He goes, "Hey, believe it or not, I have an extra pair of wool pants." Uh, so here you go. And then uh, the time kind of slows down. John's frozen for a moment, like looking out, uh, like at all the like their snow, 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 non friends. There's some slow motion, snow falling. And then Drogon's in the house and the other two dragons. Uh, and like, we can melt your snowballs uh, with, uh, and they also melt the ice on the lake. Uh, and then Khaleesi and Drogon land. They load everybody up on the dragon. But then another Frostbeard, Crystalbeard, I think, uh, or Snowbeard. I don't know which one. Those are the cousins that work with for the Night King. He javelin, you know, he has this jav- ice javelin, and uh, like it, it has like uh, some melatonin on it. So one of the dragons falls asleep, uh, uh, which everyone kind of le- they say this is the worst time to fall asleep because uh, you're going to hit with snowballs. Uh, and even the Khaleesi's in shock. Jorah's watching the Khaleesi. And John, like, gives him some time to take off and show off. He, like, he kind of shows off just by being himself. He grimaces. Uh, we get to see that dragon, like, the dragon can even create wind with its wings. Uh, and Khaleesi looks back at John, uh, who uh, also gets his pants wet, but he doesn't have, like, he, well, he does get a spare, spare set of pants eventually. And then the Night King's like, we're all done here. Uh, let's get ready to go. And that's when he sees John uh, looking for a pair of pants. Uh, obviously cold, obviously tired. Everyone turns and they say, uh, ah, the kid's got wet pants. Uh, he's going to be iced and stiff. Uh, and they say it's perfect to hit him with more snowballs. And then uh, uh, Cousin Benjamin or Uncle Benjamin shows up. He's got, he doesn't have spare pants. He's got spare horse. He says, take my horse and go get some dry pants on, dude. And John goes, no, 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 I don't want you to get hit. And he goes, oh, no time. And he sends him off. Uh, And we see the port side of the East Watch. We see the East Watch by the sea part. 
and the hound's carrying a bag of stuff. Uh, he nods at Tormund, and Barry goes, we'll meet again, Clegane. And uh, that guy's got a great voice, and uh, the hound says, I hope not. And we see Drogon, I believe it's Drogon, circling above the wall, uh, yelling. Uh, Khaleesi's out on a lookout. She's, you know, not happy, waiting for John. And Jorah says, it's time to go, my queen. Uh, and she goes, just a bit longer. Uh, then I do another, dro- like, Drogon shot, I think, or something. I think I put dragon. Then there's horn. Like, she goes, okay. And then the horns come. And we see uh, John on the horseback. Khaleesi turns back. Oh, no. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and Jorah can't believe it. But I don't think he's jealous anymore. Lone figure on a horse. Uh, Khaleesi breathes. Uh, then we see their ship. The sails go down on the ship. Uh, John gets his freezing clothes taken off of him by Onion Knight and somebody else. And we see that uh, like a shirtless snow. I don't know when the last time we saw a shirtless snow was, but he's got some smooth skin, some scars. And, uh, I mean, he's got abs. I mean, what else could you say? Uh, and then we see Arya. She sneaks into Sansa's room. And the whole dagger mystery, that's another part of this. Hopefully it'll be resolved at the next episode, but I don't know if it will. It's out and laying there and waiting. And she finds Arya's faceless satchel with the faces in there. And then Arya creeps up and uh, starts acting super weird. And, uh, like, uh, really confused. She goes, what are you going through my stuff? And uh, Sansa goes, yeah, exactly what I'm doing. Uh, what the heck are these uh, masks? It's not a holiday. Uh, but Arya's like kind of standing with her hands behind the back, like uh, ice cold, like uh, kind of like almost like Baelish. She goes, yeah, there's, we're, we're just the two of us now, Sansa. And Sansa goes, uh, well, I don't understand what's up. Uh, if it's not Halloween, are you trick-or-treating? And she goes, uh, I'm a faceless person, Sansa. And Sansa goes, I don't know what that means. And Ari says, Larry changes the subject. She says, like, uh, she says, let's play a game. I want to see if I can tell if you're lying. I don't know. It's kind of obtuse. I didn't understand uh, what she was trying to do here. She goes, you say, I'm going to ask you a question. You try to lie to me or fool me. Uh, which one? You know, if, like, uh, let's play a game. And Sansa says, I don't want to play a game. Like, is Baelish a faceless person? I, like, I don't get it. Uh, Sansa goes, whose faces are they? Or he says, oh, you're going to ask? Uh, she goes, well, uh, okay, uh, whose faces are they? So I guess she's lying here? I don't know. Uh, because she goes, oh, we always wanted to be different people. She goes, you wanted to be a queen. I wanted to be a knight. Uh uh, that sounds like the truth. Uh, she goes, I just want to be just like father. And she goes, neither of us got to be that person, huh? The world doesn't let girls decide what they're going to be. She goes, but I can choose now. With the faces I can choose, I can become someone else. Uh, so is that a hint that she will you know, speak in their voice? You know, live in, you know, put on their dresses, the whole thing. And then she passes this whole mystery thing to, she hands it, uh, handle first to Sansa. Uh, and they said, what in the heck? Like, uh, 
Is it, did Ari and Nat just get, like, she liked the Karate Kid, like, or, you know, when they leave before they have enough training? Like, uh, Luke Skywalker, not a full, you know, like, you can't get that Jedi training unless you finish it. And there's even the Bravosi music, which was cool, you know, really made it, uh, from the House of the Black and White. Uh, then John wakes at sea to see the Khaleesi. Uh, that was a rhyme that wrote itself. Uh, he goes, she's, I'm sorry about the dra- dragon. She shakes her head. He goes, uh, I wish we never went. And he takes her hand. And she goes, I, I, I w-, like, she goes, no, I had to see, I had to see that. Uh, but she says, the dragons are my children. The only children I'll ever have. Uh, do you understand? And I said, no, I don't understand what all this children talk is about. And I still don't quite understand. Like, I need this. I need to be spoon-fed here. Uh, but I have a podcast, so I can't look look, look, look this stuff up because it'll ruin the podcast. Uh, uh, but I remember whatever Aegon or whatever Rygar that uh, Sam's Bay Gilly was reading about, but I still don't I don't get it. Uh, but wait, in the high tower or whatever, I don't know. Uh the Khaleesi says, we will destroy the Night King together. And John says, if I could get out of this bed, I'd bend my knee, man. He goes, you bet your sweet bottom dollar I would. And Khaleesi goes, great, this is getting, she actually says, this is a little bit too emotionally intense. Go to sleep, this is awkward. And she bails, like, uh, she goes, this is an emotional peak. We can't, uh, gotta get out of here. So very professional, actually, for you as a, like, uh, as a, she, she was, I liked that. And then, uh, we see that, uh, old Frostbeard, the, the dragon that was asleep, they talked that dragon into saying, hey, wh- what do you want those two, uh, like, kind of like, uh, Aryan Sansa, they say Drogon thinks it, Drogon's hot stuff. Uh, you could be a frost dragon. Uh, with us, and then the dragon says, well, and they say, you can have blue eyes instead of red eyes, and the dragon says, well, I guess so. And we all know that's the the Night King likes that, so we know not to like it, and that's how the episode ends. All right, here we are, everybody, talking about the season uh, finale, season seven finale, already here, uh, episode seven of Game of Thrones. Uh, The lion, the dragon, the... uh, a lion. I don't think there's a lion or a wardrobe in this. A wolf and the dragon, or the dragon and the wolf, I think it's called. Yeah, the dragon and the wolf. Uh, I don't know if they decided against wolf pack. Uh, yeah, because uh, there was only one part of the episode. But uh, so uh, we're going to have one more episode this season, which uh like a season recap. Also, make sure to check out that pod pack, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash pod pack. Uh, yeah, this one opens with Grey Worm's helm. I knew it was his helm. I mean, I was hoping it was his helm. Uh, and a bunch of the unsullied. We see Grey Worm staring. I did put, how did they get the camera to move like that? Is that a, were they on a boom pole? Or not a boom pole. I guess it would have been like a rig, like a camera. What are those things called? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'm watching it now. It goes up and, and out a little bit. Uh what do they call those? Like a crane, I guess. Uh, crane shots. We see legions and legions of unsullied uh, standing at attention, lined up, disciplined, quiet, and they're all outside the Red Keep. Uh, 
uh, standing. Then we go to the Red Keep. We got some Lannister flags flying. And Lannister soldiers and the bronze like checking in on the ramparts. So we watch Bron gallantly walking. And they're getting some pitch ready. First, they said, What is that? Water? I said, Dragon fire or wildfire? No, it's pitch. Uh, Bond says, How many barrels? They say 500. She says, Give 500 more. No problem, my lord. And uh, let's see, Brian and Jamie then stand on the ramparts. Brian says, I'll, I'll, I'll never, I'll always enjoy them calling me Lord. And Jamie says, yeah, that's going to fade. And then they talk about why uh, people choose to like get involved in these things. Uh, these battles, is it gold? Is it a uh, sweet, sweet love? Or is it family? Or is it uh, like, I guess they do kind of touch on male parts, uh, like, I don't know. And it's a little bit of a comedic uh, thing because he does say, well, maybe it's family. And uh, Brian says, well, no, the Unsullied don't have, they can't make a family. And he says, well, Jamie says, well, then he says, well, your brother's on that side. And Jamie says, yeah, he loves the downtrodden. And then the trumpet comes in, and all the Dothraki come in, and then Bronn's like, well, it looks like we might be the downtrodden now. And there was a horn heralding their ride in. I think we're about to be downtrodden, that's what he says. And we get a nice shot, shot of the Red Keep and the fleet, and then Khaleesi's ships. Uh, uh, Tyrion, uh, John, and Davos are on the ship, uh... And John's like, well, how many people live here? Like a million. He's like, why would anybody live here? Tyrion's like, well, jobs and brothels are both uh, a lot of jobs and uh, brothels. Uh, Brothels are much better. Then the hound goes below deck and checks the package they're delivering. Then we have Circe and Clyburn, uh, and Circe's like, where is she? And she's asking this to Jamie. Who's watching? Um, yeah, Sir Gregor's there. They're getting ready to go wait for the Khaleesi because uh, Khaleesi's not with uh, on the boat. And then uh, this is at nine twenty, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, Cersei, Cersei says, uh, "Come, Sir Gregor." And Sir Gregor kind of does a fancy move to hold the uh, hilt of his sword. He does a uh, he moves his arm from his chest to to the hilt of his sword. And then we're in King's Landing. We hear it not, oh, this is like, I could have sworn I heard a donkey calling. And then we see Khaleesi's crew walking over to the dragon pits. And, uh, what's a dragon pit for? And, uh, uh who is it? Jorah says, well, dragons don't know the difference between what's theirs and what's everybody else's. So, uh, being in a city, they just think everything's theirs. And it seems like it was a huge, old, huge domed uh, thing to keep the dragons inside, but now it's kind of like a big amphitheater. And then they encounter Bronn and the Lannister soldiers, uh, like as they're talking about, uh, let's see, where are we? A donkey call, yeah, Bronn and Lannisters, and then pa- Podrick and Brienne are with me. He's like, hey, your friends are here. And the Hound and Brienne share, exchange a look. And the Lannister soldiers step out of the way. Tyrion tells the Dothraki, keep it cool, bro. You know, no trouble. I know you're glaring at these Lannisters. Uh, Davos is looking pensive. Uh, Hound is looking cold. Podrick says, hey, what's up, Tyrion? 
Good to see you. He says, yeah, worst case scenario, best case to see you. And they say, yeah, we're on different sides. How about that? Uh, and they say, no, well, no, we're on the same side. Remember, Scoots? And I say, oh, yeah, you're right. And then Brian says, I'm on the other side. Let's move it. Uh, then we see the package getting delivered. The hound says, stay away from the box, man. It's just some Green Lannister soldier. And he looks at Brian. They fall into step together. Brian says, uh, what's up? Thought you were gone. He goes, yeah, not yet, but you got pretty close to it. Uh, closer than anybody. She goes, yeah, I was just trying to protect the, the uh, Arya. And Hound goes, yeah, me too. And she goes, by the way, Arya's doing good. And Hound's like, oh, boy, really great. Uh, where is she at? They say Winterfell. And Hound says, well, who's keeping her safe if you're here? And she says, uh, Ari's now a total badass. Uh, you didn't get the memo. You didn't get a raven call. Nobody gets in her way. And they both kind of share a grin. Because the hound says, yeah, I don't want to be in her way. Uh, then Bron, Fod, and uh, Tyrion catch up. A lot, of, a lot of discussions in this one. They say, hey, heroes of the Blackwater Bay. Varys is just listening in, laughing. Because uh, uh, Tyrion says, what are the odds of getting you on our side, Bron? And Bron says, well, just stick around for this episode, man. But no, I'm on Cersei. He doesn't know Cersei doesn't like him, but... Uh, he says, uh, oh, they don't know he wants a castle. I thought they were going to finish up the castle joke. Uh, so this dialogue was a little strange because Bronn's bragging that he set all this up uh, when really he just made Cersei dislike him. And he goes, yeah, it delivered you right where you're supposed to, all of you. And they go, well, oh, boy, is this foreshadowing? And this is what a lot of people thought going into the episode. Uh but, yeah, it turns out it was not. Varys doesn't have a lot of lines, uh, but he has a lot of good looks. Uh, you could watch this uh, Dragon Pit scene and, you know, a thousand times and uh, to see different acting nuances. Uh, but the Hound has the donkey. So I guess they did hear donkey, uh, like, because uh, that's what he has the package on. And the Hound says, nobody go near this package. And then everybody walks in the dragon. So Tyrion's at the lead, looking pensive, definitely. Uh, and we see this Coliseum-like uh, room uh, where the dragons uh, like uh, became small again. And there seems to be like an underground thing, which kind of plays out weird with the Hound. But we won't, we're not here to um, worry about whatever they call that uh, continuity. And Brown, show, Brown shows him the way. He says, hey, Patrick, let's hit the road, you and I, while the fancy people talk. Uh, but, yeah, everybody spreads out. They're on this, like, uh, platform in the middle with, like, uh, three meeting tents, kind of. And everybody's looking around, like, well, is this, like, is, is there some sort of trickery? Uh, wh what's going on? You know, what should we do? Uh, Patrick and Brown head out. Uh, uh, John Snow looks around, a lot of looking, a lot of thinking, not a lot of dialogue here. Sir Jorah now, he looks over, really build, uh, building attention. Jorah's got on some new duds, too. He looks sharp. Uh, a lot of scanning, a lot of painting. I guess this was really difficult to shoot. Some birds. Uh, Hound says, I don't like the city, Tyrion. Am I going to be stuck here? And Tyrion says, maybe, I hope not. Uh, and uh, he says, how come I always get stuck with these bad Lannister ideas? 
The interior says, yeah, there's always a Clegane next to a Lannister. Then we see uh, another Clegane and a Lannister and Euron and Jamie and another Lannister and then uh, Clyburn and Cersei and her crew walk in with like, uh, like I put something about Sith, like, uh, like, uh, like they're not uh, gold cloaks anymore, they're black cloaks. Though we did see gold cloaks, so there's still gold cloaks, but these are new uh, soldiers, uh, and you know, dictatorial, dictatorial ones. Uh, Euron and uh, Theon share looks, so Euron just laughs, and everyone sits down, all the fancy people. Then the hound sees uh, the mountain and he rolls up on him, and they kind of just have a strange, quiet exchange. You know, mountain doesn't talk, the hound says, You dude, are you my brother? You know who I am. Hound doesn't talk. He goes, yeah, you do. He goes, you're not looking great, man. You look worse than me. He goes, what happened? And he goes, never mind. And then he codes it. He says, uh, you and I uh, know the, what's gonna, what's coming. And I don't know if he means Arya or something else. Because uh, he says, you've always known, uh, which was interesting. And then the hound walks away. I'm surprised they let them do that. But then the hound goes down the stairs. And Cersei starts getting past her so She's like, where is she? And she goes, uh, well, she's here. says, she's coming. She goes, oh, she doesn't travel with you. She kind of rolls her eyes. It looks over, side-eyes Brienne, who side-eyes Jamie, who side-eyes her, who side-eyes Cersei. Uh, and Cersei looks at Jamie. Then Drogon and the Khaleesi roll in, and everybody's impressed, uh, Cersei actually looks worried, uh, though, as we see this play out, uh, she's not concerned. But Drogon does some, you know, like a lot of yelling and a lot of flying. And it was like very cool that the Khaleesi steps off as, uh, I don't know, I thought uh, Cersei looked like, uh, oh boy. But uh, in the end, she's uh, she's just like processing. Euron looks like uh, impressed. And, I mean, Khaleesi makes sure it's a dramatic entrance. Uh, and then after she gets off, Drogon goes back to the sky and flies around. And Khaleesi walks up and uh, Cersei kind of glares. Uh, and it, it, let's see what her line is. Very upper class. Great line. Really, really good line. Uh, and she's like, yeah, we've been sitting here all day waiting for you. We've been here for some time, she says, and Khaleesi's totally cool. She says, oh, my apologies, uh, our dynamics. And then she says, Tyrion, hit it. Uh, and Tyrion gets up, and then uh, Euron starts to make fun of really bad timing, makes fun of Theon, talks to Theon, talks, uh, makes fun of, uh, uh, why is my mind going blank, uh, Tyrion, and runs his mouth. Uh, and Tyrion stands up to him. Uh, he's not real flinching at all. He kind of uses uh, Theon and, you know, says, oh, Jesus, you know, you're just a bully. And uh, then Jamie says, that's enough. And then uh, Cersei says, that's enough. Uh, sit down. And even Sir Gregor steps forward and says, yeah, sit down. Yeah, now we don't know if that was like a coded symbol, but I liked how Tyrion did not flinch and uh, was proud of him. Uh, then Tyrion goes out. He goes, yeah, we got this northern problem, uh, sis. Uh, and no, none of us like each other. 
and then you know we can't change the course of human history or whatever history the Westerosi history. Yeah, but you know they uh, we we got a uh, you know st- st- we got trouble up to so capital P rhymes with ice and it stands for ice people. I guess it rhymes with rice. Uh, and Circe's like, oh, what do you want us to live in harmony? He goes, no, uh, I just want us to have a truce. And she goes, yeah, truce, a trick truce. And John goes, this is a serious business. Uh, he goes. Uh, you can't negotiate or talk your way out of this. Uh, it's up north uh, because there's a million people in the city. There'll be a million bad people. And uh, seriously, goes, well, that'd be a, a vast improvement for the plebs. And John goes, this is not a joking matter. And seriously, goes, uh, it is a big joke to me. I don't, I don't believe you're serious. And she goes, I can't believe you're asking for a truce. You're you're trying to trick me. She goes, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to stand down. I'm not going to, while well, you go on your little hunt uh, for things that go bumpity bump in the night. Uh, she goes, I don't trust anybody. This is my capital. And Khaleesi says, you'll be safe till we deal with the northern threat. You got my word. And she goes, your word's no good. Uh, and Tyrion goes, listen, there's no conversation that's going to fix this uh, hound. And the hound rolls up with a uh, crate backpack. Uh, we saw a barrel backpack last two episodes ago. And the hound's really struggling. He has to walk up the stairs. He's got a crate backpack. Uh, puts it down almost the proper way. He goes all the way to his knees, I guess. Uh, he's pretty tall. And then he does like a really, uh, like a slow reveal. He, he has to open the both sides of the crate and the top of the crates and really dramatic. Uh, everybody's on edge and also on edge to see how people are going to react. Uh, and he pulls off the top and he's a little clumsy and he backs up and that really gets uh, Jamie's attention because the hound is like, uh, he could sense the hound's nerves. And then the package doesn't come out, so the hound tips over the box, and then the package comes out, but it's chained up like a, it's like a puppy with bad breath that wants to lick everybody. And they're like, "Well, this puppy's cute, but it has awful breath." Uh, and even Cersei seems a little bit uh, like like uh, like uh, I'm surprised Gregor didn't. Uh, move faster with the puppy and say, no kissing with your bad breath. Uh, then the hound deals with it. And then, uh, um, what's it? Clyburn's interested in that one of the, um, he says, let me look at this thing. And he picks it up. John, at least is smart enough not to let him keep it. Yeah. So John takes it from him. And that's a little bit like an infomercial. John and Davos do an infomercial where John says, now look here, you got an arm of, uh, of uh, of uh, jerky, and you got a puppy with bad breath. So Davos and Davos shows. He said, "All you got to do is heat up this jerky and give it to the dog, and its breath is fresh." And then he says, "Or you could use dragon glass to brush your dog's teeth, like char, you know, like that charcoal thing people are doing now, and that'll help the dog's breath." Uh, for nineteen ninety five, uh, that's all you need to do. Uh, believe it or not, today only. Uh, um, it's really like an infomercial. Uh, one thing I forgot, I liked how John said there was a million people here. It's a factoid. I just saw that in my notes. Uh, yeah, but Clyburn seemed really interested in the arm. 
It then Circe's kind of shocked. Her shoulders are even hunched up by her neck. Uh, and she says, how many people do you think? Khaleesi's like, I saw it, 100,000 at least. And Jamie's clearly worried. Uh, Jamie's the one that asks how many. He's like, you got to be kidding me, 100,000? And then I really like this play payoff because Euron goes, I'm out. And it was really bad acting. And I thought, uh, that's really bad acting. That's weird. Uh, but, you know, makes sense in the end. Because uh, he says, I'm going to go back to the Iron Islands and hide out. Uh, and then Cersei makes her first move. Euron leaves. So then Cersei says, okay, I'm going to call on every Lannister soldier uh, to help. Uh, so she makes move one. Yeah, but she says only if uh, Jon Snow uh, never agrees never to come down here again. Like, I'll make a truce uh, while we go north if uh, Jon Snow permanently has a truce with me. And Jon Snow pulls a Ned Stark. He says, well, I'm pulling a Ned Stark. I already committed to the Khaleesi, so no. Can't do that. It'd be bad for, for my honor. Uh, so she tried to Ned Stark him by getting him to, like, agree. And then he Ned Starks her back because uh, she says, I know Ned Stark's his son's good to his word. Uh, and he says, yeah, this is how good I am. I'm Ned Stark good. And I, bended the, bend, I bent the knee. When I was in bed, I bent my knee in bed, but I did bend it uh, to the Khaleesi. And so Cersei makes move two. She, or maybe that is move three. She says, you know what? I'm out then. Forget it. Forget the whole thing. Uh, forget the whole idea. I'm not helping and uh, I'm not trucing. And everybody's a little shocked here. They shouldn't be surprised. Like uh, Davos, uh, Khaleesi, Tyrion, Varys. Uh, and so Cersei leaves. Brienne says, Jamie, what the heck? Uh, like, uh, And Jamie says, what do you want me to do? It's my wife's sister. And she says, talk to her. This isn't about loyalty. This is about... Uh, and Jamie says, oh, Brianne, you're made. And Cersei's looking back at us. And so then we get a few minutes and nobody being happy with John and trying to be like, okay, you, well, how are we going to fix this? Uh, and John goes, I'll fix it. And Tyrion goes, no, I'll have to go talk to Cersei. You know, everybody kind of guilt trips John. You know, again, John, you're just too darn heroic and handsome, man. Even down here with the big Ikea, belt, Ikea pelts. And Tyrion goes, okay, let me go by solo and check in with Cersei. Cersei. So then we see Tyrion walking with Sir Gregor behind him. And he runs into Jamie out front. He goes, uh, bro, what's up? Uh, and he goes, hey, good luck with that, man. Uh, he goes, I love you. I don't think they actually said that. I don't know. Let me see what they say because I don't quite remember. He says, what's the temperature there? And James says, I got kicked out. And he goes, uh, she thinks I was an idiot for trusting you. A lot of people think that. And Tyrion goes, I'm about to go in with my sister who's dangerous and doesn't like me. Who's the fool? And Jamie goes, huh? I don't know. I guess this is goodbye then probably. One idiot to another. And Jamie goes, have you seen these shoulder pads? Just in case. Look at how sharp they are with the lions. Uh, and he goes, go ahead, good luck. Uh, he goes, this is just foreshadowing for me, this episode. And then Tyrion does a slow walk in, real slow. Jamie looks behind him, still thinking. And Tyrion even pauses at the threshold. 
And he goes in, Sir Gregor closes the doors behind him. Uh, light streaming in. This was a bit like the end of the original Willy Wonka. Seriously sitting at a table, like a desk, I mean. And it really reminded me of a Gene Wilder moment. Uh, she says, yeah, I shouldn't be surprised, I guess, that you're within, uh, uh, like, uh, like in a foreign usurper. Super, and Jane, or Tyrion goes, yeah, someone you can't pick on, and so it must be tough for you. And your pet northerner you got. Uh, everybody trying to met, you're just trying to help them make my life difficult and ruin our family. And uh, Tyrion goes, you know what, I've been trying to bring peace here. Uh, just, uh, Khaleesi wasn't about that. Uh, he goes, don't project on me. And Cersei says, what about Dad? Uh, he goes, what was I supposed to do about Dad? Uh, and Cersei blames uh, Tyrion for everything. So poor little man, your papa was mean to you. Uh, she goes, you, you, she goes, you really blew it. Cause if Papa was here, he would have, uh, totally kept me and my family safe. Uh, and you know, see now I'm in charge and uh, maybe she's being honest. She's like, if, if, uh, uh Tyrion, uh, Tywin never left, uh, she would have never been in charge. Uh, so maybe that's what she's most mad about. I'm not sure. She doesn't say that, but I mean, it's clear by the end of this episode, she can't help herself, uh. And Tyrion says, uh, listen, if you don't want to work with me, tell Sir Gregor to kick me out. Let's do it. Uh, let's end this right now. Uh, if you want to blame me for everything, uh, make me pay for it. Uh, so they have a showdown because he says, she says, like, uh, fine, blame me. And then, like, uh, they then he pounds a glass of wine because he's like, uh, oh, boy, that was so awkward. Uh, almost getting taken out. Uh, so then he, and he pours a glass line for Circe and for himself. But it's also interesting. They both had the same, uh, like kind of outfits on very similarly dressed. Uh, and he says, listen, let me apologize. Let me try again. Uh, and he goes, do you have a heart? Uh, cause, uh, uh, and Circe goes, she's like, it's just interesting after watching it a few times, but, uh, Seriously, so I don't care about your feelings or your love or why you do things. Uh, I only care at the cost to my family and my future. And Tyrion goes, if you don't care, then why am I here? Uh, and Cersei goes, I don't know, because uh, I'm up to crafty stuff. Seriously, uh, goes, well, what do you want? Uh, to make Jon Snow your queen? Uh, to submit to your queen? Is that what you want for everybody? He goes, yeah, because uh, she's a good queen. To make the world a better place, uh, and I'm gonna try to help her uh, check her impulses. Uh, he goes, and she knows that. Uh, and unlike you, seriously, goes, I don't care about checking my worst impulses. But then we do a little uh, reveal that she's pregnant, uh, uh, which I think she did uh, to trick Tyrion, maybe. And seriously, goes, I saw that dragon. Uh, yeah, she goes, yeah, I don't want dra dragons near anybody. Uh, she goes, maybe I'll hit the road with Euron. Uh, get on a boat out of here. And uh, Tyrion goes, where are you leading me? He goes, oh, wait, you're pregnant? Uh, you just want to protect your baby, eh? Well, I think we can help with that and negotiate it, huh? Uh, then we have John uh, playing with bones in the boneyard. As they say, 107.7, the bone here, boning in the boneyard. 
And Khaleesi comes up on him. And he says, uh, man, we look good out here, don't we? And she goes, this dragon pits the pits. Uh, he goes, yeah, I'm sorry. He goes, I'm not very good with uh, doing it. He goes, I'm not very graceful with lying uh, to police people. He goes, check out this bone, by the way. And she goes, jeez, I can't believe this. Uh, the dragons were great, and then they were stuck here, and they were little. And now they're feeling, she goes, they filled people with wonder and awe. And then people forgot about them. Maybe this is important parts of uh, humanity or dragons. Uh, she says, we weren't extraordinary without them. We we're just like everybody else. Uh, and John goes, you're not like everybody else. Uh, you're pretty darn great. Uh, and he goes, by the way, have you thought about those babies? We've been talking about the babies. Uh, he goes, are you sure you can't have babies? And she goes, yeah. He goes, who told you that? And she goes, well, W-O-T-I-T-C-H. Uh, and John goes, what if she was wrong? Uh, reliable source of information, <laughs> which, you know, just has a lot of uh, meaning later. She goes, I don't know. She goes, I should have trusted you from the beginning. And he goes, maybe we could trust each other now. Uh, but I don't know what that means. Uh, she goes, we can't kiss here. Uh, she goes, we we, we got to figure out something. She goes, I don't know what to do. We got the North. We got Circe. And John goes, just like Tyrion says, we're aft. Uh, we're really aft. Uh, and then Circe comes back. Uh, our first Tyrion comes back alone. And he walks in. And he looks a little stressed, you know. And they're all like, well, what happened? And then uh, Cersei comes uh, right behind him with uh, Sir Gregor and Jamie and Clyburn. And she says, listen, we're going to help uh, all the Lannisters. Totally, 100%, we're committed uh, to your cause. 100% uh, pregnant, uh, 100%. Really beautiful dress I'm noticing as she's coming up now. And uh, she goes, yeah, my armies aren't going to stand down. They're going to stand up uh, for against the northern invasion. And she goes, the north, the great war, we're in it. Uh, count us in. Uh, she goes, rah, 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 sis, boom, bah. Let's get this together, yada, yada, yada. And then she goes, hopefully when we're done, you'll remember I helped, uh, despite you not promising me 70% of uh, Westeros. Uh, or you have not just confirmed that. Thank you. And she says, let's rock this thing. What do you say? Yeah, then we see a bird, uh, what do you call that, a raven or something, bringing in a, no a note uh, into Winterfell. And Sansa's tapping it, and Baelish is, she said, hey, what's up? Uh, uh, and she says, uh, well, John, like, uh, surrendered to the Northern Crown? Uh, it was a uh, lost my place. So Sansa's tapping and Bailey. She's like, "Hey, what's up, your brother?" Yeah, bent the knee for Khaleesi. Uh, here she's gorgeous. Uh, Sansa goes, "Who cares?" Uh, and Bailey she goes, "Well, they were probably making out and stuff. Uh, isn't that like uh, they're gonna get married and then forget about you?" And Sansa says, "Huh." And Bailey she goes, "You wouldn't be able to stop it then. Uh, you'd be king and." Uh, I guess you'd just be like whatever the sister of the king is or the king, you know, the king uh, regent. Uh, 
be sister regent. Uh, you got to stop that. And she goes, uh, Ari wouldn't go for that, dude. Ari's all about John, all about family. And Bailey, she goes, you're a family, though. Uh, and Sansa goes, do you know who, like, what Bravos and the House of Black and White are and all that? Uh, you know, the, the, she, Sansa goes, that's, they're tough stuff and Arya's part of them. And then Baelish does his, like, uh, he does some serious Baelish. She goes, she goes, what is he up to? He goes, well, she's your sister. He goes, you know her pretty good. I, I play this game. He, he likes to play a lot of games, but, uh. He says, sometimes when I try to understand a person's motives, uh, he goes, uh, I assume, like, with the worst-case scenario, uh, what do they want? He really draws this out of her in some subject- subjective way, sub- suggestive way. He goes, if you assume they have the worst motives, then you follow them. And you say, okay, how does this explain uh, what they say, like, what they're saying and what they're doing? And when you watch this again, when you watch Sansa's acting, it's really powerful. Uh, but at first, it just seems like he's leading her blindly along, uh, like suggesting stuff, but having Sansa answer instead of him. Like, was she here? Why is she at Winterfell? It caused me trouble. Uh, tell on me. And Baelish even sits up. He's like, I think uh, uh, you, you, like, I got her. And he goes, why'd she steal those letters? And Sansa goes, sit telling me for proof. Uh, uh, totally bust me with John and everybody. And she goes, well, what happens if she, she, he goes, do you think she would take your job as Queen of the North or whatever, uh, Queen Regent of the North, uh, whatever it might be, Lady of Winterfell, Sansa says. And she says, hmm, interesting look. Uh, he doesn't have to say that. He just does it. And Sansa goes, huh, it's an awful look. Uh, then we're at Dragonstone. It's misty there. And they're going over the plan uh, to, to get to Winterfell. Jorah gets his lines there. So he says, hey, Khaleesi, I don't want you, uh, because you should take the dragon because uh, people are going to be like, uh, and John goes, no, you got to ride with me. Uh, you sail with me. Earn the respect of the Northerners. Sion's watching everything in a thoughtful way. I think they just had to get Jorah some lines. Uh, but there's a lot of more thoughtful looks uh, about the Khaleesi's uh, riding with John, including like Tyrion's got a lot of looks that I can't figure out anymore. Is he falling in love with the Khaleesi, or is he just really taking his job seriously? Uh, but so they decide to go north. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know if that's Ryder, uh, Ryder the big farm or whatever, but. Uh, Khaleesi's like, all right, I'm going to go with you, and uh, we'll do good. She she kind of looks uh, like a little excited or something. And then they're in the throne room, and Deanna has to speak to John alone. And it's kind of reminded me, like, of his 70s. This is, like, a little bit Star Trek, Star Wars-like, and uh, uh, a little bit of a 70s feel Theon's character always has to me. Theon says, hey, uh, this, is this season my shot of redemption or next season? John says, next season, but I'm going to give you a taste of re- redemption. We got a complicated uh, thing. I really feel for Theon's character. I really can relate to somebody that makes a lot of uh, bad choices, you know, and that wants to get it right but never can seem to do so. I really, really, I really, really almost over-relate to it. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, at the end, says, she said, like, I, I want to be get it right, and I just never been able to, and then it's gotten tougher and tougher and tougher. And John goes, listen, I can only forgive you for what I can forgive you for, which is, you know, you've, been, you've, done, you've done a lot of people wrong. Uh, but I can forgive you for, and he goes, I can forgive and almost forget uh, my parts. Uh, if that'll help, I'll even pat your back, maybe. But I know it's not an easy load to bear, man. Uh, so I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, and, you know, it's a tough spot to be in. And you see, I goes, well, my sister's still in a bit of a pickle. Uh, she, you know, she's the one that always seemed to, you know, she always, no matter what, stuck up for me. And I mean, I should go, go, go help her. Uh, and John goes, well, yeah, if you do it, then what are you waiting around here for? What are you asking me about it? Uh, uh, you get to it. Uh, let's see what his exact line is here. I think it's just like, what are you waiting around here for? Uh, he says, she needs me now. And then, John, yeah, John says, why are you talking to me? And John walks off. Uh, and at the end, stares after him for a moment, saying, okay, I guess this is my shot at redemption, maybe. Uh, John has a quiet, awful moment thinking on that. Then he goes down to the um, beach, uh, sees the rest of the Ironborn, says, what's up, dudes? Uh, and the guy says, uh, like the head guy says, you got to be able to do a Hulk Hogan imitation. Like, there's all the rocks behind him that look like dragon spines, which is cool. And the end says, I can do a Hulk Hogan imitation, actually. And then the end says, hey, let's go get my sister Yara, everybody. Uh, it ends up, it's like kind of also a throwback to the discussion with Bron and Jamie at the beginning, which was a little bit funny. And the end splashes some water in his face, uh, get, you know, get it together. Then we see Sansa on the ramparts looking good in a hood, but she's looking concerned in a hood now. And she's looking out, the snow's falling, she closes her eyes, makes a choice, or centers herself. Um, and she tells some dude, bring my sister to the Great Hall. And then we're in the Great Hall, all the, uh, I don't know, old breastplates there, the maester. Yeah, that looks like a monk. I don't. Ha I don't know. Did I have a nickname for him? He's pretty tall. And Ari comes in with some of the um, northern soldiers. Brands there at a sit table with Sansa, looking serious. Uh, and they close the door, and Ari stands in the middle of the room. Everybody's. Everybody has a serious look on their face. Uh, but Arya looks chill, but like, hey, what's going on? Her hands are behind her back. Yeah, she does. She looks like does look a little upset. All the soldiers looks a little scared for a moment. And Baelish looks a sigh, and she goes, "Are you sure? Are you sure about this, Sansa?" And Sansa goes, uh, "Yeah, it's what honor demands, uh, not what I want to do." And Arya says, "What does honor demand?" And she goes, "Stick, stick up for the pack." Uh, the wolf pack uh, against those who would mess with the wolf pack. Uh, Nari says, all right, go for it and get on with it. And we kind of knew because it's like there's no way this could go down this way. So Ari goes, well, our, uh, she goes, uh, she doesn't say Ari. She goes, you're in trouble. You remember my my aunt? Uh, and then she goes, Lord Baelish. She goes, are you sure what honor demands? At 5720, she goes, yeah, you're in trouble. You mess with my aunt. 
you mess with my cousin, uh, Lord Baelish. Uh, I mean, and uh, Ari has this great look at that, uh, uh, where she says, Lord Baelish. Yeah, really, for something you could kind of see coming, like ideally, uh, it was great because Baelish is like, What? Ari is grinning. And then Baelish does like a double take. Uh, and uh, he goes, Wait a second, does a triple take? And he goes, You got to be kidding me. And then Ari says, My sister asked you a question, dude. And Baelish is like, Whoa, whoa, uh, Sansa, uh, I'm confused. Uh, and Sansa goes, which charges confused you? Well, what about my aunt? That could be the easiest one. Or what about her husband? Or what about starting trouble between the Lannisters and my family? Uh, what about messing with my dad? And Baelish goes, this is all circumstantial. Uh, what are you talking about? Uh, no one here saw anything. He goes, your aunt was a troubled woman. He goes, everywhere else, uh, there was no one to see anything. So I don't know, like, unless you got yourself a three-eyed raven, oh, so raven. And Rand goes, dude, I am a three-eyed raven, oh, so raven. I was there. I've seen you You talk to my dad and say, hey, don't trust me. I told you not to trust me. I told you you said you'd try to uh, whatever. And Ari's like, do you, or Sansa goes, do you deny it? Uh, he goes, yeah, I deny it all. No one knows the truth. This was before the Three-Eyed Raven stuff. Uh, and then the Three-Eyed Raven stuff comes in. Bran says, dude, I saw it all. Remember, chaos is a ladder, bro. And Arya goes, by the way, you told our mom that it was Tyrion's. This was Tyrion's, but it's really yours. Uh, and Bran goes, I knew this was going to happen. And then she uh, goes, Sans, I loved your mom, but I love you too. Uh, always I've tried to do is help you, even the stuff. He goes, just can we talk alone for a minute? I, I got to talk to you solo. Uh, just like a high school boyfriend, uh, I got to get, you know, I get to, I'll talk to you without your friends here. And uh, Sansa goes, you know what? When I'm in this situation, I like to play a little game. Uh, I try to imagine uh, the worst uh, motivations uh, somebody has. Uh, and she goes, student has become the master, uh, Lord Baelish. Uh, she goes, I'm a slow learner. Uh, well, first she says, what's the worst, what was your worst motivation? Oh, you want me versus Arya. That's what you do, turn family against one another. And Arya walks to the uh, Sansa side of the room and stares at Lord Baelish. She goes, yeah, I'm a slow learner. It's true, but I learn. And Bailey says, how about a chance to defend myself or leave? And she goes, Lord Breastplate, let's get out of here. And Lord Breastplate says, uh, sorry, bro. He, he goes, we, we all know. And Bailey even has a tear in his eye. And then he falls to his knees. He tries that. Uh, Sansa, I beg you. He goes, I loved your mother. I loved you. And Sansa goes, you didn't behave. Your actions did not uh, match up with your words. Uh, so I loved you more than anyone. Sansa goes, and yet you're a jerk. Uh, and Sansa goes, when you brought me to Winterfell, you said there's no justice unless we make it. Uh, and then she says, it's just us, uh, Starks, and no Baelishes. Uh, goodbye. You go to the big farm. Bye-bye. And Baelish is uh, like, uh, he, he says, oh, boy, I thought I was going to trick everybody, and I didn't. 
and uh, we see this uh, power moment where the three sibs kind of take power, and like everybody says, okay, now the Starks are in his house. Uh, in the winter, the winter has the winter fell, winter falls at the end of the episode in a few minutes. And then we go back to the uh, courtyard, and Jamie's on the map with the Lannisters' generals, like planning everything out. Uh, he goes, "We got three days. Uh, we got to get moving." Uh, he goes, "We got to get moving fast." Uh, Lord Haraway's town. That's where we're going to meet meet up. Uh, he answers. He goes, "Sir Jamie," and they go, "Your Grace." Everybody bows. Uh, he answers. He says, "I got to talk to my brother alone." And she goes, what are you doing? Jamie goes, preparing the expedition. She goes, you really are the dumbest Lannister. She goes, that was a lie, the dummy. She goes, the Starks and Targaryens are jerks. So we're not going to help them. She goes, are you a traitor or an idiot? Uh, and Jamie goes, you said your word. Cersei uh, goes, I don't, my word means nothing. She goes, I don't want to help any of them. Uh, no. And uh, Jamie goes, what about the dude uh, in the box? Uh, and the Cersei goes, you know what? I think she's short one dragon. And she goes, uh, who cares? Uh, and Jamie goes, she goes, Jamie goes, what about, uh, he goes, this is, uh, and Cersei goes, I'm, I'm playing for me. And uh, Jamie goes, but there's no play. He goes, uh, either the people who come from the north or the, like, uh, Dick, uh, Khaleesi becomes queen. And Cersei goes, our child's going to rule Westeros. And Jamie goes, no. And Cersei goes, yeah, every, all the stories from our kid, childhood came true. Uh, it's all real. She goes, but I don't care. Uh, let them deal with it. I'm going to be down here in denial. We got a river of denial. And she goes, and then we're going to rule down here. And that's what Jamie goes, that doesn't, he goes, uh, yeah. He goes, either it's trouble or trouble, Cersei. Uh, there's no... Because there's no other option other than to help. Uh, and Cersei goes uh, like, uh, "Well, she she only, I only saw two dragons, so something's going on." Uh, and uh, then she, Jamie goes, uh, "I don't get it." And she, Cersei goes, "Well, she was just showing off. What a show off!" He uh, goes, "We don't have any support." Uh, and Cersei goes, "Yeah, we got the Iron Bank. Uh, they're going to help us." Yeah, uh, you should have listened to father. Gold is where it's at. I know it's boring for you, and you're not that smart. Uh, but she goes, I learned about gold in the Iron Bank, Jamie. We're going to get the uh, Essos uh, Army, the Golden Company. Uh, 20,000 men, horses, and elephants. Uh, Jamie goes, they're in Essos. Uh, and Cersei goes, yeah, that's where uh, Euron went. Uh, I sent him there. It was bad acting. And Jamie's totally shocked because uh, she says, you think he's going to miss his chance to marry the queen? No one walks away from me. And Jamie's like, uh, he finally gets it. Thank goodness, uh, you know, because we need another handsome man on our side. Uh, yeah, Jamie finally feels the sting of a trail here. He says, I can't believe uh, you didn't tell you didn't fill me in on this. Uh, you conspired without me. And Cersei goes, you're against me. You conspired against me. And Jamie goes, I gave my word. I intend to honor my pledge. Uh, and Cersei goes, that's treason. I'm commanding you to stay here. 
And James, that's it. He goes, uh, well, it doesn't matter what I'd call it. Uh, I'm out. And Sir Gregor stands in his way. And we get a call back. Seriously, he goes, no one walks away from me. And Jamie goes, are you kidding me? Uh, I think you are. I think you're bluffing now. He goes, I'm the only one you have left. Uh, and she goes, uh, there's one more yet to come. And Jamie goes, okay, then do it or I'm out of here. And he walks off. Uh, he goes, he, he's really heartbroken. Really good. Really, really good. Uh, watching both the reactions. Uh, He's the first Circe. It seems like she's like going to kiss Jamie goodbye. And Jamie, like, he, he says, uh, but then he goes, I don't believe it. He he, he walks off. Uh, and Circe walks after him a few steps. Her hands are like really, uh, her body language is just masterful. Like that she's also stuck, uh, that she can't control herself. She wants to call him back and. And she even kind of reaches one of her arms out, uh, but he's gone. And we see Jamie on horseback. He puts this glove over his uh, golden hand. He's no longer in his land. He's back in his leather. Uh, and a snowflake uh, lands. And we see it's snowing in uh, uh, King's Landing. And snow flurries. And snow flurries across King's Landing uh, tonight, all night. Uh, accumulation of uh, two to three inches. Uh, may turn to uh, snow showers on the uh, King's Road. And even in the Dragon's Pit, we have uh, about two to three inches expected to accumulate. Uh, So please uh, walk and drive slowly, especially on cobblestone. And yeah, it's kind of nice, like multiple shots of the big city and uh, the snow coming. And even the courtyard at uh, Red Keep uh, with the big map. and we see, wow, there's a lot of people that live there. Uh, then we're back in Westeros, and Sam Tarly, our favorite, your favorite Tarly, my favorite Tarly, him, Gilly, and little Sam roll in. And then Bran sitting in front of fire, being weird. Uh, Sam knocks on the door. Bran says, come on in, uh, Samuel Tarly. Sam goes, I can't believe you remember me. He goes, I remember everything. And Sam goes, hmm. This, let me give you a timestamp on this. Uh, 108, uh, a lot of uh, gifable moments. He goes, uh, what happened to you beyond the wall? Uh, he goes, you're a good man, Tarly, right? Sam goes, I guess I'm okay. And he goes, what happened to you beyond the wall? And Brian goes, I became the three-eyed raven. And it, like, <laughs> uh, really good stuff. <laughs> Sam goes, oh, how nice for you almost. And he goes, actually, I don't know what that means. Uh, Brand goes, I can see things from the past. I can see things now all over the world. And Brand goes, well, why are you here? And Sam goes, oh, maybe you should tell me. I thought I was here to help John. He's, he's the leader. Uh, he goes, I know he is, and I know he needs help, uh, so I'm here to help. And Brand goes, well, he's on his way here with uh, Daenerys Targaryen. And Sam goes, whoa, did you see this in a vision? He goes, no, I got a scroll here. He goes, but, uh, he goes, uh, we got to break some news to him. He goes, he needs to know the truth. Uh, and Sam's like, what? And he goes, well, he goes, only I know. Brian says this, uh, he goes, John isn't, uh, his father's son. He goes, he's the son of Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark. Uh, 
He was born in Dorne. And my father picked him up. So he's not really John Snow. He's John Sand. And uh, Sam goes, I got a critical piece of information, dude. He goes, he's not a Sand. In the High Septon's diary, Rhaegar and Elia were married. Or Liana. He goes, yeah, Rhaegar and Liana were married. And he goes, Bran says, sure, are you sure? And Sam says, can you check? Uh, he goes, oh, yeah, let me check it out. We see a nice little wedding. Uh, Father Smith warrior, mother maiden, crone stranger. And we see Rhaegar and Liana. And then Bran stops and finally hears his Liana whisper to Ned. Uh, that uh, John's real name is Rhaegar Targaryen, or Aegon Targaryen, in that Robert's Rebellion and the whole thing that for Cersei is not good news for Cersei. Uh, then John is knocking at the Khaleesi's door, a beautiful dra- inlaid dragon on the door, and Elsie says he loved her and she loved him, a classic love story. And the Khaleesi open, opens the door, they lock eyes, uh, you know, right as we're finding out they're related, they're going to, um, you know, they feel John closes the door fast because they feel like making uh, sweet, sweet love. And they do. Uh, meanwhile, Tyrion's watching from down the hall. I mean, not, he's just watching the door. Again, a lot of candles. Uh, I don't know who's in charge of these candles. Uh, that's when Bran realizes uh, his father knew that... Uh, uh, John was Rhaegar Targaryen, Aegon Targaryen, and I guess that the Khaleesi's his aunt, uh, which is uh, uh, interesting, I guess, uh, needless to say, to say the least, uh, uh, they kind of lock eyes, uh, and we kind of see them share a moment of, uh, I guess, like... Uh, uh, love. I don't know. It, it was a. It was like a, they're really looking into each other's eyes. Uh, but maybe there was enough there. It didn't. It, it seemed like it was good acting. That it was over enough. Like, do I love you, or am I just? Are we just both incredibly beautiful people? And this is a stressful situation. And we get another shot of Tyrion just watching, uh, uh, being like, "Oh boy." And Bran's like, we got to break the news to him. We got to tell him. Then we see the uh, Khaleesi ship out on the water in the moonlight, uh, uh, sailing off. Uh, then we go to the ramparts of Westeros, and uh, Arya and Sansa are talking. Hey, you okay? Yeah, it's just weird, though. Uh, Sansa goes, I really did think he loved me in his own weird way, like all high school boyfriends. Uh, and Arya goes, you did the right thing. And Sansa goes, you did it. And it's kind of a callback to the thing because one passed the sentence and one took care of the business, which is different than Ned said. And Ari goes, you're the lady of Winterfell. And Sansa goes, is that cool with you? Ari goes, yeah, I didn't want to be a lady. I wanted to be something else. Uh, and she says, you know, I know it's tough for you, Sansa. I don't think I could have made it. And Ari goes, yeah, you could have. You're the strongest person I know. Sansa says that to Arya. Arya says, well, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. And Sansa goes, don't get used to it. Uh, she goes, you're still very strange and annoying, which I love because that's the truth. Uh, and that's how siblings talk to each other. Some do. And then Arya says, in winter, we must protect ourselves, look after one another. And Sansa goes, oh, that was dad's uh, favorite saying. And Arya goes, yeah, I miss him.
And uh, Santa says, when the snows fall, you know, the lone wolf doesn't do good, but the pack does great. Uh, we're pack now, baby. And we're going to need it uh, because, uh, like, uh, they say, yeah, we missed dad, but we're wolf pack or dire wolf pack. Uh, then the camera heads north. Uh, it lifts up above the walls. Over the ramparts, we look. Uh, first, we visit the God's Wood, and Brand's kind of waiting for that tree. He said, I put two quarters in this friggin' tree. It's supposed to sing a song uh, or tell me a story, and it's doing nothing and just staring at it. So he goes on uh, Raven's Watch with the birds. And I'm not sure if this is the last we see a Tormund and Beric Dondarrion, but they're out looking over the wall. See a lot of cool shots of the wall at Eastwatch. Uh, really get an idea of all the craftsmanship that went into that thing. And they look out, and then finally all the northerners come uh, to the edge of the thing. Horns are blowing. Everybody's getting ready. You know, Barrack and Tormund are like, it's too high up here. I don't think anybody could get used to it. Uh, and they say, why are the, like, we see all the uh, masses of, uh, you know, the dudes on the horses and everything, but they're not doing anything. And then uh, we see why, because then the, the, the king, uh, like, uh, has a new pet called Frostbite or something. And Frostbite says, like, I'm going to huff, I'm going to puff, I'm going to blow down this wall. And I said, what is that, like, lightning or something? Or lightning, lightning, My brother called it Feist, which I think is pretty good. Feist, F-I-C-E. But so the whatever the dragon whose name, since I can only remember Drogon's name anyway... It's become frostbite and is ridden by the the the, the night but our night night king uh in, in in a room with no curtains. No, but like uh so they blow the wall down and it's very dramatic, really cool. Yeah, uh, everybody's running around saying, Jesus, what are we gonna do? And then the wall's down and everybody just walks through it, giants, uh walkers and people, uh, and snow. And that's how the season comes to a close with, uh, like a gaping hole in the wall and, uh, lines and lines coming through. So that's it, uh, for this episode. We'll do a recap of the season next week and we'll have this week's facts next week. Uh, so, uh, cause this is a pretty long episode, uh, really good, a really good season and, uh, a long, long winter, uh, when winter's here, even in, uh, even in King's Landing, uh, you know, either good night or let's keep the show going. Okay, so we're going to do a, like a run for, through of what I can remember, uh, season seven. It's Thursday night when I'm recording this, like uh, the Thursday, like right after the season finale came out. I think, or is it a week after? No, it came out on Sunday. Yeah, so it just came out like four days ago or five days ago. I watched it a bunch of times. And, you know, the big things we kind of covered, like it kind of was hard because it wasn't 10 episodes. And I don't read, like I try to avoid, I definitely avoid spoilers. And my brother's big into like watching all the YouTube stuff. So then I have to say, don't talk to me about this stuff. 
Cause he knows like all the, like he goes to all those YouTube, see, see, you know, the people that are like really good at theorizing stuff. Uh, and he did spoil me on one thing like two or three seasons ago. So I haven't, I don't, I don't think I'll ever be over that, but you know, you got, you that's like, that's life, you know, can't see everything in all or nothing. Good Khaleesi, you got to see it in the great grays of uh, gray worm and the North. But so what I'm saying is I don't know what, like, I, I, so I did do some reading just cause like, uh, there's some great writers over at the New Yorker, just some great Game of Thrones writers. I don't want to name any names that I enjoy reading their reaction. I think they're very funny. So normally after I record an episode, then I'll read some of those just for laughs and say, oh, wait a second. I didn't notice that or whatever. And just like with the hopes to say, well, I got a joke in that they didn't get, like they didn't, they didn't make a joke about something that I made a joke about. That makes, gives me, helps with my low self, you know, helps build up my self-esteem, at least on paper. And like, uh, but so, but I feel like this season, like I know discussing it, like with my brother Ken, it, it was like, uh, this was a different starting with like where the world was expanding and now it's coming back together. I think they maybe Weiss or Benioff talked about that at the end of the last episode. And they can be tough. Like and my brother kind of said that it's just hard to watch this show now where it's going and they're trying to gather everybody and get them ready for this, like what's going on. And I say, okay, well, yeah, like it's tough. Uh, it's weird. Uh, like, and I don't know if this is because of peak television or whatever you want to call it, or the gold, like the platinum, I would call this platinum age. I'm not going to mess around with the golden age. Uh, I assume when you say the platinum age, it's better than uh, that, but who knows? But like, uh, where you have these long relationships in like the internet to discuss your relationships with these shows, uh, and that they can, they have the luxury of coming to an end. It's it's interesting. I wonder what an anthropologist would say about all this. It would really like uh, boggle my mind. But so I think it is like they. I think they did a good job because it didn't seem like there was that many um, subplots really this season. And I mean, with seven episodes, you really can't do that. So we can talk about all the different plots or subplots or whatever that were going on. And I guess we just have to live with like. Uh, I mean, I don't know. For me, it's like, like, like enjoyable in some sense is seeing some of these characters coming together, seeing the Starks return home. That was really inevitable. And like, I mean, one of the things I did talk about a few episodes ago was like, I really feel like this season is giving people like, especially the Starks, but other characters as well. And it's mostly subtextually, but no, a lot of it is in the dialogue and stuff to say, hey, this happened to me and it had an impact on me and it hasn't been easy. Or saying, hey, I know that had an impact on you, like Sansa and Arya talking about it. And I guess, like, uh, I don't know, I like that, that, that it's just not always moving forward. It's looking back, not just at the events as they occurred, but at the events in the imprint, the events have left on the characters, the human, the human side of that. And, and I don't, I, well, first of all, are people from Westeros human? I, I, like, I think I asked that and I don't know if I've got an answer. Uh, I haven't tried to ask George or, uh, Weiss or Benioff cause I just don't want to get like, I don't want to get blocked or whatever, but, uh, let's just assume they are, or they're like such a clo close, uh, 
they're so close that it doesn't make a difference then. Oh, oh, sorry. My brain just asked if I was human. And I said, that's like, but my brain was serious about that question too. So, okay. So, so, okay. So criticisms of the season one, it was too short. I guess that's a, like a natural criticism. I, I did hear a lot of, uh, like about Danny and John getting together. But I think they dealt with it in an interesting way to say this is going to be a pretty complex, uh, like uh, like the way they did it at the last episode with the voiceover or the brain over uh, or the, you know, the flashback over and T- Tyrion's look. Maybe Tyrion in that case was a proxy, not for the audience, but for... Uh, it, the the reality of the situation, like I don't know if it, like I, I haven't read anything about what what people speculate his look meant, uh, but it could just be a pained look of like uh, that like uh, he knows this isn't you know this was both inevitable and going to be painful and probably not going to grow go great, and even when John and uh, Danny were kind of with with one another. It didn't look like it, was, it looked like it was going pretty well, but it didn't look like it was exactly going like uh, phenomenal. I mean, I, I'm just like 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 thinking about that. This was like what was intentional, you know? Like it was like, hey, it's going good, but it, like we're both, you know, she's you know looking at you. Either one of them could say, you know, how could it go not good? But I don't know. Like we're toes curling. I guess that would be a fair question. And, like, I think maybe Tyrion's look represents said, Jesus, I don't feel any ter- toes curling. Did I almost say terse curling or something? But, but so, I, I don't know. I think that's interesting. And I do, I did have, like, a little bit of, like, it's just, like, I'm, like, who, like, uh, like uh, you knew this was going to happen. So, it's, like, a, like that's all I said. It's people getting, like, uh really irritated about it. I said, well, it's, you know, it's going to happen. And then like, if it didn't happen, what would they do? Like, uh, you know, and, and like I said, when the Khaleesi's in love, like, holy mackerel, like, uh, it was like the, the peak of my attractedness to, to, to Cersei was, uh, when she was like the night when she was drinking all the wine, I think season two battle, like the battle of, uh, Blackwater. And so it's just interesting when my peak attraction to characters is, um, says, so it says a lot about me. So I'm trying to figure out a way to move on immediately. Um, so I don't know. So, so I don't know what the, more to say there's about John and Danny. Let's see. So what else was, uh, people didn't seem happy about. It. I mean, I think it was this whole, um, so let's say, I guess let's get into the, the, the subplots or the plots. So in the unresolved ones, so let's just start with the Stark, the other Stark children. So we had the Sansa story and the Arya story, and then the Sansa Arya Baelish story. And I think from the Sansa only story, it was powerful. Like Sansa is coming into her own, and then fully came into her own as the Warden in the North, or I mean, uh, the Lady of Winterfell. I, I, I think she became the Warden of the North. Uh, you know, starting with her machinations, uh, bringing like Baelish in to save the day. And so I think this is just interesting, like carrying and building momentum for Sansa into the next season. We don't know what'll happen. 
So that was interesting, but also saying, hey, this past has had some impact on me, so I'm still not sure. You know, it's going to take me seven episodes uh, to find my way because I've been through a lot. So that was interesting. Then we had Aria returning home, and like we kind of talked about early on, like uh, when you've changed so much, a return home can be very difficult uh, because she's still Aria, as we learned by the end of the season. But she, in some sense, is a completely, she's been through a lot, too. And so she is a much different person. I wouldn't say a completely different person. But, I mean, maybe that was on the big board when they started the season. Can Arya return home, like, emotionally? And so that question kind of got answered in that, like, I mean, I guess we knew that wherever Arya ended up, she would be an asset, uh, at least to Arya and to whoever she was just taking sides with it clearly are, you know, uh, like Ari's a plus. And, and I guess it was good that it wasn't an easy season for me in my relationship with Ari, just cause I didn't understand what was happening. And I was kind of dreading what I thought was going to happen. And they, they masterfully like pretty much turned the tables on me or, or at least like left me uncertain. So I was able to enjoy that, like, in, instead of just being Aria fanboy, which is like every other season, it's simple. I'm Aria fanboy, you know, and, and I'm team, team Aria, I mean, team, team Davos, but then da- well, we'll talk about Davos uh, short, short, for, as short as we can. Uh, so that was good. And then we had the, the, the relationship with uh, Aria, uh, Baelish, and Sansa. And they kind of ended up playing out like in a way that at least there was enough misdirection and emotional complication and history between Arya and Sansa that wasn't clear. Like it was like, oh, okay, is this how it's playing out that they're playing Baelish? Or I guess when you look at it, like afterwards, it could have played like we don't know how it played out because we didn't see everything. And I almost think that's better unanswered. It's like, oh, when did Arya and Sansa catch on? Uh, because it probably took Sansa seven episodes uh, to really, like, become, like, reach her fullness after her full confidence and, and have kind of her steam wash in and inform her choices, maybe. And, like, inform, like, cause, like, it felt like another thing, I guess, that I'm just thinking of now is, like, there was a lot of shame in kind of being tossed around between the three of them. Uh, I don't think Ari or Sansa was really doing any shaming of anybody else, but, uh, you know, she was kind of being pushed to shame, shame for being like a human and making, you know, having complicated choices and then having to make a choice in a complicated situation. And I don't know what my point was about that other than it's not easy to like, like have your self-esteem, then rise up and pull you out of the shame and say, no, like, like, uh, you, 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 like you won't shame me basically, Peter Baelish, or you ashamed to manipulate me. And maybe to Aria, we don't know, like say, Hey, no, uh, doing the best. I think she did say that. Like I did the best I can. Like, uh, I'm a good person. Like, you know, it's just complicated choices. And so that was interesting, and I think it was delicious, you know, the way it resolved itself. Uh, it was sweet justice. 
And it was just good to see them, the two of them together. And then, you know, for Sansa's kind of closing, you know, to kind of they address each other. And then she says, you're still freaking weird, like creeping me out. And Ari says, that's right. Uh, you know, wouldn't be any other way, more or less. Uh, so true sibling. I don't know, like, uh, what the writer situation is, but it felt like a real sibling moment. I mean, I guess Bran, like, like the, he's still in the WTF zone because he's just like, I think what that was like with the embrace. It's like he's like already, I mean, he's been through a lot and he knows it. Like, uh, it's just like, it's just another character for me to identify with. He's like, yeah, like, and then I think it was just good that they kind of, uh, they didn't hammer it home, but we had the second, like the second time with, uh, this time with Sam Waltarly to say, what the heck's a three-eyed raven, dude? And like, whoa, that's interesting. You see all terrific, uh, like, whoa, get me out of here. So, I mean, we didn't see really the human side of Bran because he may not be human anymore. He, he's a three-eyed raven. So I don't know if there was criticism of that, but it, it's just like Bran's weird now because he's not really, a, he's not a normal, he's not a normal person anymore. It was just a fact. I think he tried to explain that to Mira, I guess in a way similar to be like, Hey, I, like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not like, I'm a three-eyed raven. Oh, so I'm also oh, raven, but not like Raven Simone, like a three-eyed raven from the Norse used to be on Strange Brew. Then I became a man who lived in a tree and was also a tree. And now I'm down here just doing, you know, like, uh, and then he got to have like a peak moment where he took, got to turn the help turn the tables on Baelish. And he definitely seems like an asset in this situation. So, uh, like, we'll see. I mean, I saw one theory that I was like, what the heck? Like, uh, but I don't know. Like, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, so it's Bran, Arya, Sansa. I'm trying to think what else happened in Winterfell. Uh, anything else I need to check in? I mean, Br- Bran, like, uh, we had a lot of delightful moments as you bring the characters together. And then I guess you do have to focus on these ma- ma- more major stories. You don't get a lot of Bran time, but we did get, like, a little bit, and we got a tiny bit of pod time. We didn't even get a lot of Tyrion time this season because uh, there's just a lot going on. I mean, he had a lot of heavy lifting to do body language and facially, uh, Peter Dinklage. Um, and it's, it's through the moments he did have of dialogue, and he was kind of in a tough position, not as a just actor, but as a character to kind of be like uh, trying to steer the Khaleesi in one particular direction. So I kind of feel like the main stories this season were the, the Stark story, which we covered then, and then the Lannister story, which I guess we could cover next, which was uh, really, um, I don't think got enough attention. I don't think, I don't know if Jamie's, uh, like, d- d- journey, like, uh, maybe because it's like, is it not plausible? And I'm not talking about his physical journey, like, uh, it, did it have one too many turns? I mean, it was really enjoyable, enjoyable for me to experience. And remember, I'm watching these episodes four or five times, and I'm a regular dude. So, like, there is enough in me that's like, like, uh, jealous of, like, uh, like J- Jamie, and kind of encountered his kind of character, which is like, uh, 
what do they call it? Like a, like a himbo or whatever. I don't know what you call it, but, uh, but I don't know. I really like, I, I like, again, I found the acting just like, uh, it, like it went to another level this season. And maybe that was what, what made me enjoy about this journey. And I think Cersei's journey, like, um, I guess she has almost entered this irredeemable territory, which we talk about, like the last kind of character that was like, that was the dude up at Craster's keep. Um, whose name I forget now that I wrote the musical about. I don't know if it like, like, uh, I don't even know what season that was, but, um, yeah, I'm just thinking, I wonder, but uh, seriously, ever since her last confrontation, uh, like with, before Baylor, uh, like where she kind of, uh, uh, has this showdown and she's like, Oh, we're all like, uh, like, like once everybody kind of turns against her and it seems like she's on the downside and then she like takes it to another level with Baylor. I mean, she's crossed into irredeemable territory. And so I guess that's a tough load for the storytellers and the actress to carry because, uh, like how, how would you keep it nuanced and interesting when a character's crossed over? to a place where it it seems like redemption is very unlikely. And also, how do you keep it from being just like, a, I don't know, tropey, maybe not like it, like, and they managed to pull that off. And I think Jamie, Jamie's story was a big help in that, uh, because we were able to kind of see like, um, that he was kind of like, like that he just has this, um, unhealthy relationship with his sister. And I'm not even talking about the, the original relationship, the original not unhealthy relationship. Uh, and like there kept being these markers to like, I mean, for a long time now, but especially starting in the middle of last season, uh, to be like where he, he kind of sees, uh, I think, especially with, uh, Whoever the Blackfish's son is, I forget now. Like, that's another character I liked, but uh, where Jamie's driven by something that he doesn't even understand towards Cersei. And is it going to drive, like, like I really like that we we seem to have got an answer. And again, like, it was a, one of the main things I love about Game of Thrones is the misdirection. I thought we had one or two answers earlier. And the way it resolves itself, or seemingly has, it all—it almost seemed like it was impossible. But when you look way back to Jamie, the time Jamie spent with Brienne, now it's like, oh, it seemed impossible, but also it, it like um, were, were inevitable. And I just love that, like, like uh, that somehow in all of this uh, pomp and circumstance, they can have this uh, very human character. I mean, that's likable in some sense because he's devastatingly handsome and, and charming. But that, like, uh, he's just like, I mean, if he had a chance, he'd say, like, like I mean, he kind of did uh, with Olana. Like, uh, she, like I'm just a human. Like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm a human. Like, I, like, I can't, like, uh, I don't understand it myself. Uh, and, yes, I may be riding right into my doom. And I mean, maybe Cersei's biggest mistake was, uh, not realizing, uh, the gravity of, uh, playing with that, of like over, like I think in the end, it, she over manipulated Jamie and that was like, uh, the last straw for him it, that kind of woke him to his senses was like, oh, this woman 
like I am nothing to her. I think maybe before the end of the season, said, "Well, she's like irredeemable, but there's still something good for her that I that we have together." And and it seemed like she was leading him that way this season. And then, you know, wh- whether she she's really pregnant or not really pregnant doesn't matter. Is that uh? It was kind of something simple, like they, she didn't tell him about, like uh, that she had this secret plan. Well, it was bigger than that, maybe that that uh, she doesn't care about. She cares more about herself than humanity. Uh, so I guess it was this collision of that big issue along with this little issue of like, no, 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 I don't care about you either, like uh, at all. Uh, just using you. I mean, maybe I don't know. Like, but I really thought. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was a nice story this season. I mean, we got a little bit of Bron, probably not. Uh, I don't know. I guess we got a good, good enough amount of Bron. Uh, like, uh, but, but like just seeing Jamie kind of travel and return, and then try to leave, and then uh, finally, like he's like, okay, this is like uh, ridiculous. Uh, like I don't understand. Like. Uh, you are irredeemable, or you've gone beyond the pale. And I also really enjoyed whatever Clyburn's doing behind the scenes, but Cersei's ability to outsmart me and outtrick me, like, was enjoyable to know that she was always a few steps ahead of me and that that will continue to be the case. Like, that makes the show eminently watchable, or like, uh, to me. It's like, okay, I have no, I have great trust in everyone making the show and the characters, like, uh, ability to influence the story, too. So, like, I, I loved that. Uh, trying to think of what else between Jamie and Cersei. I mean, Sir Gregor, he didn't really, uh, have anything. Uh, I mean, Cersei, she's just really not well. I mean, I think that's what approved, like, but beyond the pale. Like she's driven, I mean, she's always been driven by some very sandbox level, very strange, like uh, family dysfunction. I mean, I'm not a, a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but like her actions on Game of Thrones epitomize what I love about it, which is like that uh, it's just like children playing in the sandbox. And she, while probably being one of the most mature characters, and one of the most intelligent and cunning characters is also the most childlike uh, and simplistic in some sense. Some sense because it's like almost like a like a a child acting out when you they like when they're too tired and you say I don't even understand why you're acting this way. He's kind of like the motivations at her depth. I mean, other than like, I mean, like the, the real things that are driving her. But even then, you say well, Jamie. Jamie was like, well, what do you mean, like? If a family's driving you, like, I like I just don't get that. And she's like, yeah, right, you don't get it, dude. And I think that it was just a nice way that he left, but she still, like, it went from being Jamie trapped to seriously trapped uh, by, by her own behavior. And, like, so that was like, I was a little bit sad for her standing, watching him leave, uh, I thought that was a powerful, powerful moment. And I think it was powerful, the small scale of that story in some sense, that most of Cer- Cersei's, I don't know if this was intentional, 
most of her story was confined to to wherever that part of the Red Keep is with the map and her offices. And while while there was other stuff going on, I don't know. I think that was just another interesting interesting part of it. So I guess that covers, maybe that covers Cersei and Jamie. So then the other, I mean, we have the big overarching story. I'm trying to think what uh, Khaleesi's story is. I mean, she's returning to her homeland or her place of birth or her ancestral home. And it, like, I think, it, like, I guess maybe seeing the complexities of power. I mean, I think that was a discussion like power is not pretty. And making decisions, these global level decisions, almost, or how am I going to play, how am I going to use this power, and what does it say about what kind of leader I am, and like, uh, uh, like again, that that none of this is easy, and none of it is clear, and I'm not getting the best, like, like uh, who's advising me, and how much do I listen to these advisors? I mean, the, the high point was Alana again saying. Uh, your dragon be a dragon. Uh, but again, that was almost, it was clear and cryptic at the same time. Cause it's like, well, what does that, what does that even mean? Like, uh, I'm not a three eyed raven then? Would, like, uh, like uh, maybe that was like a conversation, Bran and three eyed raven. He said, Bran, you're going to be a three eyed raven, so be the three eyed raven. And Bran said, well, I don't even know what that means. Uh, and they said, well, it's just like, it's like, does it make any sense to you? Brian said, no. Okay. Like, yeah, it's weird, man. So, but be, be a dragon. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. Uh, like, just a, like, it leaves a wonderful taste in my mouth uh, that, uh, but I guess to trust your instincts and, and try stuff that your instincts are pushing you through, then over calculation. And maybe that's like the counter to like like uh, that how Cersei is behaving. I mean, Cersei's cunning, but she says she doesn't seem to to ever overcalculate or, and she she doesn't rule. I mean, other than Clyburn, it's not like she's like, uh, huh? What should I do? Or like she's action oriented and putting in place her plan and then adjusting her plan. Her plan needed some adjustment a few times this season, and she was able to do that. And I guess it's easier with Cersei because Cersei knows the end game, total control of everything with Cersei at the head, where the Khaleesi's like a little more nuanced. Like, well, what kind of ruler do I want to be? What kind of impact? Well, this is what uh, Tyrion's saying. Uh, who's this Jon Snow? What does he want? Uh, well, I wanted to deal with Cersei. Now there's this other thing in the north. Uh, like back when she was the breaker of chains, she just broke chains, right? Like, uh, and dealt with it. And I guess she had to, like, then she had to rule, uh, the city with all the pyramids. And that wasn't easy either. So I don't know. I forgot about Sam though, but I think his like journey was pretty clear. He's a hero. I mean, he's the best Charlie. That's, it's that simple. Like, uh, luckily now he doesn't have to worry about, uh, like, uh, whatever I call his dad, Buttface Tarly or whatever. Yeah, Buttface and Dick and Tar- Tarly. Uh, his brother didn't seem that bad, but just a little uppity. But, uh, but I mean, his was very clear. Like, uh, a hero g- g- sometimes gives up on his dreams or what he wants, uh, for the good of others, uh, and takes risks. And it was, Sam took a lot of risks this season. So that was a nice one.
Okay, so back to Khaleesi. I, I don't know. I think Khaleesi's season was just, uh, uh, so I guess, so part of the main story that uh, it's kind of inseparable. But yeah, like what a what a like uh, what a load to bear, and then uh, you know have to deal with Jon Snow, and then deal with these complex feelings about Jon Snow, and to deal with the relationship with the dragons, to deal with all this birth talk or mothering talk, and then to have one of your dragons uh, stay north of the wall, uh, and, and I don't know to to. to uh, I mean, I guess in the end, she decided to change her plans, too, and say, well, what's best for everybody? Uh, maybe I don't need to worry about being a ruler right now. I have to worry about this helping helping everybody. And then I don't know who this Jon Snow is. He's, you know, pretty heroic. And he's, his middle name self self-sacrifice uh, and his hair and everything. So uh, not that I'm irritated at all by that. I mean, he's definitely irritated a few times by Davos. Now, his comedic relief was phenomenal. And maybe I was just like, I guess I heard a theory from my brother, Ken. And he basically said, like, like so I was telling him, I'm like, man, Davos is getting, like, why has he got to be such, like, a like a, why has he got to be creeping Masande out? Like, I, like, I'm saving her for Grey Worm. And, like, I don't want anybody bugging her. And my brother was like, basically, look at it this way. Davos is a very loyal character, and he was stuck with Stannis, who's basically like as dull as a saltine cracker or whatever, and, or dry as a saltine cracker this whole time. So now he gets to be with Jon Snow. He's the second in charge. And so he's like, his belt's looser. He's just like, hey, man, this is great. And, and then he's never been around women before, really. So suddenly, like, it kind of throws him off. Uh, so he's just, like, uh, like, like feeling like uh, he's just enjoying himself and having a little bit of fun, you know, being a character. And I said, okay, I could see that, but I just don't like it. I mean, for the most part. And just, like, some of his com- comedic relief and then Tormund's, like, the Hound, it was more, much more serious because he has sad eyes. I mean, he still had some funny lines, but I think, like... Uh, and uh, Tyrion did not have too much uh, comedic relief. Uh, Varys was very quiet this season. He just had that one mysterious moment. Um, and Ser Jorah really, uh, he got helped by Sam. And, uh, like, he got to be on the super team, which is cool. And it was good. To, like, I mean, that that I already talked about. It couldn't have been happier. Like, I like the Brotherhood Without Banners. Um, Gendry's not bad. Great runner. But the Hound and the uh, uh, and then to have uh, uh, Tormund and uh, I mean Davos was stayed home because he said I'm not good at anything. But uh, that that was great. Uh, so that was it. And then I guess like the overall arching arc of the season was hey humanity's in a bit of trouble here. Uh, wait till 2019 or whatever when we finish this up. Uh, but again, I think a lot of it is due to these incredible, the the funding they're getting now to do this incredible CGI and, and, and scene painting and going to these amazing locations. And that's what drives, uh, like, I guess, like, a, they have to intersect the story with expectations and, and what works and 
those are things that are working and that's not easy balance to strike with all those things but they're they're doing a pretty good darn good job in my opinion and you know there's different kinds of television like there's game of thrones and then there's leftovers which i'm watching now and so it's like uh like uh, it's, it's it's different things but this like again like a human experience uh in in the end a lot of times but they're you know there's a lot of pomp and circumstance with Game of Thrones and the cool stuff. Um, I'm trying to think what else what else is we have in this season. Who or who else we didn't see from Jacquin. I don't know if we'll ever see him again. Hopefully, uh, probably the Red Priest will still come back. I don't know if the Golden Company will come to Cersei's rescue or not. Uh, I don't know about uh, Khaleesi's old boyfriend. Uh, what's his name? Um, that's played by Dario Naharis or whatever. Um, I'm trying to think what else, uh, what else we missed, uh, what else I'm not thinking of. But I mean, uh, oh, um, here's something. I I don't understand what's going on with the uh, people in Sunspear. Uh, what is that called? Whatever that place is, it's like uh, they couldn't get the boats to pick them up, or were they on the boats? Because uh, otherwise, can't they freaking walk up north? Uh, Whatever that place is, where uh, like gold, where, where they wear the gold stuff, uh, where Elias Sands from. Uh, but again, I think that was just a story thing, and I guess it was difficult this season that uh, Westeros got a lot smaller, you know, to make it the ability to tell the story, and that wasn't easy. That uh, whatever Deus Ex Machina, Egg Mag, Egg Salad, or whatever you say, Deus Ex Machina. Uh, but you know. Uh, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, like, uh, I mean, it was interesting that it went from taking freaking fr- a whole freaking season to get somewhere, but you know, uh, I guess in the end it's, it's gotta get done. And I find those things just about her. And I think like, it's like, I'm here to enjoy myself and be, be immersed in the story and, and uh, particularly to enjoy being misdirected. I don't know if there's any other misdirections that I was thinking of, uh, I'm trying to think, Bran, like, uh, and I don't know. Like, we didn't see a lot of Ed Tollett this season, or Ned Tollett, whatever the heck his name is. He opened the door a couple times. I guess he's at Castle Black, and everything was moved over to uh, Eastwatch. Uh, and I guess Castle Black is probably the place to be. Like, move north. How about this? Move north of the wall. There's some advice. You know, it might be cold, but uh, at least, you, you know, there's a freaking no, uh, like, a feist or whatever that thing was spraying out of its mouth. But so, in the end, I think it was a great season. I mean, again, I could have used three more episodes just for my own pleasure. But I think I'm most struck uh, by Jamie and Sansa. Like, if I had to say, who are the VIPs for the season I don't know who I'd like, uh, say Tormund and Davos is like a uh, humor and cool Dra- Drogon. It was definitely out there. There's so much cool stuff with Drogon, but I'd say like, uh, the, the, like an Arya, but like, uh, I think Arya and Sansa together and Jamie like really had, I mean, I think like Jon Snow's already heroic. I guess Sam. I mean, Sam VIP v, VIP or whatever MVP for the season. Samuel Tarly. Uh, but like I'd say, maybe he's like the sleeper of the season. 
Maybe Jamie's the sleeper of the season. And uh, can you give an award to every character? It, it, we definitely didn't get enough Missande, but I mean, I'm kind of over, like, I just like, just incredible. Like, I'm just like, she's like, uh, not available. So it's like, what am I going to do other than like, my heart beats a lot when I see it. I loved her hair this season. And especially watching it blowing in the wind. And when, like, her, her, her silence, silent kind of confidence, uh, but yeah, I'd say like like I really enjoyed Sam's journey, like of, of heroism. I liked Bran, how like strange he was, but like embracing the strange and how it was kind of comedic at times, but not always. He did spend a lot of time with that freaking tree, though. And again, I don't know about that Chuck E. Cheese face in the tree, but I would upgrade that with some CGI, or just do some bonus scenes with it freaking singing. Like, it's my opinion, like, uh, like internet bonus scenes with the singing to Bran or, you know, talk, messing with Bran and cracking him up, uh, saying Polly want a cracker or something like that. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't need to talk about it too much. Uh, great season, season seven. And so I'll see you at season eight. What do you say? Uh, whenever that's there, I'll be here watching and, uh, let's get the rest of this episode going here, huh?